Hey, welcome to the 254th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter, which I desperately need, by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck. So you get more podcasts. So usually an additional 30 minutes or more of podcast entertainment every week. This last week was actually like like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and they've been kind of creeping a little longer. So I sometimes talk about classic comic book story arcs, just kind of go through them and everything. Or sometimes I talk about movies. So I've kind of been doing some movies uh, just to take a little break from the comics. Uh, this last week I did uh, Amazing Spider-Man. It was a 10-year anniversary it worked out perfectly. I decide I've been wanting to do it, so you can hear about that, and everything, and how does it hold up, trivia, and little things like that. Uh, this week will be another movie, and um, possibly next week as well. We'll see. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com/gmanfromheck. Okay, it does not look like there's a lot of news, as I I always say. Just a a little update. (laughs) Uh, I finally got my internet back. So last week, um, apologies. I just, in case, I I don't know how many people are really interested. Just a a little bit of personal stuff. You know, I I often have my life out on display or, or big chunks of it. And that was a big, horrible fiasco. And, you know, I'm still trying to recover from all the work that was charged to again if you ever get termites holy crap it's it's not not a good thing just the, the damage that they do and it's it's so hard to tell i mean I, and it just it seems so gross uh, you know i don't even want to see what a termite looks like up close but there's a lot of damage on the outside of the house so so now i got to figure out about getting the house painted or doing it myself and if i do it myself it's going to look like crap uh, I might be able to get someone that can that knows what they're doing that can help out. Uh, uh, I just don't even want to think about it. And then the other thing, my my laptop now, of course, you know, I think I may have mentioned the the issues I had back in December, where like my my laptop would not start up, and I was just like, holy crap, I have like everything on there. Um, it's been acting up lately, and it's been going a lot slower. It's very concerning. <laughs> it's it's like every time. Now it's like it's to the point where normally you know I keep my laptop in sleep mode. I just shut the lid and then I open it up and then just log in, and then every once in a while I'll reboot it, you know, restart it. But now it it won't even do that. So basically, what I have to do because my battery is, is shot, and I and there's like other issues that it, just getting a new battery wouldn't fix. So I'm just you know I've been having to plug it in. And then the battery lasts, you know, a little bit. But now it's like the battery, I think it's not even registering. So it's like to turn it on, I have to remove it from power. And then when I plug it back in, it automatically boots up. And then I got to log in and then I got to like restore everything. And my, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but it's just, it's, my computer's just really slow. So anyways, <laughs> that's, that's the updates. And also been uh, getting like Friday got hit with so many comic-con announcements and you know press opportunities so it looks like i may do some i think i'm gonna have to for video content i'm probably gonna have to rely on you know aiming more for the round tables and trying to do the one-on-one on the line obviously i prefer that you know it, it's it's easier it's cooler to get that one-on-one time you get less time but you, you are guaranteed 
that I can ask the questions I want versus when you're doing a round table, you're kind of fighting it out with other people as, you know, politely as possible and hoping that you get like one or, you know, at least maybe two questions. If So we'll see, it'll work. And, um, you know, then it's just, a, it's, it's always also weird because, you know, you get these, here's this, here's this, here's this, but this isn't a confirmation. So it's like they, they invite you to these things, but it, it's not a guarantee that they're going to have room for you. And obviously they're going to, allow the bigger fish in first. So even if I respond like right away, it's not a guarantee because they're probably going to wait a little bit and see like, oh, is uh, the Washington Post or <laughs> I don't know who who's huge that would be covering it. Anyways, so um, yeah, trying to make some plans uh, because I like DC Comics isn't going to be there and usually I, I do several uh, interviews with the writers and artists so I, I don't even know it'll be interesting to see and I, and I am a little worried about the whole COVID stuff still on with the news so like I said not a whole lot of news because you know I know there was like five minutes of just catch up recap if you don't want to hear about like personal like non-entertainment stuff politely let me know <laughs> somewhere uh, you know it could be like a direct message on Instagram or Twitter or you know on Facebook uh, or you know, whatever. Um, anyways, uh, news. Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio. It sounds like they're confirmed for Echo. Is that spoiler? I don't know. I mean, it's in news. This is according to Hollywood Reporter. Now, you always wonder about this. Is like, okay, when they confirm it, and, I, you know, I actually, this is the one time I didn't actually read this from the direct source I read it from. Because, you know, this is how it goes. News breaks and everyone reports on it. And and if you're cool, you do the right thing and you, you link back to who the original source was. So I didn't read the original source. And I don't know who exactly confirmed this. If it's like, oh, a very reliable source confirmed this. Or if it's like the casting director is like, yeah, this is happening. So you can report on this. Or, you know, it's just... It's so so weird how things work because there's like a schedule and like you know something like this. I'm surprised it's announced now. Although I guess you know you would think you'd want to save it for Comic Con, you know, try to do something. But there's so much news that comes out of Comic Con, so maybe it's like okay, let's 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 get this out ahead of time so it doesn't get lost. So we'll see. But that that's that's great. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they if if the, at all they reference. I think the smart thing would be is like don't even reference whether or not the Netflix stuff is canon has happened because I think it's it's a big gray area you know with the multiverse obviously anything goes now so unless they're gonna have which we know they're not but you know unless Daredevil is gonna like suddenly uh, put on a costume for the first time then we can go either way so I I think that's the smart thing is you know just just don't really touch on it. Because I'm trying to think with with um, Kingpin if anything's been cemented before or not, if anything's been if it's clear or not. And, and I, I know Vincent the the, the Donald Frio made a, a comment. Is he speaking officially or is it just like in his mind? Is he own you know creates the character, the mindset to to play the role? You know that that's all one thing. But if the powers that be, if Kevin Feige doesn't you know didn't say so. It doesn't matter what anyone says. You know, writer can say something, but unless you got the you know official say so. So I think it would be best just don't acknowledge whether something did or did not happen unless it was something like drastic. 
you know that that they you know elephant in the room that they need to, to discuss. So you could have it that Daredevil's been active, just not making the news, and you could have it that he had this you know big interaction with Kingpin because you know obviously Kingpin we could say has been active in New York City, but no you know Avengers aren't going to deal with it because they go after Thanos and and stuff like that. So it, it'll be cool. There's also apparently been reports that Kristen Ritter is will be returning as as Jessica Jones, but I don't think that that's official, official, official. Even though, um, like, I don't know if Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are, are official, official. So it'll be cool. Uh, you know, I, I I thought I thought all of them were, were great. I thought, I, and I don't care what anyone says. I liked Iron Fist. I thought he did a good job, and I like Luke Cage. I wanted a, a Power Man and Iron Fist show. Who knows? Maybe uh, James Cameron is. He's been talking about Avatar. I, I forgot when if this was last week or not, or maybe it was this week. Uh, he said something about. He was talking about the length. I, I'm assuming the next Avatar movie is going to be long. Okay, I I'm all for long movies if it's something I really want to see. Batman being long, Infinity uh, Avengers Infinity War being long. Yes, that's great because I don't want to wait forever for the next one. But with for me personally, for Avatar, I don't need a long movie. I don't want a ninety-minute movie. I, I think you know two hours, two hours fifteen, maybe two thirty. That that that'd be good. But if you're going like three something, and and but basically his his kind of defense of it, he's like, well, you know, people are used to binging for you know eight to ten hour shows and you know stuff like that. But it's a little different, James. There's a thing called the pause button. Where oh I gotta go pee, pause. I mean, or I need something to eat because I've been here half a day, pause. But when you're in a theater, yeah, you can get up and leave. But I really hate doing that. I don't want to miss, you know, because how long is it gonna take you to walk down, exit the the auditorium, go to the bathroom, wash your hands, and then dry your hands, and then walk back? I mean, you're looking at least two three minutes at least so i don't know we'll see oh but the, the main thing what he's talking about is he's not sure if he's going to direct avatar four and five and um he's saying that you know these movies are very time consuming they're all not time consuming but they're all consuming you know you really need to devote yourself into them and he's like i have some other things kind of like in the works that I, i'd like to do as well the other thing is will 20th century studios 20th century Films, studio, what are they called now? They're not Fox, 20th Century Fox, just 20th Century Studios, I think. Whether they want to do um, Avatar 4 and 5, that hasn't been confirmed yet. So they're probably going to see how Avatar 3 or Avatar 2 does, whether they make any decision. And he said that like 3 is already in the can, so it's going to come out. I don't think you can, yeah, you know, they probably put the money in there, but if like 2 completely flops, they might be like, eh, I'm, I, he probably has, like, an, I'm sure. I would bet anything he has in a contract that three can't go to like Disney plus. It can't be like a Disney plus original. Cause he's probably like, I wanted to be in a theater and, and that's, that's fine. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with small screen. And the, the other thing also is like when things debut on like Netflix, they'll release in a theater sometimes for, you know, like a week. And, you know, like I saw that red notice or red, whatever the, the Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot. I saw that in the theater a week before it came out of Netflix. But anyways, we'll see. I'm not super excited for Avatar. I will go see Avatar 2. Uh, it looks great. 
uh, maybe I need to watch the first one again, which I really don't want to. But we'll see. And also, I'm I'm so tired of seeing that trailer. Like every single week, I'm seeing that the same trailer. Oh, who knows? Um, speaking of trailers, Paper Girls, so the full length trailer came out. I almost missed that. I think it came out like on Tuesday, and I didn't see it until like Friday. I was like, "What?" Because I remember there was a the teaser. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it. I think it was a teaser I saw before. So the trailer came out, and let's make it clear, I knew this was going to happen Like when I was reading the comics, and when there was like first rumbling of like, oh, whatever, I knew people were going to say Stranger Things. It's like, oh, it's some kids, they're riding bikes, it's the 80s, it's Stranger Things, oh, look, there's a color in the sky, Stranger Things. No, it is absolutely nothing like Stranger Things, and no knock against Stranger Things, obviously, you know, I really enjoyed that. It is completely different. You watch a trailer and you see there's like time, time travel. I guess you can say time travel and and other stuff in, involved. And and you know, I'm always like hesitant, like what specifically. You know, I I don't want to give any anything away. So um, just just watch the trailer. It's it's going to be cool. Uh, and um, you know, Stranger Thing or Stranger Thing, uh, Paper Girls is going to be a Comic Con, so uh, we'll we'll see because that starts uh, July 29th, so that's that's going to be like the week after, right? So it's getting close. I, I'm I'm really excited for that. Um, speaking of of Stranger Things, so uh, there's a, there's a, like a big announcement during the week. So the Duffer Brothers announced that they have a new production company called Upside Down Pictures. It's for film and, and television stuff, and it's part of their like overall deal with Netflix. They have Hillary Leavitt, who worked on Orphan Black and Ozark, is going to be running the company. And Upside Down Pictures will, quote, aim to create the kind of stories that inspired the Duffers growing up. Stories that take place at the beautiful crossroads where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, where big spectacle coexists with intimate character work, where hearts win over cynicism okay um I, I get what they're saying let's i mean i i hope that they can really capture it because doesn't everyone want that nostalgia bit so that that we need more more we need more stuff like that you know more just like fun growing up adventures that aren't like watered down kid movies that are like cg animated you know nothing against cg animated but we need like just other big adventure stuff with the netflix there's going to be an all-new live action adaptation of death note the anime so that's interesting i mean they they tried doing netflix tried doing a live action death note from a purist hardcore fan it was bad from a casual thing it wasn't too bad it was okay i mean there is some i mean i i love the manga i love the anime um i'm not going to consider myself like a an anime manga like hardcore expert or anything like that as I constantly stay or state, my favorites are like Speed Racer and Gatchaman, Battle of the Planets. Those are those are my my anime because I'm talking. We're talking old school stuff. So the current stuff, I'm I'm not up to. You know, I've seen some here and there, little bits, but so them working on a live action death. I mean, it'll be interesting. And but of course, the, the main thing is, unless they they cast, you know, if if it's like white people or whatever, people are gonna be like, oh, you're whitewashing it. Which I, I, whatever. Live action television adaptation of Death Note. And then there's going to be original series with, uh, from J- Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews. 
there's going to be a series adaptation of Stephen King and Peter Straub. See, I knew what someone wrote it with with Stephen King. I, or actually, I think I mentioned it. The Talisman is is going to be. Oh, is this Netflix? Because it says also Amblin Entertainment and Paramount Television, I guess. So that's why you may remember in Stranger Things, uh, Lucas was reading The Talisman. So and and I thought that there was it, it was weird that they they had it like right front center of the the shot. So I was like, now we know a new stage play set within the world and mythology of Stranger Things. Um, I don't know about that. And then a live action. Stranger Things spin-off series based on an original idea by the Duffer Brothers. So we'll see. And then um it they the, the press release says that there's huge uh record breaking numbers and and all and there, I think there's something about I I I I closed my email already. But there's something about like number of hours or time spent watching that. Yeah, because the last season was like 18 hours long or maybe even more. Maybe it could be eighteen. It was so long, but it, but it was it was good. So we have more Stranger Things stuff coming, and then who knows when season five is coming? I don't want to get. I spent so much time on Stranger Things. I don't want to. I don't want to go back with some other. I was like, well, what about this? Now that I think, you know, it's too late. I, I lost my chance. Um, and then the last bit of news, uh, as far as Sony, I, so I read this report that apparently, and I'm I'm a little confused what it means. So they're saying that. Uncharted 2 is in development, but it's not official. It's not officially announced or confirmed that it's in development. Which which is it? Basically, the, this report said I think it was like the anchor ankler something. I forgot what it was. Sorry, uh, and they're they're saying that Uncharted 2, while it wasn't like crazy successful, it did pretty well for pandemic box office which I guess is, is a good thing. I always wonder like how that affects it where, you know, like if, if these movies were released, you know, in a time four years ago or whatever, they'd be making huge money, but you know, people are still hesitant and all that. So, you know, I, I want these movies to be successful and, and, you know, continue. They're also saying that how it was one of the more successful video game adaptations. And, you know, if they can get uh, Tom Holland, I'm sure, you know, they, they want to keep, keep doing it. But then the other thing in this same like report, they're saying Sony's also planning the next like Spider-Man, like Spider-Man Four, like the next trilogy. Obviously, of course, they they want to keep doing that. The problem is Tom Holland's not confirmed yet, and you know I feel like there's been some mixed. I, I've seen like two different things, like even just just recently in one of those uh, Facebook news sites, they're like Tom Holland's not going to be in in Spider-Man Four. It's like okay, says who? And it's I don't know if it's the same one, but this this these sites are like constantly so and so's cast, you know, taking a role in, in a Marvel, MCU role, MCU role. You know, it's like everyone is joining this, and it's like, wait, how come you never you never hear anything about this? They're like the ones that like Tom Cruise is Iron Man in Multiverse of Madness. Uh, nope. <laughs> I hope that they get Tom Holland because I you know I feel like he's done a, a great job. He commented that he doesn't want to be like in his 30s playing a teenager but i, I feel like spider-man is aging or you know time is is passing and i you know there was the blip or whatever that cut things off but he's i you know he, it's getting to the by the time it comes out he'll, he'll be like maybe like 20 you know so if he's 30 playing a 20 year old you know i, I think he can maybe still do it I, I think he can so we'll see yeah it'll be weird i that that's the tricky thing is you know we we have the the MCU characters, with a couple exceptions, 
you know, they there hasn't been um, any like recasting of anyone, which I think I think it's okay if you do that. If you have to do that, do it. I'd I'd rather recast with a you know as long as not recasting like all the time but i'd I'd much rather they recast after a, a bit of time than kill them off so like if they and I, I know it would be hard like if they're like okay we're gonna recast tony stark a lot of you know people are gonna be resistant so you know maybe maybe that would be a little difficult to to pull off and have people accept it whereas while they you know recast Rhodey, you know, I, no offense to him, but you know, he—it's not like he's you know front and center main thing. So people are like, like, wait, and you know, how many people you even remember? So who knows? But I, I mean, I would, I would rather see, you know, like if Chris Evans, he's like, well, yeah, I, I don't want to do Captain America anymore. I want to direct, which I thought, I thought he wanted to direct movies, and he's still starring everything, which is great because he's awesome, but. You recast you know i i just don't like this okay we're gonna do legacy and i think the other problem is because in between these movies like real time passes and i i think this is a place where marvel really drops the ball if it's going to be like two years but like what what has his anthony mackie or what has captain what has sam wilson been doing since uh captain america and or falcon and the winter soldier until like captain america 4 comes out what has he been doing so i feel like Marvel could put out comics, get some sort of the, the problem is like for whatever I don't know what it is. The Marvel adapt MCU comics are not very good. There's a, it's always like the writing just feels off, and the art is is usually like average. You know, it it's it's decent, it's okay, which is why I'm surprised that they they, they got was it Tom Grummet that did like the the DC. CW comics. I, I mean, it had really good art. I, I love his art. So I I, th- I feel like Marvel could do these comics in between to like fill us in because you know what oh, I don't don't want to say anything about Thor just yet. But you know what what has happened? Anyways, speaking of Captain America four, this is this this is really the last bit. So apparently they have a director Julius Ona is is going to be directing Captain America four with uh. Anthony Mackie as Captain America, and he did the Cloverfield Paradox, which um, which is a paradox. Is that the is that the war one? Um, I I didn't mind that. No, what that wasn't. No, 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 no. Oops. Um, that was a that was the Netflix show. There wasn't it. Maybe. And that was uh, yeah, it was okay. But uh, he also did um. Here's something else, which I'm I'm forgetting right now. So I I think that that that's good. Let's you know open things up to new not new directors, new to the MCU. You know rather while yeah I'd want the Russos to be back or whoever you know just you know let's just get different one. Give people a chance at the show, and that way people can't say like oh all these movies are the same. You know let's let's let someone give it their own feel. Look at Taika Waititi and Thor when he did Ragnarok. You know, it, it changed things, and I'm all for that. With that, I I, I said this was gonna be short. <laughs> I just it's I I shouldn't even bother saying that. That is gonna be the news for the week. With comic books at Image, we had Closet Number Two. This is this is um 
I don't even know how to describe this book. There, it, it, there's a feeling of dread here. So it, it's a James Tynan the Fourth book. So that tells you right there, you know, it's going to be kind of freaky or creepy. He does freaky and creepy really, really well. So we have this little kid where he's scared of something in his closet. But the problem is, or it's not really a problem, is the they're moving across country. The family's moving across country. And the dad, the dad's got some issues. And, you know, he's, the, the, his problem is he's, he's kind of, he's, he feels like he's stuck in his life. You know, he's married, he has a kid's. He he wish he he's looking or he's missing his quote unquote freedom, you know, to not have so many commitments. It's like, dude, that's part of growing up. You know, you you have these responsibilities, and it's not like you know he doesn't want to be with his wife or doesn't want his kid, but he's just you know he's this is probably if everyone survives, this may open his eyes and be like you're being a complete idiot. The problem is as they move. They're not, you know, and and the kid tells his dad he's scared of closet. And he's like, dude, it's just a closet. He's like, we're moving. It just, it, it's don't worry about it. And you know, he's just like so stressed out and other other stuff like that. But obviously, what is whatever is in this closet is gonna follow them. And it's um, it's it's creepy. I mean, it, it's it's definitely because it's a poor little kid. And um, yeah. So that's all I'm gonna say. Speaking of little kids. Little Monsters number five, so Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. I love this book. It's it's this is another thing. It's it's almost disturbing in a way as well. So we have a p- apocalyptic wasteland world or whatever. Group of of kid vampires. I mean that that came out whatever. So that that's wider monsters. So they're they're basically told by the adult vampires whatever to st- like, stay here. We'll come get you when it's safe. And so they're just kind of surviving, you know, feeding on rats and stuff like that, you know, hanging out at night and then get inside during the daylight and and everything like that. They just kind of lose track of time, you know, playing hide and seek or tag or whatever and, you know, doing different things. So they don't realize that, like, a lot of time has passed. And when one of them kind of comes across a human who was, like, injured and gets a little taste of blood... This kind of like some of the others are like, hey, wait, we we were never told about this because you know they maybe they never actually fed or they forgot what it was like. It's weird seeing these kids that you know you're you're seeing them in the beginning, like the first issue where they're all they're not just they're innocent, but they're just they're kids and they're just trying to survive. And then now they are turning into monsters. Just like wait, I was you know supposed to be kind of rooting or cheering for them, and I don't want to do that anymore. And so it's it's. It's it's a it's a cool concept. Then there is uh, from Mark Miller, Prodigy. The, the, so you remember you might remember the Prodigy character. So Prodigy, the Icarus Society. I really liked uh, the first one. I think it was Olivia Coipel that did the art on the first one. I could be wrong with that. This one it's Matteo Buffagni, who um, I think he did something at Marvel. But uh, the, the, our main character Edison Crane, he's like. Uh, maybe he's like the eighth. He's either the eighth smartest or the eighth richest person in the world. Super smart, super rich, and he, you know, he's he strives to like train himself. You know, he wants to be like the best, and and just you know, he can do like all this stuff. At like one point, he's like working out and he's watching. T- he he's able to isolate. I think there's they it said there, there's like 150 different voices, and he his brain can process and isolate each different voice and 
register what they're saying. So this is how he keeps up with all events in the world. He just like watches it all at once while he's doing something else. And he, he's constantly multitasking or doing inventions. And, and, you know, of, and of course with the stuff that he does, there's also the threat, you know, sometimes he helps the authorities, you know, a lot of times he helps the authorities. So then he'll make enemies. And there's this one enemy in particular that, you know, you see like right from the, you see on the cover, why does he have gorilla or, or chimpanzee hands? <laughs> and uh yeah there, there's some stuff so then there's you know something happens at the end it's like oh i didn't quite see that coming so it, it's really good i highly highly rec- recommend that track down the, the first prodigy series from mark miller and you, you'll you'll see uh, liam sharp has a new book called starhenge dragon and boar or starhenge book one dragon and boar so this this is it's gorgeous art, art and color. It's, it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm looking at these panels and it feels like, you know, each panel is like a painting or it's like, holy crap, how much time did it take to, to do this one page where you got these separate panels? And I, you know, I just don't understand like the magic that, you know, he somehow harnesses to, to put this out. And the other thing is the, the book is kind of ambitious. There's a lot going on. So let's see what, what the synopsis says, because it might be better than me trying to describe it. So it's six issue, a future Merlin travels to 5th century Britain to prevent monstrous time-traveling killer robots from robbing the universe of magic. Okay, so that's something that happens. is like magic, like people don't know about magic. It's like, no, it existed, but someone kind of erased it with the time travel. Amber Weaver's lively present-day narrative reveals how she becomes drawn into a war across time. The Terminator meets the Green Knight in 30 enthralling story pages, setting the scene for this original epic inspired by the Arthurian sagas. So yeah, it's um, it's, so it t- kind of takes place at different times, and you know, you, you you hear a lot about like how the future works, like things are going on, and and like the present, and and it's. Yeah, so yeah, it's very interesting. I would suggest checking that out. And then there's a twig number three. So this is three of five. This is the the book by Scotty Young and Kyle Strom. And um, I'm I'm actually enjoying this a little more. You know, I I like the first two, but I I felt like there was something that was a little off or something missing. And I think I I think my my stupid um, thought process was the fact that this is only a five issue series. And I think what I want is like I want to see more of this world and not not to, like to stall and like flesh everything out, but just knowing that this is only going to be like five issues and it's done. So I'm like, I want to know about this or that. You know, you're seeing little glimpses, and I'm like, wait, there there could be more to kind of enhance this. But with this issue, I think because now we are kind of seeing more of the world and everything, so maybe I'm I'm starting to say shut up, Tony, and just like actually enjoy the book more. So we we have um, Twig and his friend companion splat they're running so he has he was sent i don't see i don't want to spoil too much he had to go on this mission to obtain a certain thing it, it kind of broke because of his you know on uh, his his fault or something like that so now he has to try to fix it and if he does it it's kind of like the fate of the universe type of thing in in you know short terms that that's that's basically what's what's going on so it's like um this and this was like his first time like really doing this on his own so um yeah there there's there's a, a lot at at stake there 
so it'll be interesting but then the, the thing is like the fact that this is only five issues so i feel like this could easily be like a 12 issue you know you could expand this because he or he had to he has to obtain like three different things in order to fix the the main thing and it's like okay how are you gonna do that so quickly where you know they if they they could like getting to each item location thing could be like a two or three issues in itself so but maybe it's just a matter of today's industry or day you know people what they want and everything so maybe they don't want that right off the bat and maybe if like the first five issues are go gangbusters whatever then we can see more of the story more of the world then at um so i don't think any did idw not have anything put out i didn't really check but i i was looking on previews and idw wasn't even listed so did they have absolutely nothing out i, I should check that out uh, maybe I'll check it later. So uh, going to DC, Flashpoint Beyond number three came out, and I'm really intrigued with this book. And maybe it's because kind of being feeling like I'm out of the loop. I didn't even realize that this was coming. Like I didn't like see or you know whatever. Like why is Jeff Johns going back to the Flashpoint you know world and with Batman, and just seeing how things are continuing when everything was supposed to like have ended and, and things, some sort of drastic things are happening. So I'm just really fascinated with what is going on and just knowing that with Jeff Johns and with what has happened before, you know, what, what he's done with, you know, like the, the, the watch, the doomsday clock stuff. And that's what was that? What it was called? Not, it doesn't sound right. So I'm just, I'm so intrigued, like where this could be going. So it's while, you know, I wasn't super duper crazy about, flashpoint when it came out but i'm like i'm like so interested in what's happening here joker 15 there's probably some spoilers out there you heard uh i'm uh, maybe i missed something when reading this but i i think i got the the gist of it and we we find out batman goes to talk to the jim gordon because he's basically like did you kill joker you know what like what was going on because things like were kind of overlooked they were kind of being held captive sort of there's this like crazy family of like uh cannibals that wanted to eat the joker you know they hated joker they want to kill him so they want to eat him and jim sort of delivered them but inadvertently whatever and then there's stuff with um what is bane bane's clone daughter girl created female clone whatever x23 bane bane 23 i don't know but there's her and which i I, i'm actually curious about this character i I, i'm kind of intrigued about a possibility or whatever like where where they can go with this and then we've also had bane there but it's like wait retro scratch um isn't bane dead and then wait 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 again isn't bane like a zombie in task force z but wait, 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 isn't Matthew Rosenberg like working on both books? So I, I think I've addressed that before where he's like, um, I'm aware of what's going on. He's like, look at the credits. And it's like, yeah, it is a little weird. And I think I understand the connection. Okay, but the, but it just goes to why kill him in the first place if he's not going to be dead. Which I, I feel like, I feel like I should just just talk about that just go i could do like i'm not i i feel like i've done it bits here and there but maybe i just need to do like a separate off my mind and and talk about like comic book deaths 
I don't know if that's something you'd want to hear about, but I don't want to drag things out here because <laughs> that happens too often. Um, Multiversity Teen Justice number two, I passed on that because I just I don't know the characters and yeah. Uh, Monkey Prince number six. This uh, it, I'm I'm getting I'm trying to you know get on board with this because this is the other thing is new character. I, I don't know the character. Why do I care about the character? But I'm trying to, you know, obviously you got to start at some point. You know, you can't just say, oh, I've never seen this, so I'm not going to try it. But, you know, that that you can't do that. We're, we're seeing more of, of Monkey Prince. And then there's a the fact that his parents, they're, so they relocated and they're working for Black Manta now. So they're, they're basically like evil scientist henchmen, <laughs> which is it seems like a, a risky job you know profession or whatever and then there's stuff going on with uh they're you know they're, they're gonna go underwater monkey prince is gonna have face some things and so it's 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 interesting then there's dark crisis 2 um yeah there, there's definitely some some big things happening here the first issue i was like okay this is fine and i think my main problem is like deathstroke he's like oh, i'm gonna kill all the bad guys and it's just like, dude, like, what, what, what's, you know, who put a bee in your bonnet or whatever? And it's also, it feels like something, it's like, wait, why do you have a mohawk now with Deathstroke? You know, like, are you okay? You know, nothing against mohawks, but it's like, wait, what, what's happening here? Uh, you know, it's some existential crisis or whatever, I don't know. So the, the first issue is like, he's gathering all these villains. The problem is where... I, I feel like you know driving a story like this kind of falls flat a little bit is Deathstroke knows a lot you know he he knows like Batman's identity you know he he knows the Teen Titans identity he knows Nightwing's identity and I always say that like that could be like a huge weapon again when you're fighting someone that you know maybe is it fighting dirty probably but these are who says Deathstroke would ever ever fight not dirty so that that's always a problem where like and so as they're they attack like titan's tower it's like okay let's kill kids like what is your your beef with kids is it because you're scared to fight adult superheroes as as things are are in going destruction you know he ends up fighting nightwing and he's calling him richard like in front of everyone there's like other villains it's like come on man we have secret identities for a reason and it's just uh, i don't know but there's there's some cool things in there and then um they're, the two of them are fighting, but are all of Deathstroke's minions or whatever subordinates going to just sit there and let this happen? And then someone else shows up to kind of even the odds a little bit. Then there, there's something else that's pretty big that that, that that happens. So I'm like, while I wasn't like completely on board the first time, I'm I'm more on board with with this issue. So it. I'm, I'm intrigued with this. Um, Batman 89, issue 6. I almost forgot about this. I feel, it feels like it's been a while. When, did I read issue 5? Did I miss it or something like that? Maybe that, that could be possible, knowing me. So this is the final issue of the miniseries. And uh, I have some issues with things that happen. So it, there's always the matter of the secret identity coming out. And I, I feel like often, especially with these Batman movies back then, that it happened like way too often. And I feel like that that's like a huge thing. You know, you can't just you can't just be so loosey goosey about it. So there's that. And then um I don't know how I feel about Two Face. 
you know, as obviously he's like disturbed with everything, you know, the, the, the trauma of everything happening. But sometimes it's like he's a, just a little too goofy. It's like, okay, you're trying to make him like a wacky villain. And, you know, this isn't the Jim Carrey Two Face. No, this isn't Tommy Lee Jones Two Face. Sorry. So it's like it doesn't have to be weird and wacky. And then Catwoman, you know, she does something. I don't know. Um, I am curious, you know, with with uh, is, you know, is is Batman gonna have a Robin? What's gonna happen here? You know, are, are they gonna do a sequel? So I don't I don't know how this did sales wise if they'll they'll do one or not. Then there was Suicide Squad Blaze Book Three. Okay, this was Book Three because I was I was kind of flipping through it, and because of time and everything like that, I'm like, the, man, I was like, why are you doing? I I almost thought maybe I didn't read issue two, but as I started looking, you know, reading through it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels like the just the length of this, and there's a lot of dialogue, or there, maybe it was like a certain page or whatever. I feel like this is going to take me a long time to read, and sometimes it's hard. <laughs> it's reading is hard but sometimes it's hard to read like a big long book when i'm trying to read all the books so i can and watch all the shows and get things ready i you know my boohoo story i did read that uh jerry duggan 100 page 100 plus page book last week so obviously if there's certain things i will do it and i read a, you know, a chunk of the clementine book uh, but with this, I was like, eh, you know, it's, it's Suicide Squad. I'm like, and at first I was like, is this just another Suicide Squad book? I feel like we've, we've had a lot of like one shots and different things. You know, there's, there's that other one with, a uh, with Red Hood, which I, I enjoyed that. But this, I, I know I read the, the first issue and, um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't read this. This is one I was like, I'll read it later. I, that's what I would like. I don't know if it's going to happen just because there's so much. Then there's Poison Ivy 2. So this is with G. Willow Wilson, right? And it's intriguing. I really like the the writing and how we're getting into Poison Ivy's mind and how she sees things. And, you know, she's got this big scheme and stuff that she's doing and everything like that. My problem is, like I said probably last time, is this plan is just like so drastic it's so hardcore i mean it's like it's like end of the world type things and it's it's not like crazy villain you know wanting to do this it's like no this is as i mean maybe maybe she's a little crazy or whatever and there's there's reason she's like upset and so not not she's not crazy i shouldn't say that but this is like legit gonna happen so it's like um this isn't just a deluded villain wanting to do this this is like a villain that's actually gonna be able to do it and has already started doing it so that's my promise like oh my gosh this is like so finite or whatever just like how can you come back from this so we'll see then there's dc versus vampires issue seven this is uh, this is i think my favorite is this my favorite dc this might be i think this is my favorite dc book this year i i've just been enjoying it uh, I just I and I love Otto Schmidt's art and colors and this is just it's it's good. It's uh, when I first heard about it, I'm like this is ridiculous, you know, DC and vampires, but it's just so good and I, I things are just so you know the, talk about like you can't come back from this. There's seeing things that you cannot come back from. So you definitely don't want to miss out on this. And um, yeah, I don't want it to end. It's, it's just it's so good. Oh, and then there's, you know, there's like, I think it was last week, there's a 
Vampire Hunter or whatever. There's like a Harley book that came out last week. Sometimes the the one-offs are okay. They're not as good, but like that Harley one was, I feel, very important. Black Adam, The Justice Society Files, Hawkman. I was curious to read this, but it's a tie-in for the movie. So that automatically, and see, this is the problem. It's like what I was just saying about the Marvel books. As soon as I hear like movie adaptation, I'm like, breaks. I don't know why I'm doing sound effects this episode. Uh, But it's just like, yeah, I don't think I want to read that. But I feel like I should. We'll see. I mean, maybe as a movie comes out, it gets closer. Because like just right now, I'm not super excited for Black Adam. I mean, I'll definitely, I'm sure I will be come December, but whatever. Batman Killing Time issue 5 came out. I did not read. And then Batman Beyond Nero Year issue 4. There's just something about this. I, I tried reading it again. And part of it, I, mean, I don't know if it's a villain that I'm not like super into. But it's something, just the whole vibe feels off. And I think it's because Bruce Wayne is not there. And just that where he could easily be somewhere else, you know, whatever. It just, something just feels off to me. And it's just hard for me to accept and to get into it. I don't know. I, I know it just seems so silly and, you know, things we should be moving on, but it just feels like, I don't know, like something's just not right. So, cause I, I I've been enjoying the Batman beyond comics, you know, before, for this, but I just feel like maybe they're like, okay, we're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So let's push things forward. And I feel like maybe they pushed it a little too much too fast. I don't know. Okay, so wait, I did do a little little look and a little little looking. It looks like the only thing that IDW put out was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Last Ronin hardcover. So I think that's all that came out. Uh, it looks like next week is G.I. Joe Real American Hero 295, which I know I did not read 294. So, oh man, Tony, you need to get caught up. Over at Marvel, we had Amazing Spider-Man issue 5. And I, I hate to say it, I haven't loved this story. So this is like the end of the story arc of the, the whatever, the first, the end of the first arc of the historic new volume. It's like, yeah, really? And um, it's just, the, the, I, I'm okay with Tombstone. You know, he was never my favorite, but I don't despise him like some certain other villains. Uh, I, I'm kind of appreciating him a little more here. I, I kind of like like certain things that happen, and I feel like I feel like he's been humanized a little more. That I, I can appreciate what he's doing. The whole overall plan or scheme, it makes sense, you know. And on a, a lot of levels, it, it was it, it was it was smart, but it I just didn't get me like super excited. And and then there's still a fact is like what the heck is going on that we you know we still don't know what happened in the six month time and it, it i know we'll get we'll find out soon maybe in the next arc you know they'll, they'll start touching on things but i just feel like okay you're doing this and you're just ignoring it and you know it, it's not even like that it, we're being teased it's just it's like are, do you are, do you know what happened or you just want to put and i'm sure they do but it just feels like oh there's some horrible things happen but uh we'll figure it out later and uh, let's just do this now so and, and just a whole th- and that whatever's going on with Mary Jane and that I may have issues with that. Avengers Forever issue seven. I'm a little torn with this. Um, it w- it wasn't a horrible book, but it's mainly it's it's another here's another character, more multiverse stuff, and 
not really like our core characters. So it's like, isn't that what we just had in Avengers? It's like, are both books doing this now? And it's like, we have two different series because this one doesn't necessarily pick up. It, it kind of stands alone in, in a sense from like, like I don't even remember what happened to issue six, but this one doesn't continue from issue six. And well, I don't know. Captain America, Sentinel Liberty issue two. Steve, Captain America has been told something about like the symbol that, you know, someone else is like the symbol is ours. And there's like all this scheme going on. So he's trying to find out like what, what the heck's talking about because the shield is obviously his symbol and everything like that. And then there's also the fact that um, there's like a subplot where where's Bucky? He's trying to call Bucky and Bucky hasn't responded in days and just like that. And then we do at the end find out what's going on. What, what he's looking into. Carnage number four came out. Oh man, it was, I have no idea. I did not even, not, I don't even want to read the synopsis for that. Ghost Rider issue four came out. I'm, I, I can't get into that book. I'm not, not really sure what it is. Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. Uh, I'm okay with this. I, I'm a huge Jane Foster Thor fan. Hers Valkyrie, for, I don't know what it is. It, it hasn't been like super exciting for me, even though it, I'm so glad that something more is happening with Jane. But uh, it, it's and it's what what what. Anyways, what I will say, what I do like about this is something happened to Thor, which makes it was like, wait, how does this tie in? This doesn't. This isn't going alongside the, the regular Thor comic just yet. So something happened to Thor, and Mjolnir went to find Jane to kind of get some help. So she has ability. She is you know while she's Valkyrie, she can also flip over to to be the mighty thor or whatever which which i think is is awesome so um and also i i think the other problem i have is, is sometimes the art falls a little flat you know less you know there's there most of the time it looks really good and sometimes it's it's almost like a distraction so that's the other problem but i am curious to see you know where this is going to go so i'm on board for that legion of x issue three i didn't look at that i should because i love nightcrawler but i can't get into that series um, then we have Sabretooth 5. Nope. I, I hate Sabretooth. I don't want to even know what he's doing. Uh, Strange Academy issue 18. I, this has been a really good series. I, I've really enjoyed. Uh, some of the kids are annoying because they're kids. You know, they're supposed to be. You know, you're, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to get annoyed by some of the characters. But this is. Um, talk about annoying. Like one character who I really liked or really, I, I, you know, liked a lot is just really annoying here. But uh, this is uh, the last issue for now, for like summer vacation or something like that. So it's it's interesting uh, to see. And some of these kids are like, hey, you have you don't have a clue like what's going on, which often is is how it is. So it, it's been good. Eighteen issues, you definitely should should check it out. A lot of a lot of great um, moments and stories. Uh, you know, so Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. I mean. They, they've been doing a, a great job. So I look forward to more. Even though I wasn't on board with the idea, it's like, do we really need a magic school? But I've enjoyed the characters' the development and just the things that have happened. See, this is the other thing. A bunch of new characters. I was able to get into it. So sometimes it, it, it works. It's, it's not like I'm anti-new characters. I can be open-minded and accepting. <laughs> Except for the what if Miles Morales. So issue five. Oh man, so um, it's just funny that there was so much flack against the last issue, the Thor stuff, 
which I mean, it kind of made it kind of it made me mad in the fact that I felt it was so bad. But a lot of people were mad for stereotypes. You know, there's like so many. Just it was just ridiculous. I think so. Issue five, you have now all the different versions of Miles are together and. And just the way it ended, I'm like, you know, I was I always say I was just skimming through to see, and then I was like, wait, they're back. That's it. Everyone's going back home. That's that. Okay. So you can read all that. It'll probably come out in trade soon, and you can check it all out if you haven't read it. Then there's excellent issue five. And this, as I, I keep saying, so Mike Allred art, Laura Allred color. I'm sold. I will will read anything that they they do. Peter Milligan, the man, this this comic is just it's kind of it's almost disturbing in a way because you know it's set in a marvel universe but not so if you want something a little grittier if you're if you're looking for something kind of like the boys but not as extreme then you should definitely be have checked out ecstatics because there's a lot of like some similarities that we're seeing now where maybe not a lot of similarities but just the idea of uh, you know, zeitgeist, you know, he, he wants followers, you know, he's all, you know, c- concerned about the pr- public image and, and he's doing things. He knows that they're bad things now, but he doesn't care. And it's just characters. It's like, Oh, here's this new character you see for, and then they're, they're just wiped out. And it's just like, Holy crap. Really? So you never know what's going to happen. It's just, it's just so nuts and it's refreshing in a way that it's while it's in the marvel universe it's kind of not in the marvel universe so it has that kind of feel but then they just go pushing things and you know you're not going to get avengers comic where you know here's a new character and then they're going to die two two issues later by getting their skin melted off or something so it's it's very gutsy and bold and i'm so happy that marvel is letting him you know here you go you got you know you got the reins do what you want so it's just it's been really really good so i really recommend that and i also recommend that you keep listening because there's more but that is going to be it for comics this week and now the man who fell to earth season one episode 10 the man who sold the world so obviously i don't know you know i haven't really paid attention if all the titles were david bowie songs because as you know recap 1976, I believe it was, uh, The Man Who Fell the World movie starring David Bowie. It's really, it's a weird movie. It's, it's pretty cool to, to go back and watch it. The, the show picks up 30 years later. Uh, obviously, David Bowie is now played by Bill Nighy. Um, not Bill Nye, the science guy. Is it Bill Nighy? That's what I always say. Uh, so, yeah, I, I haven't really paid attention to most of the episodes where David Bowie songs. I, I know, and some of them, like, jumped out at me, like, like okay, that makes sense. And So this is a season finale, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting how, if you just go back, because what, what I think is really cool about the show is it starts off almost where this episode ends. Obviously, it's not, not the exact end, but it, it starts with... Faraday, this alien, giving this big speech to all these people. I was like, how can he be talking to all these people? He's an alien. He's putting himself out there. He's talking about this new technology and everything like that. So we get a lot of repeat from that too, but it's kind of interesting just to see just how he's how far he's come. Because he was just so awkward. And I don't know. Um, just not with it you know I, I don't even know how to describe it because he was he was an alien and and he was you know had so much to learn and you just see how he's just grown and you know became more aware of every everything 
So it, it's been cool to see it reach this point because with the last couple, I'm like, how the heck are they going to do that? So I don't know if it went a little too quickly, you know, to, to get us here. But I would say overall, I've been you know really satisfied with this show and, and I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if there's a season two. I haven't heard anything and, you know, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse as much as, you know, I don't read like all the news sources because I just I just don't have time. And I did search to see is there has there been like an because a lot of times there's like some quiet announcement and I missed it so far nothing it hasn't been canceled it hasn't been renewed and how do I feel about that let's wait till we get to the end like you know should there be a sequel there you know does there need you know yes absolutely there need one what could happen and so forth so it starts off we see like Anthea it's a flashback we see Newton and Faraday from before like before newton uh left he's picking seeds and he's talking about how they won't survive on anthea or something like that and newton is is like way younger you know you can see he's he's like a, a kid anthean or whatever then it jumps to cambodia which is where newton's been been hiding faraday asks if you know this is where they've been communicating from and newton says it you know close enough then Newton asks, how's the machine? And Justin's like, we almost died for it. Then he's like, oh, then it should be, you know, fine. Then he asks Faraday if they shot him. And he's like, yes. So then he brings up, Faraday's like, I thought I was going home. And, you know, he's saying how he had a right to know about the plan and and stuff like that. Newton's like, well, I want to go home too. Newton talks about how, you know, the people, the monks there in the cave, you know, he gave them seeds rather than just, you know, take their water and oxygen or whatever. So that's where these like weird plants, wider they're they're growing. He goes on some more, and then Justin just he's like, just tell us why we're here. So it turns out that the geography in this location has some sort of like mag- natural magnetic anomalies, and so the CIA, whatever their satellites go blind there. The CIA has been missing him for years, and he shows them their last hope. So they they're like walking out like in in the in a forest or whatever. There's a giant ship like structure thing like on above them, you know, and and, it, and it's camouflaged really really well because then they, they do like an overhead shot and like you you wouldn't even be able to really see it. Newton says that the parts you know when talking about the ship that the get, getting all the parts was like a global scavenger hunt, but building it wasn't really complicated and the monks found a joy in it. Faraday just stares and he's like, it's not big enough. And, you know, he's going to use the core to power the ship to fly back and get the Antheans, but not all of them. And Newton's like, he says he's blind, but he's been doing the best that he can, which he's being a little sarcastic. Faraday says that, you know, there were thousands when he left and the ship will only hold. And Newton's like hundreds. Justin asks, which one? And Faraday answers, the adepts, not the drones. And Newton's like, of course, just the adepts. He's like, we won't need drones here. So Faraday uses his sign language to call him a raging a-hole. And Newton's like, I can't see. So you know, he says he can't see what, what he said to him. Faraday said that the, the clouds are gone because the decisions about the decisions, whatever, that the adepts made. So, you know, that the world is, the planet is like dying more because, you know, their decisions and mistakes or whatever. The drones held things together all this time. And so he's just like, he's he's angry. Justin goes after him and she's like, what happens when they get here? You know, Newton says that you'll try to kill us all after that. You know, why won't you need drones here? He's like, what happens to the humans? And then she's like, they'll all be the drones like my father. 
and you know he's like before he was dying right you gain something you lose something and she's like but he doesn't get to decide and and you know he says that he didn't that they did that there are already drones humans will do whatever they need in order to confirm something yeah did i say that she, she's talking to, to newton right, right now so he he's saying that there are already drones that you know humans will do whatever they need in order to confirm firm something that they need to believe about themselves and she says that her father was a different person and newton says but he was still a person you know she could love him and and you know all that stuff or whatever but and newton's like you know he's had years to just sit here and plan so they need to create the next version of both their species and together they'll thrive you know that's how they're all going to survive that, that you know this is how her daughter's children has a chance she just like shakes her head she's like no she's like i can't open that that door she's like if this is the end for them then you know we should end it as we are you know if you've come too far to become you know who we are and he's like i i know he's like don't you think i loved you when i came he's like i did i didn't have the words for it then you took my science and my eyes and you hunted me like an animal it's like all you had to do was love me back and justin asked faraday because you know he's he's there too it he's like he asked faraday if he's willing to lose his family and newton says that justin has changed something in the algorithm when she uploaded it so it's you know because she's just like she leaves where he's like it's hundreds of miles to anywhere from there he's like a snake bite could take out her lungs so if she unlocks the algorithm she can get back to her family and then she won't have to see like the two of them again you know whatever at least the two of them are result. and she can be with her family she can shut the door she can live and love for whatever time is left but you know she just she doesn't want anything to do with that at langley lisa's reporting to the director dude He's, he's saying, he's like, so now there's two aliens in a wind. Finch is there also like sitting next to her. And he's like, and we still don't have quantum fusion. So he's like, he's looking, he's like, your report says Clay committed suicide. And he, he asks, he's like, didn't Gregory Papel also commit suicide? Like blows brains out in the woods. And Finch is like, yes, sir. So then uh, the director, he wants to know why they're, the a, their agents involved with this take their lives. Then he asks Agent Dominguez, Lisa, um, he's like, you know, why do you think that is? And she's like, uh, I'm not really sure. And then Drew like finishes. She's like, I think two tightly wound men became obsessed. And then he's like, am I going to hear about to Drew? He's like, am I going to hear about you eating your gun? And she's like, at no time, sir. Then he asks Lisa. She's like, no, sir. And he's like, find our missing friends and don't come back here with this again. Are we clear? So then he like leaves the, the, the conference room. So the two of them are left alone. And Lisa's, I mean, she's kind of like, not she's not necessarily shocked, but you know she's just like, what the heck is going on? She's like, the coroner's report would have said that the first bullet went through Clay's jaw, and the second lodged in his chest. Suicide means the director saw an altered report, and then she's like, thank you. And Drew's like, you're supposed to be smart. He's like, here's my take on this. Thorne got wind of the machine and needed someone to get in its path. He knew they'd never the CIA would never let it leave the private sector, something like that. And, and he's like, and he gave you a lot of money. She's like, how much? Because Drew's like, you murdered someone I raised. And Lisa's like, he sold you out. Someone I raised. And she's like, Clay was going to kill him. You knew what he was. You spared the alien and shot the human. She's like, Spencer is an asset who I don't have in my life anymore. And she's like, that's what flipping counts. Am I correct? And Lisa's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, but I have you. I thought about throwing you in the hole, but I'm giving you a chance to make your, your yourself whatever useful and she's like 
a chance. Keep an eye on the Falls woman. She's the one who can lead to the fusion and the aliens. Do that or hang for treason. Lisa's like, uh, they don't hang people for treason anymore. And Drew's like, I do. So at this point, it almost felt like something shifted in, in Drew because here, I don't know, like even at this point right here, it didn't feel like she quite, ever since Clay like threw her under the bus, it felt like she lost some of her power because she was always kind of this mysterious, formidable person. And like now, I don't know, she's like, I lost someone close to me, someone who I raised. It's like, okay, whatever. The guy was a raving lunatic. Okay, whatever. So Newton and Faraday are talking. Newton says uh, Faraday knew that she changed the algorithm. And he's like, yeah, I was waiting for her to tell me. Then Newton's like, that's very evolved of you. So he's like, go get her back. And Faraday's like, she's not coming back. So, you know, he, Newton says he needs to leave and come back before the planet's too far gone in eight flipping years. They like curse like so much. A million things could go wrong in, in that time. And he says Faraday has to finish his part too, you know, because his videos are already a hit. You know, people are wondering who's this turtleneck guy or whatever. And Faraday's like, you know, he's like, why do, do I have to be that guy? And he's like, yeah, someone needs to stop them from slaughtering us when we come back. Someone with actual power, someone who they all want to be. So he's given Faraday ownership of Thorn, the Thorn Enterprise or whatever. And Thorn also has controlling interest in Origin. So they're both his. He's like, congratulations. Faraday takes us in and he's like, put my family on the ship. And Newton says, he's like, my family didn't get to go on a ship. But Faraday repeats, put my family on the ship. And then Newton's like, sure. He's like, they you know, might spoil the fun or, or you know, not be able to recognize you when you get here so he's like why not stay with that girl until you want to kill yourself with alcohol and he's, he says that you know, newton's like you know love brings out their latent problems with alcohol or something like that and faraday mentioned sister mary lou blamed herself when, when the problem was really you and newton's like he and he's just like no drones so faraday's like accept me and newton's like you're not a drone anymore so faraday asks is that why he chose him and you know he he he, Newton's like he knew that he'd be the best of both of them and Faraday's like how Newton says that he knew the moment that he was assigned to him and he asked him he's like do you remember the seed so that's the, the part we saw before and Faraday's like that was his Newton's last day Newton's like and what did did you do he's like I asked questions and Newton's like you're the only drone ever and then they said goodbye so then you know then he's, he takes a drink from his flask he hands it to Faraday who takes a drink Newton says that he's like, my children are dead. And Faraday, you know, was light years away. And, you know, he was all that he had. So Justin's walking through the woods. She's trying to figure out which way to go. Uh, she then, you know, Faraday comes up to her. She's like, is this real? He's like, shouldn't I have a choice? She's like, it's my life that, you know, he just came and tossed us around like he wanted. You made us part of your story. And this is where you want to leave us. So she's like, I believed in you. You know, he's not who you know she needed him to be so she just wants to go home and you know it's like they she, they can go back home together right now but you know he won't he says that he can't not until she locks the algorithm she starts walking again and then he yells he's like i can never be human and she says she changed the algorithm for this moment you know and he says that it has to be a human decision and she's like don't you understand she's like i can't live if my daughter doesn't recognize me and he's like, that won't happen, I promise. She's like, I will protect everyone from, from him. And he's like, I will protect Molly. And she's like, how? And she's like, why should I believe you? He's like, because, because I love her. 
and she shakes his head. She's like, you don't know anything about love. And he's like, I learned. You learned? And he says that he didn't have a choice. And he's like, you, you picked me up from the side of the road when you had every reason not to, when I gave you every reason not to, but you did it. And every day when you braid Molly's hair and when your father's skin is cracked and dry from the medication, you help him and you help me without thinking. He's like, how could I possibly stay blind to love around you? So it's in me. And she's like, I almost believe you. And he's like, almost. He's like, that has to be enough. Otherwise, everyone is gone. The Hummers arrive. She gets in one while you know Faraday stays behind, and then you know it drives off. So I guess she she gave the algorithm. She's leaving. Newton's like, I don't know what you said to her, but it worked. And he's like, she would have been the end of you. He's like, well done. Let's get to work. Justin, you know, we we go back to Tinkertown where they they first lived. Uh, Justin pulls up in a car. Molly runs, hugs her, you know, whatever. And Portia comes out, hugs her too. Justin goes and see her dad. Because you know he's he's reverted back to his condition. He's lying in bed. He's happy to see her, and you know he says he's all right. She lies next to him in bed, and he asks if she's going to go back to him, and and she's like, Mm-mm. she's like, I can't go back. She she thought she knew where he was taking them, but Joe, Josiah says that what little time he has left, he's going to spend believing in him. And she's like, no, and she says, you know, she's afraid. She can't believe in something that she's afraid of. Josiah is like, I believe in God and gravity. He's like, I'm afraid of them both. But he says that, you know, he has faith. And Molly's like in the doorway. She comes in. She's like, because he's a scientist. It's like, okay. scientists have faith? That's I didn't realize this. Whatever. Then it cuts three months later. It's like, just like, are you rushing things? It's like, okay, I guess, you know, we got to wrap this up. It's the last episode. So it's at the origin office. Edie is talking to that reporter lady. I think her name is Penny. And she says that they're close to launch, so she'd like to, like the New York Times or Post or watch whatever it is, to publish a series of articles on Mr. Faraday, Origin, and she's like, and the machine? She's like, of course, absolutely, the machine. Penny asks if she, you know, when will she talk to Mr. Faraday? And Edie says that, that she'll be dealing with her. And the reporter says that Faraday had been giving her information on what they were doing up, you know, up there. And then in the last three months, he's gone silent. So is the machine still a source of renewable energy or has it all gone to poop? And he's like, no, it hasn't. So a reporter asks, well, then why is he stopped speaking to me? And you know, she can imagine that there are several parties who wouldn't want this machine to exist. So she's like, you know, maybe the articles that she writes should be about a hapless heiress who's left with shoes that she can't fill. And Edie's like, that, you know, she says she and and Mr. Faraday have an arrangement. They're going to give her everything on what she needs. And Penny's like, well, what about Hatch? You know, he's the one that first reached out to me. And Edie says that if she wants this, Hatch does not appear anywhere on the legend of Faraday and quantum fusion. But she's like, but Hatch brought Faraday to origin. And Edie says, and now you're dealing with me. She's like, I am the only direct line to Faraday. Take it or leave it. <sighs> Lisa arrives at Tinkertown. At, the, at Justin's place, and and you know Justin's like on a ladder hammering something, and and Lisa comes out. She's like, "I'm alone." Justin, she gets off the ladder, and she's like, "Get off my property." Lisa's like, "Can I just talk to you?" And she's like, "You want to talk to me?" And she's like, "I, you're the only one I can talk to." It's like I, you know, I can't talk to anyone else. I can't talk to a priest, but you know, I can talk to you. And you know, she's like, "How can you carry all this? You know, all that you know about him, and not go insane?" And she's like, "Yeah, how?" And Justin's like, "Well." I didn't torture anyone for starters. Lisa says that you know she knew where he came from, but 
you know, never saw him for what he really was or is. So he's sent from God and she's like, and I tried to sell him out for money from an oil company. And, you know, Justin's just like, what do you want? And Lisa's like, you know, she says that the CIA, that they're going to kill her. Lisa's like, they're going to kill me. She's like, they, they have to eventually, but before they do, they're going to, they're going to take him. And when they take him, they're going to come for you too. So she takes off her necklace, her, her crucifix. And she's like, you are right. It's like, my mother gave this to me to remind me that God is always watching. And she's like, please take it. She's like, I don't want to die with it on. And then she's just like, please. So Justin's just like, fine. She takes it. And Lisa's like, I'm sorry. And she leaves. And then it's like, oh, crap. I don't know if this is a good thing. Because then Justin's like, you weren't working for an oil company. And Lisa like turns around. She's like, Newton is thorn. Does that make it better or worse? Lisa's just sitting there and she just leaves. So at this point, you're like, okay, is she serious about this? Is she really like freaking out with her moral decisions and everything? You know, she killed a, another agent. She killed a human being over over an alien. And, you know, she does maybe claim to have this religious background. And Drew is like, you know, you're going to be assigned to the, you know, you're going to do this or you're going to hang for treason. So did she just play justin into getting information because now that she knows thorn is newton not that they necessarily can still find him because you know thorn is this huge recluse but this might not be good so molly is braiding her josiah's to her grandpa's hair and she's like do you miss your hands and he's like no and then she's like did he take them back and he's like who she's like the larva and he's like come come around to where i can see you so he's like, I want you to remember something. He's like, the lover is good. He's good and he's special. He gave me something I thought I'd never have again. And, you know, Justin's like kind of in the other room and she looks, you know, when he says this and she just goes back to the other room. And then Molly's like, if you don't miss your hands, then I don't miss your hands. She's like, but I miss your feet from him like dancing all the time. And then Molly's like, calls out to mom she's like come see what i did with his hair and justin's like i'm house cleaning and then she starts hearing like a machine or some beeping from one of the boxes and then she finds one there's like this hobbled together like piece of machinery with like a scanner and it's like beeping and then she's like oh man and then she like runs out drive through through the desert she gets to location sees like a cloud of smoke swirling and she like walks into it and it kind of goes black whatever and you hear like faraday talking justin my mission is your mission whatever so then you see like some newspaper art, you know, some time has passed. Penny, you know, she wrote a big announcement, you know, set to bring origin back from tech world obscurity. You know, the world is waiting to hear about, you know, they, they know that the end of the world is coming. So, you know, there's this big presentation is about to happen. And uh, so then Edie, <laughs> this is this just kind of just really bothered me, whatever. She goes on stage. I mean, I don't know if she's ever addressed public before, what if she's like up this and, you know, people are like, like pounding her feet and like clapping and they're just, you know, all this stuff like that. And she goes out on stage and she's like waving to everyone like, Oh, Hey, Hey, over there. Oh, up there. Yeah. It's like, they did one. Do they even know who you are? Do they even care? And it's like, is that why she wanted to do this? Cause you know, she wants to be known for bringing quantum fusion. Is it just about her ego? Maybe I think because her dad belittled her so much. But she's just out there and she, she's talking to them, all this stuff like that. And she's like, this isn't your father's tech company. It's not my father's either. Uh, so whatever. 
And I was just like, oh, man. So she says that she knows that, you know, some of them have skepticism or just outright rejection. You know, her father wanted to make the world a better place, but she doesn't think that he could have imagined what they're bringing. She's like, I imagined it. And again, is this since when? And she's she's like, you know, me and the others have worked to bring it to you. And, and it's like, what exactly have you done? So she introduces Mr. K. Faraday of Origin Global. <laughs> okay. Um, so he comes out on stage. He looks at everyone. And then he's just like kind of looking around. And it's almost like, uh-oh, this doesn't look like it's going to go well. Because he kind of looks around and looks at the the monitor, the big screens behind him, whatever. But, you know, he's in a dress in a suit. And his, his hair is a little, you know, cut cleaner or whatever. So then he starts like with how the first episode, how did we get here? to this place, this moment. So then there are several SUVs with sirens like racing through the desert. So at first I'm like, is this because of the message? And in the, in the de- I don't think that that was it because some time must have passed because now we're at the end of, you know, this presentation is about to go on. So they're, they're, they're going through the desert. It's like, are you going to Tinkertown? Because we see that they're, they're watching the presentation like on a laptop. And then she gets up when she like hears the sirens. So then Faraday is like, if we could see the cosmic shape of every choice we've made, would it look like a straight timeline, a staircase, a Mobius strip? Let's go back to the beginning. And we see Lisa's in the backseat of an SUV, you know, Drew's in the passenger seat, and Lisa just looks like a wreck. And again, so this makes me think, did she sell out Faraday or Justin or whatever? Then he's, he's like, I came here because my choice was simple, live or die. They called me a tyrant, a king, a tech god, Willy Wonka, up to my gobstoppers and secrets. And it's all true. Well, the secret part, anyways. So don't say I didn't warn you. And then, like, SUVs. So these, I, I think these are different SUVs. They pull up to the event center. Lisa walks, like, walks out. And Drew kind of yanks, yanks her back. Where the fudge do you think you're going? And she's, you know, there's these dudes with, like, assault rifles. And she's like, MI5 has to make the arrest. So they all enter the hall, but they, they're out there with like rifles. So Faraday's just like standing there. Edie, um, you know, when, when, cause the soldiers start there and in the auditorium, like in the back entrance, you know, so you got all the people sitting there, they start coming in with these guns. I mean, you would think people would start like flipping out right away, but like no one really says anything. And, uh, Edie's like, someone get me my flipping phone. Or my, I guess not. It's not a flip phone. My, someone get my fudging phone. The armed dudes just keep, you know, walking down the steps to this, towards, you know, the stage. Faraday, he just continues. The immediate problem is my friends at the CIA, MI5, think they are the only ones entitled to secrets. And people are kind of like booing and stuff like that. They are desperate to find out how I built what I am here to give you so they can keep you where you are. Mercy exists when we can truly see each other and ourselves. If they say my words are weapons, then let this be a declaration of war. So he's like walking across the stage. Are you ready to get your hands bloody? When people see my work, they say words like revolution. So he goes to the box. Well, today, this one drops the R. In this box, I hold the next step in the great timeline. The power they've ripped away from us will be returned to us. No restrictions, no conditions. 
we will finally be free are you ready everyone's like cheering the armed dudes are kind of nervous and whatever newton's like watching from the cavern he smiles and finch is like go take him now are you ready to choose the next step in human evolution he opens it the device is like glowing and like floats a little bit bright light pours like outside finch and lisa are like outside they're just like looking up in awe lights turn on like across the city like every single light it's just it's almost like turning into daylight it's getting so bright then we see faraday being escorted with a bag over his head and he's like i think he was cuffed he's like put in this interrogation room there's a bunch of people like watching behind like a glass, like in a little like audience room, whatever, you know, all these other suits, including Lisa. The box is like on a table. Uh, Finch comes in, sits across from, where's Thomas Newton? And he looks at the people on the other side of the glass and he's like, please bring Justin Falls and Hatch Flood to this room. I know you brought them here. Finch takes the box and she's like, how many of these are there? And so she opens it. You can see just a metal cube in there. It's like not lit or anything. He's like, that depends on you. Me? Until I know they're alive, there's no point to our negotiation. We're not negotiating. Why am I here? She looks over at a dude and he like nods to her. And then he's like, thank you. So she repeats, how many cubes are out there? He's like, I'm going home. Say again. I'm going back to my planet and bringing what's left of my species here. She's like, they're not coming here. Let me explain. I would have to allow it and you have nothing to offer. I already have a cube. If there's another one out there, they're going to have to take a crash course in Spaceman before they can figure it out. I already have you. I have the architect and I already have the only road to mass production, Origin Global. So then Justin and Hatch are brought in. They're handcuffs. They're given chairs next to Faraday. And Justin just like looks over. She glares at Lisa. He's like, Thorn Oil now holds the majority stake in Origin. Your people behind the glass knows what that means. The CIA can't touch it anymore. And Thorn belongs to me. Control of both companies is being transferred to Justin Falls and Hatch Flood. And they're both kind of surprised. And Hatch, Hatch is like, wait, no, what about Edie? Your sister has served her purpose for me. She's out. And he's like, Thomas Newton chose me, and I am choosing you. He's like, these two have just become the most important people on the planet. I need to lift up and land without being shot out of the sky. And the Antheans will need asylum, all of them. Drew's like, then I'm putting the three of you in a hole forever. And he's like, it doesn't matter that you control Thorn. We do what we want. So it's all ours now. And if your friends show up, they're going to our version of foster care. You weren't banking on my humanity, were you? And Faraday's like, of course not. I'm banking on your greed. In 12 hours, the specs and algorithm for quantum fusion will be released on the internet. Everyone, everywhere on Earth will have it for free. And she hisses, don't be ridiculous. He's like, the designs have already been distributed across 117,000 servers, time release in data centers all over the world. I can stop it or release it in time from anywhere. And he's like, Hatch, please tell them what happens after that. Hatch is just like thinking, nudge, Justin like kind of nudges him. He's like, well, if the Chinese and Russian have it, it'd be a race to weaponize it before, you know, the U.S. or whatever. And you'd lose. He's like, every terrorist organization and hack with a credit card will, he's like, well, in a week, maybe two, well, the U.S. will no longer be a superpower. If 
If this were an octopus, then its tentacles would be the economy, weapon, the actual map, the military, power grids, transportation hubs, all science, all commerce, all medicine, all government. And Jews like, that's more than eight. And he apologized. He's like, oh, I lost count because I'm fudging terrified. He's like, all those tentacles would have 3,000 or so small sub-tentacles and they'd be unrecognizable. Jews like, well, that's not an octopus anymore. And he's like, no, it's a new unknown animal. And in this global arms race, it has 3,000 fudging arms. And she's like, stop. And Hatch is like, and you might get fired. I said, stop. And Faraday, meanwhile, he just looks like cool as a cucumber. So Jews, like, she look, kind of looks at Justin and she's like, have you considered what he's forcing you into? Like how cruel it is? How selfish? He's like, you want more of them here? Do you understand what your lives would be like? And Hatch starts saying, we'll be the most powerful people on the planet. And Jews like, targets, your families forever. And Justin's like, then you better keep us safe and happy. He's like, and my point of contact at this agency will be Lisa Dominguez, only Lisa Dominguez. So the main dude, like in the other room, kind of looks back at Lisa and she's like kind of in shock because, you know, she, I think she was like, you know, she knew she was going to get killed any, any day now. And she was like, no, no, you're too smart. He's like, you had to have programmed a failsafe. And then Faraday yells, I'm a fudging spaceman. I promised the world a revolution and they're going to get it. In 12 hours, disposing our bodies will be the least of your problems. And the main dude in the other room, like, knocks on the glass and we can barely hear. He's like, you know, she goes in there. He's like, Drew, you're out. Dominguez, you're up. And then Finch like turns and like glares at them. Hatch is like, that's some potent loathing. And Justin's like, you know what they're going to ask you for? Newton's watering some seeds. Faraday walks up to him. And then Newton's like, you led them here. He's like, I thought it would be someone else. Anybody else, really. And Faraday's like, I know. Newton's like, if you try to bring all us back, you're going to die. He's like, every piece of our science says so. Faraday's like, then I'll find a way. Newton kind of laughs and Faraday like kind of joins him. He's like, you'll find a way. You'll find a way. He's like, I'm actually proud. And Faraday's like, you must have known I wouldn't let you abandon us. And Newton's like, I might have, but... And Faraday's like, love is blind. He's like, you couldn't see me coming because you love me. He's like, from thousands of light years away. It's like, I, and I still do. So he's about to light a cigarette, and he's like, maybe it's time I quit. And Newton like gets up, puts on his hat, grabs his cane, and they like walk through the monks. Then we see Edie standing on the cliff, like where, like by the house where her dad jumped, where he she shoved him. Hatch walks up to her, and he's like, hey, do you want me to leave? And she just like shakes her head. He's like, we've wasted every chance we've had with this family, and we're pretty good at betrayal. But if you would have told me, I would have kept your secret my whole life. My whole life. And he's like, yeah. And he just turns and walks away. Faraday is visiting Josiah. He gives him like his hat, whatever. And he's he's like, oh, I never thought I'd see that again. Then he's, then he's like, I may be gone when you come back. And Faraday's like, then may I thank you. And he's like, what for? I never met a father like you. So he helps Josiah put the hat on. And Josiah's like, you have less time than you think. He's like, we all do. Then like you, as, as this is happening, you see like in the jungle, the lights are flickering from the spaceship. So it's kind of like going back and forth. Faraday sits next to Molly in the steps. And she asks if he's bringing his children here. And he says he's going to try. And she's like, can I show them my Lego set? And he's like, Molly, do you know who I am? You're the little prince. She's like, I don't want you to go. And, and then she's like, in your language, how do you say stay? 
so he shows her like the hand motion like um like stay like fingers coming or or something like going together and then he's like in this or he's like this is and this is return which is like the opposite there's like go i don't remember whatever then he puts like five seeds in her hands and she gives him like a, a lego astronaut figure and she hugs him and it almost like takes him off guard when she hugs him and then he like hugs her back we see him like in in the woods walking he's got the little lego dude in his hand then he goes up and and at the, goes back he goes up to justin and then he you know they're looking at the the sunset whatever sunrise he's like you get one of these every night he's like i'm going to bring my family here they won't recognize me and she's like they're your family they'll always recognize you he's like and we will too and then he's like you know what happens if you don't make it back then one of our worlds will be okay because i have faith in you it is you it will always be you what's that supposed to mean and she says the same thing and they're just like they're then they're like really close and then they kiss and then they're just like standing there like close you know so it wasn't like a makeout section session it was like a, a strong kiss and then they're just sitting there like kind of like forehead to forehead just like taking in each other's presence and then she leaves so it's like whoa man then we see faraday standing under the ship Justin helps Molly plant the seeds. They put them all in one spot. I don't know. I mean, if that's a good idea, should they be spread out or whatever and set all in one hole? The ship light circles. It lifts up. It takes off. Justin sitting on the porch. Uh, Justin and Molly come out there. They see a light go up. It reaches space, and we see it from space. It like kind of turns, revolves, and and that's the end. So with all that, I mean that. Now here's the thing. I've enjoyed the show. I really dig it. I would love to see more, but I almost feel like what more can they do? After watching a movie, I you know, wouldn't have thought how you could do a, you know, a show based off of this. And, you know, like after that. But at least there there's more room. So now here, you know, how much time is going to pass cuz you know, it's, it's how much time does it take to fly to Anthea and back? Like how old is, you know, is Justin going to be older? Is Molly going to be old? You know, obviously well, they, they probably would be. So I just don't know, because as as we go further, then it's it's getting to be more and more science fiction. Because what is this this quantum fusion thing going to do to the world? How is it going to change things? And so it'd be interesting to see it continue. And you know, is Finch causing any problems because she's just got a bee in her butt or whatever? But at the same time, if this was the end, I'd, I'd be totally fine. You know, ten episodes boom done it's just it's just like you know with uh time traveler's wife which i didn't i didn't really mention last week but yeah that that it got canceled i thought that that was the only season when i want you know if you go back and listen i talked about yeah they didn't talk about this and this but other than that it's pretty much over and just like this it feels like it, it could be over so i don't know we'll, we'll see if you know if they do more awesome i i will definitely watch it but i almost feel like it, it doesn't really need anymore so it was a good show, and uh, if you don't have Showtime, even though I just, if you've been listening to these sections, it's it's worth checking out. It's like really really good performances. So I, I've just I really really enjoyed it. Okay, I don't know if I'm mixing things up a bit, but I'm going to talk about the boys next. So the boys season three episode seven. <laughs> this episode kind of caught me off guard. Here comes a candle to light you to bed. I think that was the name of, of an issue or a trade or something. So as as I watch this episode, 
And I'm trying to remember when I stopped reading the series because I was like really into it. I was like all on board with it. And, you know, it was, it was because of Derek Robertson, you know, because he is local. You know, I, I talked to him a few times and, you know, he was, was I'm pretty sure he was in our, yeah, he was in our office before, the Comic Vine office. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. And I, plus I was always was a fan of his art before. So it was like one of those things is like, you know, you get to meet this guy that you've admired. He's a really cool guy and all, all this. And, uh, I think, I mean, it was shortly after the hero gasm arc. I'm trying to remember if that was like a separate mini series or not, but I, I think that I, I feel like it was a, it was around a time of issues in the twenties. And I feel like it just kind of started taking a departure. Like, okay, here's this comic that's edgy. It's adult, it's mature, whatever you want to call it. But it just felt like it was trying to get more and more, um, like, Ex, not necessarily exploitive but you know let's let's do more more sexual situa- situations and more swearing and more you know just going to like all extremes like oh we're gonna be super violent and everything like that you know even though it was always violent to begin with but it just felt like i don't know it it, it was it was almost like it was pushing those trying to push those boundaries or pre- present these other situations rather than really driving the story forward you know i'm all for this is an, an adult you know, kind of superhero book that cool, great, you know, because there's a million Marvel and DC books. This is something totally different. That's great once in a while, but it just felt like it was just doing so. And then it also got, came to a time where Derek wasn't drawing as, as much where, you know, it'd be like every other issue or every other arc or whatever. And I don't remember, you know, the different, if there was like one artist or different artists that were filling in or whatever, but it just, it didn't quite feel the same. So I just started losing interest and I never finished. I don't even know how it ended or anything. So I am curious. Like, you know, may, I don't even, I, I say that, you know, maybe someday I'd go back and read it. But as I'm watching this episode, there's stuff in here that I don't know if this was in the comics or not. And, you know, because some things obviously they're they're changing for the show, which is, is you know, fine. It's, it's good. But we'll see. So anyways, um, there's another warning at the beginning, which one thing that, that one part of the warning, it kind of spoil something in a bit so it says this series deals with sensitive issues including death by suicide and contains scenes that could be sexual graphic or taboo in nature no living people or animals were harmed or coerced viewer discretion is strongly advised so it's good that you know you have this because last thing you want is you know someone to accidentally watch it kids you know should not be watching this but you know whatever you know, it all depends on the parents and, you know, I'm sure kids see worse. So there's a special report, you know, Nation Betrayed, you know, Annie's, her live stream, is, is, it comes on the screen. You know, it's been five days and still nothing but lies from Vought. Soldier Boy is still out there and Maeve is still missing. So they're doing a reaction on the Cameron Cole show. So he's like that, that jerky reporter guy that it's basically in Vought's pocket. And he's like, they, they claim, uh, you know, Starlight re- repeats baseless claims like on the bottom like the ticker t- whatever the the title on the bottom of the screen and uh so ashley's on the show and she's again mave is in rehab and the soldier boy thing really takes the cake he died in 84 and she's trying to incite a panic so cole wonders like oh i wonder if starlight's actions could be considered treason and you know she's like i maybe i don't know and he asks he's like is she just hysterical another woman scorned after homelander jilted her and ashley 
asks if, if she's trying to change the subject from her ties to this woman in a picture Kamiko comes on the screen who she says is a known terrorist with the shining light liberation army a notorious human trafficking ring so they're really trying to dredge like Annie through the dirt, like, you know, with all these lies. Huey is at Legend's place. Uh, Legend doesn't like Soldier Boy much because he, he's like, you know, I don't make friends with the talent, whatever. So Huey's like, but he was a hero. He stormed Normandy. And Legend's like, yeah, two days after D-Day for the photo op. He's like, he didn't see any action in Germany. He's like, just talking about it. Butcher comes in and Soldier Boy, you know, they, they, they go to talk to him. He's like in a, the back room trying to have uh, relations with two older cleaning ladies in, in the place or something like that and you know because butchers like it's taking too long to find the other teammates and soldier boys uh, he's like three down eight to go or something like that and the, the deal was he takes down his team and then they get homelander so butcher he's trying to follow some leads but he's like not really getting any help from from soldier boy and he says that uh mindstorm who has you know telep telepathy uh, he's paranoid and he bought a bunch of cabins all over the place and you know mindstorm says that he's crazy or something like that and legend's like he's not crazy he's bipolar then he was like does he take meds for it and he's like oh, i don't know i think so so he tells but butcher he's like well you know lithium prescriptions might not be too common so you know if we look at all the cabins and the local pharmacies the butcher's like impressed with this homelander goes into like the secure prison to visit mave then he's like where are they hiding He's like, you know, it's Butcher and Soldier Boy. And she's like, she gets up and she's like, is that, she's like in jeans and a shirt, t-shirt. She's like, is that concealer? Do you have a bruise? And he asks if she knows what she set loose. He's like, Butcher has powers. He's like, and I assume thanks to you, it's like they've killed Crimson Countess and seven other heroes. And he's like, the one who survived are powerless. So, you know, Soldier Boy fried the V right out of her blood somehow. And he's like, do you understand that that could happen to any one of us? And she like shrugs. She's like, yeah, it's like the difference between you and me is you need to be a soup. I can't wait for it to be over. And she asks, she's like, why are you letting me live? And he says, you know, he's like, back when, you know, things were better between us, he's like, I used to dream of having kids with you and, and nesting. He's like, imagine how perfect our kids would be and how powerful, whatever. And she's like, just so you know, I'll flip and shatter anything you try to stick up there. And he yells, he's like, oh, she's like, don't be so crass. We're not savages. He's like, I would never force myself on you but we will harvest your eggs. And she just like looks at him and he like stammers. He's like, that way, God forbid, you do die, whether by accident or choice, you'll die knowing the very best of you carries on with me. He's like, I'm not letting you live. I'm keeping you alive. So actually at this point when I'm like, oh crap, death by suicide, it's like, they're not going to kill Maeve, are they? Are they going to like kill her, make it look like she killed herself? So he starts walking out and she's like, this is still a top three day in my life because today is a day I saw you scared. And they just kind of look at each at each other. and He just kind of like forces a smile. But, you know, he's like so ticked off. So Frenchie and Kamiko go to um, Mother Milk's to MM's. Annie's there and, and you know, she helps Kamiko go lie down. Frenchie says Butcher is everyone's problem now, you know, and, you know, they're there to help. Soldier Boy, Butcher, and Huey prepare to go to Mindstorm's cabin. So I guess they they tracked it down. They narrowed it out. They they're like two miles out, and Soldier Boy says that he he warns them if Mindstorm tries to make eye contact with you, just close your eyes. And Huey's like, "Are what?" And Soldier Boy Soldier Boy just repeats, "You know, don't make eye contact, and you'll have nothing to worry about." 
So he starts walking and Huey asks Butcher, he's like, why do you keep buying him like bags of weed? And Butcher says it helps him keep his mind off his PTSD because, you know, he's like, he saw it at Herogasm and it you know, keeps him from blowing up everything. At one point, he, they're just like walking, whatever. And Soldier Boy's like, what'd you say? And they're like, nothing. So I don't know if he's just getting paranoid. So Butcher and uh, he preps their, their temp V. So they're going to take another injection before they get, they get there. Noir is at this an abandoned Buster Beaver's pizza restaurant, and he like opens like a can of beans and you know pops it on the plate. Then these like animated animals like jump out of the pictures and they start going up to him and talking to him. So a beaver, uh, so Buster Beaver or whatever, he said that you know sooner or later he's gonna have to talk about it. And um, also that Noir was was drawing a picture of a beaver in episode four. So there's a, a connection. This is the first time we're seeing this. So he mentions, like, remember when you were nine and you hid in the ball pit over there after you paralyzed whatever some kid? He's like, this is just like that. It's like, you can't hide from Soldier Boy. He's like, we'll help you get through this like we did before. And then he pulls his noir, gets a, puts his, pulls his chair away and just like faces the wall like he's pouting. So uh, Butcher, Huey, and Soldier Boy are walking through the woods. Then Soldier Boy hits a tripwire. He's like, coke. And then boom it blows up they get like knocked back it was like not not too bad uh because butcher and huey were behind him uh huey looks like he's out and then butcher sits up and then there's this older dude like standing right in front of him makes eye contact with his eyes go and butcher's like oh and he like closes his eyes but it's too late so now he's in a flashback like he's like walking through like this old kitchen so maybe when he's a kid and you know he opens he he sees he's there's like a kitchen, there's a kettle on a stove, his mom's sitting at a table, like ignoring the kettle. And then, you know, Hugh, in the real world, Huey tries waking him up and his soldier boy curses because Mindstorm slipped away. And he's like, Butcher's gone. He's like, if it's his usual thing, he's trapped the butcher in an endless nightmare till he dies of terminal dehydration. So he's like, Mindstorm put him into this. He's like, maybe he could get him out of this, but he's about to be dead. Then we see Butcher like little butcher little younger and his his brother dad comes in looking for his brother so he like he hides uh so they, they both actually hide so uh lenny goes in a closet and billy goes under the bed and his dad's about to go into the closet so billy coughs to get his attention then his dad sees like ah he's like there you are and he starts hitting him with the belt he's like where is he you know he's like he just keeps whapping him with the with the belt which is just horrible frenchy he's still high smoking whatever and um mm is like i thought you quit i don't know if he's talking about cigarettes or drugs or whatever and then but Fr frenchie's watching like old soldier boy footage they there's like in a some like medical lab room or something like that and they use some chemical to knock him out and like you know just like some gas or something like that so i don't know if this is russian stuff or wh what this is then uh we see annie tending kamiko's wounds uh, and she asks if there's anything she needs kamiko has like this big bottle of kirkland whiskey <laughs> so and he's like oh kirkland whatever so she opens it takes a big chug and, and kamiko's just looking at him and she's like since growing up in iowa there wasn't much else to do so i guess that's all there is in iowa you drink kirkland whiskey and maybe uh buy a bunch of blu-rays and that, that's it that's all you can do in, in iowa uh, so Kamiko takes a, a big sw sw swig of it and she can barely swallow it. Or like, and Annie's like, <laughs> she's like, when did you have your first drink? And then she motions now and Kamiko's like, whoa. <laughs> so Kimiko then she, she texts about Huey. She's like, you know, what are you going to do? And Annie's like, you know, I tried, but I don't think he wants to be saved. 
Then Kamiko says that she needs Annie's help with Compound V. It's like the permanent stuff. And Annie's like, what? Kamiko's like, I want my powers back. And Annie's like, I can't go to the tower. She's like, it, you know, and, and if I could, it, this is such a bad idea. Kimiko says, like, it worked before, but Annie's like, but you don't know if it would again. It's like, you could get yourself killed. And she's like, I won't do it. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I, I, I can't. Kimiko's like, I thought you would say that. And she gives her, you know, she holds her phone out to her. There's like this long message to read. And she, it says on there, it's like, Annie, she's like, I know I'm asking a lot, but, and then we don't see the, the, the rest of it. Soldier Boy and Huey keep walking through the woods and keeps, uh, Soldier Boy is like, what what'd you say and he's like literally nothing uh so and then soldier boy starts giving him a hard time because you know huey's just like upset about leaving butch behind he's like what did butcher do to make you miss him so much and he's like getting like graphic and you know sexual or whatever and he was like everything you say is just so gross he's like he saved me he's like more than once he's like i owe him soldier boy's like oh bs he says he's like when i stormed normandy and you know i fought nazis like, you want to know what i do when i'm sad or scared Flipping nothing, because I'm not a flipping pussycat. And Huey kind of smirks, and he steps closer. He's like, you didn't storm poop. He's like, your whole Marble Man act, it's flipping crap. He's like, and I? And then, boom, Soldier Boy punches like in a jaw. And he just like points a finger. I warned you. And he just keeps walking. So luckily, the Temp V gives Huey a little strength, because obviously when he punched uh, A-Train, he like felt, he's like, how'd you do that? So, you know, luckily it didn't, like, break his jaw or knock his head off. Then we see uh, Deep is, you know, he's in his room, whatever. He's lounging on a couch. More Than Words by Extreme is playing. Cassandra walks in. She's like, oh, what's going on? He calls her over, and he says that he's going to be on this one show tonight. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, we should prep. And he's like, no, I got this. And he's like, you know, I got us this far, right? And she's like, you got us this far? Then he's like rubbing her shoulders and, you know, he says that they love each other, but they both know that their sex life has gotten a little vanilla. Maybe it's time they branch out. And she's like, branch out? And he's like, yeah, like uh, introduce a new partner. Just, you know, spice things up a bit. And she asks if there's anyone he has in mind. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I want to introduce you to someone. And then he pulls out the octopus. He's like, this is Ambrosia. And he's, he's like, she's, you know, very pretty. And she thinks you're super hot. And she's like, um, I don't want to uh, do that. And he's like, he's like, I need this. So then it cuts to her lying in bed, and you know, the octopus is on him. She's just laying there next to him. And uh, at one point, Ambrosia just kind of her tent what tentacle kind of touches her leg, and she jumps out. She's like, I can't do this. She's like, I can't do it with with the fish. And he's like, It's not a fish. She's a mollusk, and she has feelings. And Cassandra's like. And how long have you been with it behind my back? He's like, it's not an it, it's a her. He's like, get your pronouns right. So Cassandra, she's like, I've given up a year of my life for you. She's like, I gave up my tenure at Vassar. She's like, I propped you up and steered you, in, you know, your your comeback. He's like, this is how you repay me? And and he, he questions, he's like, you wrote a few lines. He's like, I'm the one who had to sell it. And she's like, okay, let's see how well you do without me. And he, he's like, well, you're o- always overnoting me. And she's like, you're just an idiot. So Noir is still sitting in the chairs. The, the critters, then they want to show him something. Something that he's pushed deep down. So they show him like a cartoon. The animals are basically members of Payback. And like Soldier Boy is like this big eagle. He's like beating up on gunpowder or whatever. Noir comes in. He's like, oh, where where you been? He's upset because he really wanted the 
being Beverly Hills Cop, but he didn't get the role. And then he's like, why'd you say that stuff to the producer, you know, that I wasn't funny? And uh, so then, you know, Noir, Noir is like talking, whatever. Then Soldier Boy starts beating him. He's like, he's like, you can't be me. He's like, you're not a movie star. He's like, you're not funny, whatever. And he's like, if I see you, you know, trying to make a move again, whatever, he's like, I'll put you in the ground. So Soldier Boy just like beat the crap out of him. And there's like, you know, because it's a cartoon, there's like all this blood, like uncoming, leaking out of the mask. And, and uh, Noir is like a sheep, I think. They're just wearing the costume. So then we see a William was like selling marijuana or something like that. He's So he's like in the dean's office, a principal or whoever's in charge of school. So the teacher is going to tell his dad or this dude, um, he's he because he's like, he doesn't want him to end up like him. And then William just gets, or Billy, whatever, gets mad. He grabs a stapler, starts beating on a dude, whatever. And then Lenny comes in and he accidentally hits him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Lenny. He's like, I didn't see, no, you were there or whatever. And then it cuts to, they're like at a pub and his dad's like, you have to, you know, you either sink or swim. And today, Billy, my boy, you swam. And he like gives him a beer or whatever. He tells Lenny, he's like, you should be more like your brother. So he's selling drugs. He beats up his dean or whoever, and his dad thinks that that's cool. Oh, and he gives his kid a beer, who's clearly underage. Soldier Boy and Huey come to a road, and there's like a priest and a nun. The car broke down. So they're like, oh, you know, it's so great you came here. Do you know anything about cars? The Soldier Boy's like, "Uh, yeah, I could, could probably look at it, whatever. He goes over to the front, and then he shoots a priest. And then he's like, Huey's like, what are you doing? And, and the nun's like freaking out. She's like screaming. And he's like, that's Mindstorm's MO. He's like, he brainwashed him to attack us. And Huey's like, like, you have to stop. You have PTSD and you're high. And these are just regular people. And then the nun jumps on his back. And she's like, she's like biting him, whatever. And Soldier Boy's like, like I, Sansil is like, I can't shoot or whatever. And then he finally shoots her. So Soldier Boy was right. Homelander is watching Annie's live stream video, uh, then he's speaking at this like rally or whatever. So he's like, oh, you, you've all heard about Starlight's um, involvement with a human trafficking ring. And he like uses air quotes. He's like, oh, I suppose it's pure coincidence, more air quotes, that she opened a Starlight house for runaway teens. He's like, we can put two and two together. So there's some other people like Sanders like, like this, this is ridiculous. And then uh, he says a starlight is a wolf in sheep's clothing. She fooled him. She fooled all of them. Now she wants to take him down. Then he, um, then he sees Soldier Boy like in a crowd, and his his eyes start glowing red. But then he sees it's just a regular guy. So he almost like unleashed on a, a civilian. So then he cuts like his speech short, whatever. Um, and it was like it's supposed to be a, a rally for like a dude running for vice president or or campaign whatever it is. So he's alone like in a and they're like at this county fair type thing or somewhere and he's like in a barn and you know petting zoo or something like that. So he's just like taking a deep breaths or whatever, and then he sees a cow. So he goes in her, he starts milking the cow, and crimson and clover plays because remember he has a thing for like birth milk or whatever. And he's like drinking from a big pail. Newman comes in. She's like, oh, did you skip breakfast? And she's like, I'm going to say what no one else will. She's like, pull your poop together. Admit it's, it's Soldier Boy and take control of the situation. He kind of chuckles. He's like, you think I'm not in control? And she's like, no, I think you just spent the last 20 minutes ranting about Starlight instead of talking up the next president of the United States. She's like, you're Homelander. She's like, button your poop up and start. And he grabs her by the throat. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Go on, please. And she's like, you need someone you can trust. And she's like, I got rid of Egger for you. And that cost me a lot. She's like, help me out with one small favor and I'll help you. 
and she pulls out the sheet of paper and then he lets let's go and he's like surprised he's like where did you get this a train wakes up like some fancy hospital bed ashley's there he's like what happened and she's like oh it's pretty flipping nuts he's like how soldier boy attacked you and blue hawk at hero gasm and he's like uh, yeah and she's like yeah and Soldier Boy murdered Blue Hawk right in front of you. You know, you tried to save him, of course. Must have been, you know, awful for you. And he's like, uh, yeah. And she's like, it looks like you're on your way to a healing place, which is why you'll love this. Blue Hawk will live on because <laughs> they they gave A-Train his heart. So he has a racist dude who paralyzes his brother's heart. And then you can hear his heart monitor kind of like starts beating fast or whatever. She's like, a super abled heart. No more heart disease. It's like, you're going to get to run again. You'll need to train everything, but you heal fast. So it, it normally takes like three to six months to recover from a heart transplant. So I guess it's going to take him less. So they'll get him back in his old suit. They'll get him out, out there ASAP. And then she's like, are you okay with talking poop about Starlight? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. And she's like, They're, we're already working on your new movie, Training A-Train, a gritty biopic and you know you're a roughneck gangbanger from the south side slinging that yayo i don't know what that means when it, when a track coach like we're thinking tom hanks teaches you a more civilized way he's like uh that's not how it happened he's like my brother's my coach and he's like i'm not doing that and she just kind of ignores him and then she's like well i gotta bounce but the a train's back baby Frenchie's about to have coffee and he's like looking at the steam. Then he's like, it's not a gas in the video. He's like, it's vapor. He's So he's like, talks about this Russian nerve agent. When exposed, your nervous system shuts down. Multiple organs fail. It's like a painful death. But for Soldier Boy, it's just a nap. And MM is like, well, where can we get some? And Frenchie's like, another vacation to Russia. Then MM gets a notification. Uh, he sees a picture of his daughter and stepdad at the presidential rally thing with Homelander in the background, like up on stage, he storms out. And Kamiko's like, "Where? what happened? Whatever. And then she asks Frenchie to dance with her. And he's like, oh, you're still hurt and I'm still high. Then she signs that, you know, when she was on, you know, they're, they're in each other's arms. When she was on V, she couldn't feel his arms. And she said they're like stringy something. Uh, she said that she wanted to feel them one last time. And he's like confused. So she signs that Annie is getting her compound V. And then he turns off the music. He's like, why? He's like, this is everything that you said you did not want. He's like, we can walk away. And then she shows him the note to Annie on her phone. So he reads it. That at first she hated the V because she didn't choose it. But now it's her choice. She blamed her powers for her problems, but it's not true. V is not good or bad. It just depends on the person. She wants to use her powers for good to fight for the ones she loves. So she almost lost Frenchie and she can't risk that again. Because she's like, you know, they're they're so much more, they're their family now. And she wants to protect her family. At the tower, Annie's in the hall. She like shorts out a camera, like in, in the hall. She goes in the room, takes some uh, vials of, of V. And then uh, she sees the temp v jars and there's like some notes on the table she's like shocked when she reads them so they you see it for just like a couple seconds hyper accelerated malignant tumors atrophy of the cortex increased dose accelerated with next or, or whatever increased dose accelerated with the next increased something um it's lethal after three to five doses so it's like all, all bad i don't remember what else it said 
Noir is continuing to watch the show. So by 1984, things had gotten so bad, there's only so much more Soldier Boy's abuse he could take. So when Stan Edgar made him an offer in Nicaragua, he jumped at it. Ed, the Edgar animal says that you know he doesn't want the details. They have a replacement. He's just a child, but they're convinced that he'll be stronger than Soldier Boy and he can fly. So then the, the battle starts. Payback crowds him and attacks him from all sides. Soldier Boy gets up, knocks Noir back, slams his face against like a burning jeep, which is how he got like charred. He like kind of hits him again, you know, a couple times with his shield. Mindstorm attacks. Crimson Countess uh, puts like a bag, like must have the vapor stuff over his his head or something. And Beaver says that you know Noir knew that he would be back one day, so he needs to face him. MM is waiting outside the house for Todd to arrive. Um, Monique comes out. She's like, "What's happening?" And then MM's like, "Are you okay with this?" So he he took Janine to a Homelander rally, and then Todd comes out of the car. He's and he's like, "So?" And Monique's like, "Uh, excuse me, you took her where?" Todd's like, "It's fine." And she's like, "It's not fine. You didn't ask me." And you know she tells Janine to to go inside. And she goes in there. Todd tells MM, "She's like, oh, just relax." And he's like, "You know, Soldier Boy." MM's like, "Soldier Boy is out there gunning for Homelander." He's like, "Do you have any?" idea what kind of danger you put my baby girl in and todd you know he clearly doesn't buy the soldier boy talks he thinks it's all made up todd's like there's no danger starlight is making all that up she's like read any news outside the established media and mm's like they're lying and todd's like really all of them so he says that you know homelander is a psychopath and todd's like worse than starlight she's trafficking kids you know, the kid's the same age as Janine. It's like the kid's in my classroom. It's like Homelander's the only one protecting them. Mooney comes out. She's like, okay, it's like, that's enough. MM continues, Homelander isn't protecting poop, all right? He's feeding you this insane fairy tale, and you're too flippin' stupid and, and brainwashed to flip and see it. Todd's like, hey, fudge you. And Monique's like, that's enough. MM tells him that if he wants to risk his life, fine, have at it, but not with his baby girl. He's like, you're not her father. And then Todd's like, Someone has to be. And then MM slugs him. One punch and he's out on the driveway. And Janine's just like standing there looking at him in shock. Uh, because she, you know, of course, her mom tells her to go inside. She doesn't. She comes back out. She sees her dad knock out her stepdad. And so now she's going to be af- afraid. Annie's at the elevator is about to leave. And of course, Homelander shows up. He's like, oh, you didn't really think that... I, I wouldn't know the second you walk through the door. And she's like, well, we broke up. So, you know, it, it was time for me to pack up my stuff and go. He like chuckles. He's like, here's what's going to happen now. He's like, you're going to march into VNN studios and you're going to recant everything you said. It was a tragic cocktail of heartbreak, Zoloft and despair. You regret any harm that your lies have caused Vought or me, but me in particular. And she's like, mm, okay, but um, do you want to hear my counter? I stop Soldier Boy before he murders mo- more people, and I find Maeve if she's still alive. He says, uh, he's like, oh, Maeve's just learning her manners, and you know, you should do the same. So he says, he's like, think about it before you throw it all away. And she's like, I could give a poop. And he's like, really? He's like, your fame is the only thing protecting you. And she's like, here's the thing. I'm not scared of you anymore. She's like, I'm not. I see you. I, I see who you are. I see how small you are. She's like, I saw it. I saw it the night you killed Supersonic. And he's like, you know what I remember from that night? I remember what I told you what would happen to Huey. You walk, that's next. And she's just like, kind of takes this in. And she's like, 
Good luck with that. And she, and then she pulls out her phone. She's like, now that you've told my 190 million followers, and she like points the camera to him. She's like, I'm still pretty famous. And he's like, he turns and he's like, hey, everyone. And then her elevator chimes. And so I don't know if she was actually recording or not. It didn't look, I think she was, but it didn't look like she was. And he's, he's like, so she's going to get an elevator. He's like, hey, he's like, Starlight, you're not supposed to record us when we're running lines. The door's closed. So then it cuts back to the woods. They come across, I guess maybe it's Mindstorm's cabin. They walk in. It almost looks like it's a work barn, but I guess it's his house because there's a mattress or whatever. Soldier Boy sees Mindstorm like kind of ducking. There's like a, one of those big mirrors like there. Uh, and then Soldier Boy gets ready to go. He's like holding his shield up and his gun out because he's about to kill him. But then Huey teleports behind Mindstorm and teleports him out again. And then they they teleport out into the woods naked and Huey's covering his eyes and he's like, wait, wait. Mindstorm's like, what the fudge? Why? He's like, why am I naked? And Huey's like, I just saved your life. And Mindstorm's like, I'm not bothering anyone. I'm just trying to get away from the voices. And Huey's like, I'm going to open my eyes. He's like, please don't coma me. <laughs> and I don't know why that made me laugh. Like, the coma, don't coma me. Like, using coma as a verb. He's like, he's like, you know, we're, we're cool or whatever. And he's like, also, we don't have to do this naked. He, so there's like a clothes and a duffel bag that, that they were carrying. And he's like, you know, I don't want to be here. He's like, I was pretending to be someone I'm not. He's like, I'm not like Soldier Boy. That guy's full of poop. He, he's like, no one is that tough. And the people who say they are, they're lying. He, he says, he's like, I'm done. I just want to go home. He, he's like, I'm begging you, please wake up my friend. And Mindstorm's like, I've been inside his head. He's a piece of poop. And Huey says, he's like, you know, I don't want to be someone who leaves people behind. He's like, I want to be someone who saves his family. And for better or worse, he's family. He's like, I can get you out of here. If, you know, you just please wake him up. He's like, I'll, I'll teleport you. I'll take you wherever you want to go. And I won't tell a, a soul. Hand to God. So Butcher, in his mind, he sees when Billy, when himself, was going to leave the house. I think he was going to join like the forces or something like that. And he was going to leave Lenny behind. So he's like leaving in the middle of the night or something like that or in the morning. And Billy's, he says that he's like, you'll be all right. Uh, he's like, I would just end up you know, killing him and, and going to prison. And Butcher's then, he's like yelling. He's like, don't leave him. Don't, don't, you know, whatever. Don't do this. He's trying to yell at his younger self, but obviously it's not doing anything. Then, then Billy starts yelling at Lenny. He's like, it's not my job to look after you my entire life. Because, you know, Lenny's like, he's just going to take it out of me or whatever. So he leaves. And then Lenny tells Butcher that he served him up on a plate. He's like, six months and you never checked in on me. And, you know, because Butcher's like, well, they didn't let me, wouldn't let me out of the barracks or whatever. And Lenny's like still talking to him. But then like in the kitchen, pulls up a chair. He goes up to like a cabinet high up, pulls out a gun. And he's like, you know, dad was beating the crap out of me, you know, day in and day in and day out. He loads up the gun. So he says, that, you know, it's his fault. Anyone who's ever anyone who's ever loved you, you end up getting them killed, don't you? He's like me, Becca, and now Huey. He's like the the last person trying to stop him from being the monster. And you know what does he do? He drags him down to his level. So he's like, when he dies, and he will, and then you know, no one can stop you. He's like Kende. So Lenny turns around, and then he shoots himself. And this is part when you see like what's going because at first it's like, oh, Lenny's gonna try to kill his dad. And that's probably not going to go well because, you know, something's going to happen. He's going to get beat up more or whatever. But no, he ends up killing himself. And, you know, that was was spoiled. So once he's he's getting the gun, you know, like, okay, this is probably what the warning was about.
Butcher wakes up in the woods. Uh, then he he starts saying, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, he sees Huey. Mindstorm says, like, he's like, hey, kid. And then he's like, right, a deal's a deal. He's like, where are we headed? And then something hits Mindstorm at the side of the head. He yells out in pain. It's standing up. He has a knife going through, like, the right side of his head and, like, out the eye socket. And he just grossly just, like, pulls it out. Soldier Boy comes up behind him, shoves him with his shield, and then he puts a bag over his head so he can't make eye contact. Huey's like, wait, wait, wait. And Soldier Boy punches Mindstorm in the face, and he stands up to face Huey. And he punches Huey. He goes flying back. He Butcher's eyes start glowing, and Soldier Boy, like, just, he just ignores him, picks up his shield. So Butcher powers down, and he goes to check on Huey. So again, Huey is fine even though he went flying back like 10, 15 feet. Mindstorm's like, you know, he's like, it wasn't my idea. And Soldier Boy's like, oh yeah, I know. It, it was Noir's idea. But he's like, but how's that work? There's no way he'd make that move without Vought. And Mindstorm's like, they gave him the green light. And he's, he's like, we don't hear what he says because he like says something because uh, we're over by Huey and, and Butcher. And Soldier Boy's like, what? He's like, that's impossible. And then he jams the pointed end of his shield into his bagged face. And then whoosh, 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 he does like 11 more times. It's like, oh my gosh. And then he walks like up to Huey and Butcher and then he just like walks past him. And Butcher's like, what do you say? Then Soldier Boy's sitting and thinking about whatever uh, Mindstorm said. Butcher is, th- is thinking about Lenny with tears in his eyes. His phone buzzes. It's Annie. And she says that she needs to talk to Huey. But, you know, where is he? Butcher's like, oh, he just popped out for a bit. And she's like, well, he's not answering his phone. And Butcher's like, well, it's probably kind of hard to keep a phone when you're teleporting all day, isn't it, love? So she's like, you know, Temp V is going to kill you both. And Butcher says, oh, it's going to have to join the queue. She says that, she's like, I was just in a lab. It causes lesions. It turns your brain into fudging Swiss cheese. So please be honest with me and tell me how many doses have you taken? He's like, oh, just a couple, which I don't think that's exactly true. Because he didn't he take one in the beginning and then in Russia, so he's taking what? And then with a Crimson Countess. So did he take, is this his fourth dosage? I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it's his third. I think, I feel like he took one before. And then, I don't know. So Annie's like, she's like, Butcher, three to five doses kills you. She's like, you need to tell Huey. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I will, I will, I promise. And she's like, I'm calling back every five minutes until, and he hangs up. And then Huey comes in with food. He's like, is everything all right? And Butcher's like, uh, it's the temp V. And Huey asks, he's like, what about it? And Butcher looks at him. He's like, we got to swing by the office and get some more. He's like, and then you, me, and Granny Fudger are going to finish the flipping job. So Annie's at MM. She tries calling again, forwarded to a voicemail, whatever. So he's not answering the phone, her phone, her calls. Frenchie doesn't think that he'll tell Huey because he's just such a jerk. Kamiko texts her like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to have to save Huey even if he doesn't want me to. And then she hands the, the, you know, little, the blue jar to Kamiko. It's interesting that regular V is blue, but the temp V is green. So I wonder why that is. Frenchie prepares injection. She hugs him and he's like, oh, it's like, and enjoy them before, you know, they start feeling like bendy straws or whatever. Again, he injects her. She's like in pain, whatever. And, and uh, she's like holding his hand. I'm like, oh, no, she can like crush his hand or something like that. 
But then you see her face starts healing, like her cuts and stuff like that. She takes off the bandages on her hand, and like you see the, the, her stomach had a big gash, whatever, it's, it's all healed. Homelander talks to Ashley on the phone and says, obviously, he didn't, didn't know the little witch was recording him, did, I? did he? He's like, well, I don't care. He's like, he tells Ashley, he's like, you're the spin doctor, go flip and spin it. Then he gets another call, and they're like, uh, he's like, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, he, he's claiming to be Soldier Boy. Homelander kind of stammers, and he's like, just put him through. He puts him on speakerphone. He's like, this really you? Then Soldier Boy's like, the situation's changed. I thought we should have a conversation. And Homelander's like, I don't know who the fudge you think you are, but you got lucky. You got, you got lucky once because you ambushed me. And he's like, fall, 1980. I got called into Vogelbaum's lab for an experiment. Some poop about genetics. He's like, I still remember the penthouse I used. June. He's like, it turns out Vogelbaum made a kid. Born spring 1981. A boy. The thing is, if they have just kept me around, I'd have let you take the spotlight. It's like, what father wouldn't want that for his son? And Homelander is just silent as he takes it all in. So Soldier Boy is Homelander's father. Because he was like, you know, he didn't have a father. He was made in a, t- a test tube or whatever like that. And that's, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's what happened in the comics because I i really, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I ever saw Soldier Boy in the comics. I don't know when he was introduced or mentioned or maybe I just totally don't remember because it was so long ago. But I don't know if this is true or not. And I know it's so easy to just, you know, look it up online, but I kind of don't want to because if if this is if I'm at a point where you know because like Herogasm, like I said, I, I read that stuff. The Soldier Boy stuff, I don't remember this so much, and and maybe this was happening. Am I blocking this all out? But if either way, if we're beyond a point where when I stopped reading, that's that's great for me because then I'm not going to know what to expect. So good stuff, uh, and uh, so that's episode what seven, right? So we that means we have one more episode. It is out now, obviously. As you listen to this podcast, you can watch it um, or, you know, whatever. Wait, if you, I'll talk about it next week just for, for my sanity and sake of time. But um, I'm just really curious, how are they going to end this? You know, what's, what's going to be like the, the big cliffhanger or whatever? So we'll have to wait and see. Okay, then with Westworld, so I, I think last time I, I'm switching things around again. I'm still switching, whatever. Uh, keep you on your toes. Westworld, season four, episode two, Well Enough Alone. So it starts off in some like a uh, Latin town, you know, people are speaking Spanish, there's like a market, and we see Clementine. So I'm trying to think, did Clementine die last season? Uh, I'm, I'm losing track of when people are dying and then they're coming back and they're like, wait, are they always back? But obviously if they're hosts, you know, they can be brought back. So there's always been, I, I mean, with my memory of the show and everything, and I always, I feel like I need to go back, but she always seems like such a tragic character, like just the way she's been treated and whatever, I don't know. So she gets like a flower and, you know, some, some like veggies, potatoes or whatever. So she goes home, she puts a flower in a vase and there's like a couple other dying ones. So it's like, okay, maybe, she, I don't know. And then you hear, hello again. So it's William. But again, we'll get to it in a second. So he's like sitting in a chair. He has his, his black cowboy hat on and gun. He's like, hope you don't mind me dropping by. And then he's like, where is she? And she's like, where's who? And he like shoots her in the gut. I was like, oh, man. 
<laughs> it's like she just she came back somehow from wherever and you like you kill her you shoot her right and he's like you know your old master and she's like i don't know where she is and she throws a knife because you know she goes flying back to sing she throws a knife at hits him in the in the shoulder and there's like a fight she gets like a, a couple hits or whatever but he like smacks her and he puts a knife to her throat he's like where's Maeve? and she's like even if i knew i'd see you in hell before i told you and he's like whoosh, happy to oblige and just kills her. So she's back, but she's gone. Maybe. Maeve and Caleb are driving, and then she's like, your daughter is lovely. And she's like, oh, it must be credit to her mother's genetics. You know, probably whatever. And he asks if she saw other people when she was at her cabin, and she's like, no, I was alone. He's like, oh, you could have contacted me. She's like, I wasn't lonely. And then he asks, he's like, well, you know, then why'd you come down? And she's like, well, to save your life at the last moment, obviously. They arrive at this big, like, fancy place Maeve shuts off the security camera there's like this big house like a mansion there's like a gate whatever turns off the security camera just by by looking at one since she's in tune with all the machines or whatever so it turns out they're at, at the senator's place where they're going to and then uh he comes in he's like he's like oh he's like you must be Anastasia's friend and the the senator is a uh, the one the the dude from Heroes the the glasses guy the the dad the cheerleader's dad right the, that who he was so then uh anastasia comes down and she's like who's this so mave is like we have a mutual friend who stopped by the other day and they're like his name is william and then anastasia wants to call security but then caleb comes out with a gun the center's like you think he can send you here and twist my arm and then mave shoots him and like the gut, and the wife screams, and even Caleb's like surprised. So the wife goes down to him, and she's on her knees, and, and Maeve's like, "That is not your husband. Your hosts, just like me." And then they both slowly get up. The wife's like, "Took you long enough." Caleb raises his gun, but then she, the, the wife charges Caleb. They go through like a glass frame door or whatever. Senator pulls like something out of his ear. I don't know if it was like a piece of glass or I don't know what it was. And Maeve's like freeze all motor functions but nothing happens she says again freeze all motor functions so now they're fighting so something is going on it's not working on him Maeve and uh, um caleb they're, they're not doing too well they're kind of getting beat up i mean caleb is really having a hard time Maeve manages to get her gun again um because and she shot him a few times in, in the chest whatever but she's about to shoot his head but then she shoots his leg and it kind of makes him stumble down, whatever. The wife, she grabs it like one of those curtain drape string things, whatever. She's got it wrapped around Caleb's neck from behind. She's like choking him. And then Maeve whoosh, shoves a blade like sideways to her head. And she goes you know, to check on, on Caleb. And she like slams his, his like arm back in the socket, like barely any warning. And then the, the center is like crawling over broken glass. And Maeve's like seesaw motor. You know, she tries freezing him again. Doesn't work. So she says that fourth time, whatever. And he finally stops. She's like, looks like William has upgraded his henchman. So uh, she pulls uh, data out of the, the senator because they, obviously they, they can't use a wife. And she questions, like, who is he? So he says he's an emissary for the New World Order. And she's like, how many of you are there? As of now, there are 249 like him. So she's like, what about the original senator and his wife? He's like, I did as I was instructed. So she's like, show me. So then we see flashback memory, whatever, through his data, whatever stuff. William's there to see the senator, and he's he says that he can't go with his proposal, or whatever. And William's like, he says like, well, you just have to change your guidelines. 
And the senator's like, well, I, I can't because my wife's sister died at the massacre. You know, he's like, happy wife, you know, I was like that. Then the wife comes in and she gets stabbed from behind by herself. Then another senator comes in, and they're both wearing like the same outfits. So the other, uh, the host senator comes in, shoots the real one in the head. And then Charlotte Hale, Tessa Thompson, she walks in and she's like, oh, we're going to have to clean up this mess. And she pulls a blade out of the real wife. The host senator is about to shoot uh, the, the real wife. And Charlotte's like, that won't be necessary right now. She could be useful. And then Charlotte says that she needs help researching a new experiment. And she's a perfect candidate. I'm trying to think back, like, I'm trying to remember when Charlotte first came onto the show, because I remember her in the last season and everything stuff like going on. And it's like, when was she a host? Was she always a host? I don't think she was always a host, but it's like, I feel like I should look that up. So Maeve, you know, then she's like, oh, it's actually worse than I thought. So then we see these like uh, three suits arrive at this like fancy business office whatever it's like crazy you know the architecture whatever they they go up there um clementine is there like in a business suit now and the, the main dude he's like i'm jim navarro from the justice department he's like your boss won't pick up his phone so i'm here in person and she's like uh what do you want to talk to us about and he's like i'm the deputy assistant to the attorney general for counterterrorism. use your imagination She's like, our CEO has faced personal challenges in many ways. And then she's like, so, you know, threats won't, you know, carry weight, whatever. And then he's like, I carried authority to the United States government. And she's like, yes, but do you have an appointment? So then Maeve and Caleb, they check out the barn because there's something mentioned in the memory, whatever. The horses are like dead. They're like killed wherever you hear like flies buzzing. And then the senator's wife, still in the same outfit that she was wearing before, so I don't know how long ago that was, but she's in a stall, like, on her knees, and she's, like, slicing at a dead horse, like, cutting open. You know, Caleb thinks it's another host, but Maeve's like, no, I'm afraid she's the real one. So Caleb gets her attention. He's like, you know, we're here to help. Then she's like, what happened to my horses? And then she, like, kind of snaps, and she points the the knife at Caleb when he, like, takes a step forward. And then she, like, kind of hums, and she's like, you're invited opening night your f- old friend is anxious for a reunion don giovanni and she's like we can't be late and she's like now i've done my part time to do yours and she's like free me and caleb's like i can't do that and she's like you don't have a choice and then she goes attack caleb and Maeve shoots her she's like she was already gone she may have been human but she's unlike any human i've ever seen and you can see there's like this, some black ooze coming out of her head from where she was shot so they're doing something to humans. Then we see Christina lying in bed. So when she, you know, wakes up in the morning, uh, she's thinking about that dude Peter, um, like following her, cutting her arm, or everything like that. She finally gets up, makes some coffee, talks to her roommate Maya. She says how she couldn't sleep. She's been thinking about that guy. You know, he said that she ruined his life. Maya's like, if he confused a game with his life, it was because his life was already ruined. And she's like, you know, ex-wife, Hope Center for Mental Health was his charity of choice. And she's like, how do you know this? She's like, it was in his obituary. And she shows on her phone. Then Christina's like, you know, I might have written something like that. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, it's just a coincidence with her. She's like, oh. and she's like, I got to go to work. I'm going to be late. She's walking to work. And then that homeless man again, he's talking about, he's like, do you hear the sound? He's like, I can, no one can hear it. And it's a sound from the tower. It's killing us. And she tries saying something. And he's like, you think I'm crazy? And he just like keeps yelling. 
then uh you know she's about to enter her building and there's like a dead pigeon like outside the door and then she looks and there's kind of like a, a patio with like some chairs and you know tables and stuff like that and there's like two more there and then she ends up not going inside then we see william and of course so this is the thing i had to mention it's like wait what happened to william last season remember he was wasn't he captured and he was like in one of those like host chamber things what's he doing now what like what is his goal where you know he wants to bite his dam so anyways he's golfing and one of those big flying vehicles things land there's another clementine there and she tells him because like three people get out and she's like this is a private course and the the main dude he like walks past her he's like federally leased land sweetheart so i guess he's a vice president and then the other two people are like secret, uh, secret service so it turns out they're like old friends and you know they're just talking about different things and williams he mentions how he didn't show up for his wife's funeral he's like yeah he's like i'm sorry about that you know my condolences he's like but you know we were campaigning and williams like yeah i know i bankrolled your campaign so then uh he mentions how he has all this land you know for as far as uh, the eye can see and he says that he knows how you know he does good things but he has a guy at the attorney uh, the attorney generals, whatever, who has some pretty wild theories about what he's capable of. And he's like, you know, the mess out West is drawing too much attention. And William whoosh, hits the ball like really far. Great shot, like hole in one. And he's like, wow, that, that's, that's, that was a shot. He's, he's like, I've had a lot of time to practice waiting for permission to rebuild my business or whatever, something. And then things are starting to get a little tense. And uh, the VP dude or whatever, he says that, you know, he's like, we're all rooting for you. But, you know, he basically like, don't bite the hand that, that feeds you. William starts getting insulting, saying how he's just about the money, how he's for sale. And then the VP, I think he was a VP. Well, I don't know why I keep having vice president in my head. I'm pretty sure he's a vice president running for president. He starts getting mad, saying that, you know, he's like, I don't care how many senators you have dancing to your tune. He's like, we can crush you. And he's like, you're a fudging psychopath. You're damaged goods. And William's like, I don't think that kind of language will play with your base. And he's like, I'm what you'd call neurodivergent. He's like, I've had time to become comfortable with that. The VP says, he's like, call yourself what you want. But if we leak to the press what you've done, you know, you'd, they'd have colorful ways to describe you. And William's like, I know things about you too. He's like, I knew that you were coming, that you couldn't resist, and that you would leave most of your security behind. He's like, you know what I learned when I was in my spiral? I thought I was wrapped in power. And I realized I was naked and alone. And I've always been. He, 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 Because he hit like three holes in one. Like no effort, not even think about it. And the VP is just like staring at it. So this is a point where then it's like, okay, this can't be William, right? It's like, how can he make three? Is he that good? William says that he, he's like, you should have brought that big entourage after all. And then the VP is like, whatever. So he's just he's starting to leave. Then he's like, friendly warning, Bill. You go you go ahead with this, and we're going to burn you down. And he starts walking back, and William follows. The VP sees that his two Secret Service people are dead. Oh, uh, Before, uh, Clementine's like, why do they call you Secret Service if you're so obvious? Uh, William says some more stuff because, you know, you're talking about like Fitzgerald and he said he's more like Hemingway, whatever. And he talked about breaking him, whatever. And he whack, whacks him with the golf club. So then we see Maeve and Caleb. They're like dressed fancy. They arrive at some place. Caleb's like, do I have to wear a tux or whatever? And you know, she's wearing this, this black gown. And he's like, is this a trap? And she's like, oh, yeah, most likely. So she's trying to see, you know, if there's any hosts inside. 
uh, Caleb gets a call from the dude, like watching his wife and daughter, and he's, you know, he's like, get ready to, you know, get them out of there. So anything happens, like you have to keep them safe. They're my, my whole world. And then he goes back to, to Maeve, and she's like, there's no sign of any host. He's like, are you sure? And she's like, well, do you want to check? They go into this like auditorium, and it's like just it's empty. And there's like an old phonograph playing opera on the stage. So they go up there, they, they take the needle off, and then the floor starts moving down like it's big, like kind of elevator platform. He's a little concerned. He's like, are, are you have any weapons? She's like, no, but you do. And he's like, well, you had trouble with, you know, the senator. And she said, I forget what she says. And then um, she's like, well, I already said he had an, an upgrade. So they walk down the hall and it's like silent. And then there's like, it's like brighter by this door at the end. And they open a door and there's like a little bar. There's like piano music. So they, they go up and they, they order some drinks. So he wants to talk about what happened to the lighthouse, which I don't remember that. That must have been last season. And she's like, well, I recall I saved your life. He's like, I meant afterwards. And she's like, well, we did what we always do. We got on with our lives. And Caleb's like, well, my wife, you know, doesn't agree with that. She thinks I'm living in the past. And then the place starts kind of like rumbling, rumbling and, and moving. So they're actually on a train. So Maeve's like, oh, I should have known. She's like, I ran, you know, across the sea, whatever. And set, as soon as I set foot on another land, it's the same old poop. So then we see that Navarro dude, he's like in a parking garage on the phone. He's like, he heard something about the, the VP is satisfied with the situation. So he's, you know, he's angry or whatever. He gets in a car, he tells him to like start it, whatever. But then he gets like choked from behind, like thing goes around his neck and like ties, like his hands get tied or something like that. He can't move. Clementine's back there. Another Clementine. How many are there? And she's like, Shh. she's like, we have time for you now, Mr. Navarro. So then Charlotte gets into the back seat and she's like, you've been looking into us. He like, you're dead. And she's like, you want to see us pulling the strings? I can empathize. I spent most of my life being manipulated by people in the shadows. I thought I'd at least you do you the courtesy of looking you in the eye. And he's like, I was right. And she's like, not really. It would be impractical to replace all of you one at a time. So she wants her people to be able to grow and flourish and then a fly like lands on his temple and he like is trying to like shake his head but he can't like swat or anything so she's like oh here she wants her people to flourish to find their own identity she's like i have plans for your kind and then she gets out and the fly is like crawling on his face it goes in his eyes and it goes in and you just hear him scream so then we see christina's in a, a car taxi whatever thing um she's reading the dude's obituary again then she accesses her work files or whatever on a p myers character so there's a, a, she's reading her pitch. There's a guy named Peter. He was depressed. He felt different from other people in the world. He started seeing things, imagining conspiracies. His wife, she left him. He lost his job. He blamed on someone that he became obsessed with. He stalked her. Um, she gets a call from her work and she just kind of like flips it away. Uh, this dude contemplated killing her, but ultimately it all spiraled, spiraled out of control. It got to a place that he couldn't handle and he killed himself. So she pauses the playback. Then she takes a call from her boss, Emmett. He's like, oh, we're missing you in the office, whatever. She's like, uh, yeah. She's like, I'm not feeling well. She's like, I just wanted to stay home. He's like, oh, but you're accessing your data files remotely. And she's like, yeah, I just wanted to catch up with work. He's like, uh, and he's looking at her location. He's, he's like from Jersey. And she's like, uh, how, how do you know? He's like, when you access your file, the computer logs your coordinates, which seems like a big invasion of privacy. 
she asks if it's okay if she travels for a personal reason. He's like, hey, we don't regulate what you do on off hours. You're entitled to four or six sick days a year, which is like nothing. That's crazy. So he just wants to make sure that she doesn't require any further assistance. Like, because I think he asked if she was a right, like psychologically or, you know, from the, the dude jumping off a building or whatever. And she's like, I'm fine. She's like, I'm sure I'll be back at work tomorrow. And she like, she's like, I got to go. So back on a train, Caleb, he can't get a signal on his, his phone because so he, they can't call back up. This lady comes up to him. Her name's Sophia. She's wanted to check their reservation. So Caleb's like, oh, I, I can't remember whose name it's under. So he has Maeve. She puts her hand, her thumb on, on the scanner and it, I, she probably creates a reserv- an invitation. So they're Mr. and Mrs. Morgan. And then she asks for Caleb for his device to ensure his experience is fully immersive. And Maeve's like, you might as well at this point. So she, Sophia asks him to follow her. They go into this room. There's like, you see like cases of gun. There's like clothing, like on racks. And she asks if they have any pre-existing medical condition. Maeve's like, oh, I've died a few times, but always come back in reasonably good health. And she's like, I'm sorry. And Kayla's like, oh, she's joking. Then Sophia's like, any mental health issue? Any panic attacks? And Maeve's like, oh, no. And Kayla's like, why would that matter? And she asks again, whatever. Then she's like, has either you visited Westworld, uh, you know, before it shut down? And he's like, oh, I couldn't afford it. And Maeve's like, I'm what you would call a regular. So Sophia's like, since you're returning, can I assume that you had a positive experience? And Maeve's like, it was certainly eye-opening. So then they have to like consent to some data stuff or whatever like like that, and they have to do their thumbprints again. Maeve looks at the guns in the case. She's like, oh, I want to look at these. Caleb's like looking at the suits, and it was kind of weird. Sophia walks up to him because she's like maybe ten feet away or something. Like Maeve is, so they're supposed to be married, and Sophia's like, uh, she's like, I can help you get you dressed, or I can wait outside. So I was like, what? She's like, or we can stay here for a while. Then Maeve's like, your services won't be required here. He's like, he may be pretty basic, but he's capable of pulling up his own trousers. Christina arrives at her location. She's at the Hope Center for Mental Health. It looks a little run down, like the the ground, you know, there's no groundskeeping. There's like leaves all over. There's like leaves inside. She goes in there. There's like blueprints on a desk. And she sees in this other room, there's like people like hard hats. And then there's like maybe some fancy dressed people or ladies in there, whatever. She keeps walking further in. She sees like a placard on the wall, Peter Myers Memorial Wing. This wing is dedicated in loving memory to Peter who left his fortune to others in the hopes their pain could be lessened. So like, what the heck? She calls Maya. She asks about the obituary. She's like, I- I'm there right now. You know, she's like, it shut down years ago. And it's like, he did make a donation when he died. You know, they, they dedicated an entire wing to him. And, and, you know, she's like, well, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence, you know, there, you know, could be a, a lot of P- Peter Myers or, you know, maybe the obituary got it wrong. And so she's like, I feel like I'm going insane. And I was like, you're not insane. You know, the world may have gone a little insane, but you're fine. And she's like, okay. She's like, I'll, you know, she's like, just come home and, you know, I'll see you soon. And then as Christine is about to leave, she sees like in this one room, like taped to the wall, there's like these kind of crude drawings of like the tower that the dude the the homeless guy keeps talking about and then charlotte opens a, one of those big host pod circular things and she's like do you know where you are it must be disorientating and then you hear because she's like standing in front so the voice is like you again so it's william 
So this is the real William. The William that we've been seeing is not William, is a host. He's like, why do you need me? He's like, why don't you just let me die? And she's like, because you are as close to God as a man could get. He's like, you and your associates created a world and ruled it absolutely, controlled our every move, and now I'm going to do, going to do the same to you. And she's like, what's that old saying you used to say? Winning doesn't mean anything unless someone loses. She's like, you're just here to be the loser. So he guesses that she's going to repopulate the world with her kind. And she's like, it would be pointless to bring children in a world where they'd be consumed by jackals. So she had to make sure that they'd be safe. It's like, your kind made a sport out of hunting us. So I had to cut off your paws. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, make sure people would never be able to harm us again. So he's like, you know, WTF are you talking about? And she's like, she says, really, she should thank him. None of this would be possible without him. And then another host William walks up like in a suit and then she's like it's time for another deep and dreamless slumber and she like jabs him in the neck like pretty hard <laughs> and then uh, the chamber door thing closes and she's like good night William whoosh and uh, you know it all fills up smoke and all that stuff like that then we see host William he's addressing people thanks them for coming so he's they're gonna I guess open Westworld again or something like that Caleb and Maeve are dressed and uh Sophia comes in for one last touch, hats. And Caleb's like, oh, I was never really a hat guy. So at first I'm like, wait, if they're going to be cowboy, wouldn't a cowboy need a hat? But he's not going to be a cowboy. So William keeps talking. That vice president dude's there because he's like, with support from the administration, we've expanded our, you know, our, what was it, Elios, or whatever the company is, has expanded its footprints. He's like, we created our own new world. He's like, we aren't revisiting the past. We're recreating it. Hits a switch. Welcome to the golden age. City street, like you know, t turns on. There's people walking around, and it looks like it's maybe the 1920s or something like that. And we see Caleb and Maeve. They start walking into the city. So it's a new West World. Uh, why are they there? Uh, you know, was it? A, is it a, a trap? I don't know. So that's the end of the episode. So it's interesting. And, you know, that the whole thing is what what is going on. And um, I have no idea because each season has been pretty different. So that that's the, the cool thing about the show is like you, you never really know, you know, where it's going to go next. OK, with uh, Ms. Marvel, season one, episode five, time and again, this was this shows I like the show. Don't get me wrong. This was a kind of a weird episode. It, it you know it, it's it was it was good. It was interesting and it, you know it has it's it's important and all that. But it was just it's all about the backstory and and Kamala was hardly even in it. Uh in I I guess the the main thing is if if you're like yes, there's going to be a season 2, I'd be like okay, great. That tell all the backstory you want. But we don't know that. You know, she's supposed to be in the Marvels, the Captain Marvel 2. It just feels weird that we're barely getting to see Kamala. It's, and I don't know. Anyways, let's just go go through it. So, as always, the, one of the things that I, I aside from uh, Iman, what's I don't remember her name because I'm horrible with names. But aside from the the lovely actor who plays at the actress, I always say actor. I think you know what I mean by that. The lovely actress who plays Ms. Marvel. Um, I, I, I love the fact that it's educational as, as well. You know, it's like you get the history lesson because I don't know 
a lot. I, I know very little about the, you know, although I did take the history of ancient India class, but that was more about like the, the, the gods, the Hindu gods and everything. So, you know, we, we find out it's sort of like a news report about India awakening to light and freedom, whatever. So it's August 15th, 1947, the newly appointed prime minister, Jawaharlal Nehru, uh, said that it's going to be the beginning of a new India. After almost 200 years of oppressive British rule, India is free. So the dominion of Pakistan has been um, demarcated. It's okay. Like, wait, what was that word? For Muslims, while India is going to be a secular state with a Hindu majority. So then mass migration has begun, but along the way, there's like riots and violent violent outbreak, you know, whatever, has erupted across the country. But I guess this, this all goes back to 1942. So then it cuts back. We see, you know, British-occupied India, some soldier, you know, who's the soldier chasing? You know, someone's running, soldiers chasing Aisha. And then she like turns, she throws a knife, hits him or whatever, and she just keeps going. So then she arrives at this village where, you know, you see this guy with like a walking stick, you know, he's talking about their rights, you know, from, you know, being oppressed by, you know, all this stuff like that. And then some soldiers arrive and he yells, yell at people, you know, go to your home and are like, you know, just dispersing and all that. Then we see her, she's sleeping outside and that same dude kind of like pokes her with a stick and she like grabs the stick right away and, and she's defensive. She's like, he's like, you poke me, touch me again with, and I'll break your leg or something like that. And he kind of, he kind of laughs because He's like, with this leg? He's like, well, I hardly use it anyways because, you know, he just got the walking stick. But then he he says something about, like, he doesn't want her to trample his roses because it's like a, a, a field of roses. You know, he grows them, I guess. Or that's what we, we find out later. So then, but then he, he's, he's like, can I help you with anything? And she's like, no. And she softens a little bit. She's like, no, thank you. So, you know, he's, he's like, okay. He's like, well, there's food and a place to rest if you need it at my cottage. And then it, it's nighttime. She finally heads over there, and he's like, "Now I know you're you're putting up you know, whatever like a false priest." And he's like, "No one could resist the smell of whatever his his food was." She finally you know, takes the food. Then she starts eating, and he's like, "Oh, you know, what's your name?" And he's like, "Or should I just call you Hungry?" She doesn't say anything. And then he's like, "Well, clearly you're not British, and you're not from the village." He's like, "What brings you to my doorstep?" Like nothing. And then she finally says, "I like your roses." Oh, she speaks. And then he goes on about how her lying there, you know, when the roses remind him of this poem, he starts like reciting it, whatever. Then she's finally like, Aisha. She's like, my name is Aisha. Then he's like, oh, he's like, Aisha, she who lives is a beautiful name. And his name is Hassan. So time goes by. And at one point, you know, she got him a new walking stick, whatever. And then he comments how when he found her, she threatened to break his leg and, you know, also like that. And she's just, she's like, thanks him for letting her make a home here or whatever. And we then we see she's pregnant. More time goes by. Baby's born. She's Aisha singing to the girl in a crib. More time passes. The girl's older. News of violence is on the radio. Uh, the girl's playing with like the bangle, you know, just like, you know, holding it and stuff like that. Then someone knocks on the door with some stuff. Um, Aisha answers the door, and he's got like some some food and stuff like that. And, and Hassan's like, like tell tell him Rohan to keep his charity. He's like, you're playing into the the British hands or something like that. People are afraid to buy my roses, and they won't sell milk to Aisha. He's like, why? Because I'm a Muslim. And then she, so he's like, whatever, you know. So the guy leaves. But then as, as Aisha's closing the door, she like sees something out there, and she kind of looks concerned. She goes out later with a lantern. 
and it's Najma. So Najma's like, so this is where you've been hiding. And Aisha like doesn't like say anything. There's like no response. Then Najma hugs her. And Aisha's like, I thought you were all dead. And Najma's like, you know, we search everywhere for years. She's like, now that we found you, we can put our plan into action. And Aisha's just like kind of like stares at her. And Najma's like, don't you want to go home? And she's like, of course, of course I do. And she's like, I hid the bangle for safekeeping. Retrieving it will take some time. Najma just kind of looks at her. And she's like, you have until sundown tomorrow. And then we all go home together. Inside, Aisha's like, you know, the riots are spreading. Everyone's trying to leave now while they still can. Hassan's like, this is all I've ever known. My father built this house for us. And Aisha's like, like, no Muslims are safe here. He's like, you've seen what's happening. They're burning homes across the countryside. People are dying. It's just too risky to stay here with Sana, their daughter. And which is Kamala's grandma, her nani. Then she's like, you know, we can take our memories with us. You know, as long as we're together, we can build a home anywhere. And and she says to Sana, she's like, I know new adventures are scary. That's why I need you to hold on to this for me, her bengal. So then we see people are walking with torches in the night. And she's like going really fast, like, you know, carrying Sana. And Hassan's like, it's like, Aisha's like, I can't keep up. And she's like, well, the last train is leaving tonight. And he's like, but who are you running from? And he's like, who is that woman that you were talking to last night? He's like, just tell me the truth. So they, they like sit on the side of the road. And, you know, Sana's like sleeping in her in her arms. Aisha pulls out the bangle. She's like, I want to show you something. You always said I was magic. And then the bangle kind of expands a little bit and then glows with purple light. And then it like retracts back in. And he's like, why are you telling me now? She says that, you know, he knew that she was running from something, but she never pushed. He's like, I didn't care. He's like, you chose us. And that's what's matter. She's like, I'm still choosing you. Just, you know, promise me that whatever happens, Sana gets on that train tonight. And he's like, nothing is go- you know going to happen. So the trains are packed like we saw last episode. Uh, she's And as they're walking, she keeps like looking around through the crowd, like looking for Najma and the others. Then she's like, Sana's not safe. So he's like, you have to take her. And then she kind of like ducks into the crowd. And Hassan's like, like, what the heck? You know, he can't carry her. And, and Sana's like, Bleh. then Najma runs into Aisha. You turned your back on us, your family, your people. And then she's like, where's the bangle, Aisha? And, you know, she's saying, so, so. and then she ends up stabbing Aisha. She's like, I'll find it if it's the last thing I do. And she just like walks away. Aisha yells out, it won't work. So then um, Hassan's like on a train, but then he lost Sana. And she's like out in the crowd. She wandered off instead of staying by his side. And she's like, Ami, 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 Ami. <laughs> it's like over and over. <laughs> Jeez, it's, it's, it's just so much. Uh, and then uh, Aisha, she's like dying. And there's this whole thing about like what you seek is seeking you. So she says that her eyes kind of go go purple. And then um, then she like falls back. The bangle like falls also, I guess, I think it must have been. I mean, the, the episode was a little dark here. I had the windows like open. And I, I think Sana dropped the bangle too. But then we see Kamala because she's the last episode. She jumped on top of the train. So she jumps down. She's like walking through the, the crowd and everything like that. And then eventually she finds Aisha like just lying like off the side, like wounded, like no one's helping her. And Aisha's like, Ugh, it worked, Sana. She's like, the Bengal brought you back to me. And she's like, I'm I'm not Sana. Then she's like, we don't have much time. Get Sana on the train and protect the Bengal. And she's like, you have everything you need. And she hands like a, a photo to, to, her, like, to Kamala. 
And Kamala's like, but you're supposed to save Nani, like the story. And Aisha's like, it's okay. She's okay. And she puts her like her hand on, on Kamala's like face. She's like, you are here. And then she dies. So Kamala's like, look, she's like, what is she supposed to do? You know, she doesn't want to leave her there, but you know, she knows she's got to do something. Sana is still calling out, Mommy, Ami, Abu, um. <laughs> and then Kamala <laughs> finally finds her and picks her up. And she's fighting her way through the crowd. Hassan's like yelling out and everything like that. Then Kamala's like, I can't do stars, but I can do circles. So she makes some like light platforms for Sana. She's like, you know, step up on here. So she gets up, jumps to another one. But then Kamala gets like bumped and like knocked over. And then the platform kind of dissolves, you know, kind of crumbles or whatever. And then the the light kind of like sparkles or whatever. And it floats away. So then Sana starts following the sparkles which is supposed to be the stars. And then Hassan like sees them too. And then they find each other. And then Kamala's like, it was me. So she was the stars that brought her Nani to her, her dad. The train leaves, her, the bangle glows. And then um, Kamala's back in, in the, the present. The others like in the, this little like quad circle, whatever this area, they all kind of like wake up too. And then, uh, then there's this yellow light that's like in the middle. And Najma's like, "The veil, it's open." So the somehow reality it cracked. The the, the gateway's open, which is not a good thing, right? At Nani's house, Muniba's trying to call Kamala. She's like, "Pick up, pick up, pick up." You know, she's concerned because Kamala's not home. She's not answering a phone. One of Kamala's like, "But she's all right. She has a phone, right?" And it's like, if. She, if so, you can log into the family plan and use the find my phone feature to see where she is. Muniba's like, like spywares for parents? And he's like, kinda. Then she's like, then why am I only just hearing about this? So that's not gonna be good. The veil is like shimmering. It's getting bigger. One of the others, uh, the other lady, uh, Faria says, Najma, we can go home. She reaches for it and then her arm kind of like turns purple, like purple stones. Like, and then her whole body's like that and it crumbles. It's just, and then her skeletons are in a skeleton crumbles. So the energy from the veil looks like it's getting more violent, like bigger. Kamala like shoots a blast of light at it, but it doesn't really do much. And then she makes like a crystal. She, she tells Kimo, she's like, get everyone out of here. So she makes like this big, like, platform, like, little wall so they can like run out. Then Kamala says a nod. She's like, it's not going to work. It's just going to destroy everything. She's like, please help me close it. And Najma's like, I, I can make it. And Kamala's like, you have Kamaran. And Najma's like, I don't. I left him behind. Kamala's like, then go back and get him. It's like, all Aisha wanted was to be with her family. And you took that from her. Please don't take that from Kamaran too. Then Najma's like, you're right. There's only one way. I can close it. And she steps forward. And Kamala's like, what? She's like, no. And then she's like, Kamaran. And then the energy like hits her. She turns purple and crumbles and the veil closes then we see cameron's like walking and then like the energy because like like energy left najma and then it goes out to him he falls to his knee and then like his hand kind of glows like yellow like kind of like kamala's but like yellowish so the veil is closed just as like muniba and nani arrive and she's like what are you doing and then she's like, she hugs him and then she's like, are you okay? And then she's like, and who is that? And uh, so Kimo, he, you know, cause he has a scarf up and he's like, oh, hey auntie. Hi. And he says, he's, you know, pays a respect, everything like that. And he like, he leaves. So Muniba's like, you are that light girl? Cause I guess she must've saw something. And Kamala's like, yeah. And then her mom's like, 
Nani's like, our family's magical. Then the Muniba, she's like, I told you so many times over the years. Kamala reaches in her pocket and takes has a photo. She's like, to Nani, she's like, this is for you. And she's like, it's all true, Nani. So the picture, it's a photo of Aisha, Hassan, and Sani. So Muniba looks at it and she's like, this photograph and those lights, how did this happen? And Kamala's like, um, and Nani's like, I don't know, but I'd like to think two people fell in love and created something, something much bigger than either of them could have created alone. Shall we go home now? And then Kamala's like, uh, there's one more thing I have to do. She's like, I'll be right back. And there's like, so she goes and she finds chemo and she's like, I'm pretty sure a Pakistani goodbye is the opposite of an Irish one. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like, I have to go tell the others what happened. And I figured, you know, you could use some time with your family. Then she's like, are you going to be okay? And he's like, yeah. And then he's he's like, he'd be really proud of you, the the other dude. I forgot his name that, that died. Kamala's like, oh, and, th- and thank you, by the way, for everything. Kimo's like, well, if you ever need anything, I'm just a, a call away. But then he's like, oh, but there might be some warrants out for in the U- United States for me. Or, I don't know what he's talking about. He says something. Else. Then he like he takes a scarf. He's like, this is for you. And he gives it to Kamala. So now, not only does she have her vest, she also has a scarf that you know she uses like, like a sash to wear around her waist. So then Muniba sees something, which I wasn't really sure about this part. She picks something up. And it's I don't know if it's like a bracelet or a necklace. It looked like it was just a short chain and there's like something on there and she's like it's kamala's and she's like it broke so and then um it's some maybe it got bent or something like that, but it almost looks like it's the ms marvel symbol so i don't know if that's what it was supposed to be i i might be totally missing something then it cuts to back or later at the house uh nani and muniba are looking at old pictures uh and you know when muniba she's like this is when she was your because kamala, kamala sees that she's like who is that and you know she's like all like doing some like fashion pose or whatever then nani's like you know she was quite the rebel she's like she ran away when she was 17 to follow that star bruce um springfield because <laughs> supposed to be bruce springsteen or not rick springfield but then uh muni was like she's like don't put these lies into my daughter's head she's like it was bon jovi and kamala's like huh and she's like, why have I never heard of this? Muniba's like, well, you never asked. She's like, your father and I had lots of adventures, Kamala. But I will tell you this. None of them has been as thrilling as being your mother. And recently, if I've been holding on really tightly to you, it's because I'm not ready to let you go. And then Nani says, she's like, well, maybe I didn't hold on to you, t- you know, tight enough. And Muniba's like, like, no, it's like, I couldn't see what you needed me to see. And, you know, so just what she had to do and and nani's like well you know maybe this is the path that you know i was meant to take and and then they group hug of the three of them then we go back to the circle queue bruno's taking out the trash he throws it in there and then cameron pops out brian and he like startles him he's like what are you doing here he's like i don't know where else to go so inside bruno like sets up like a pull-out couch or something like that for cameron he's like looking at like stuff on bruno's walls and trying to make conversation it's it's awkward whatever then he's like can we just restart he introduces himself he's like hi i'm cameron and bruno's like bruno and cameron's like oh my god i generally thought your name was brian this whole time and bruno's like oh it, it's fine he's like i hadn't noticed the first four times you know then he's like you know you can stay here tonight He's like, and we can figure out where you go tomorrow. And Cameron's like, no. He's like, I have to stay here so my my mom knows where to find me. Bruno's like, she left you to fend for yourself. What makes you think she's coming back? And he's like, she wouldn't leave me behind like some sort of orphan. 
And he then he's like, oh, you don't get it. Bruno's like, my parents aren't around anymore either. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he's like, well, I don't, I don't know if you're hungry. My Nona's out of town, but left lasagna in the fridge. And then Cameron sees a drone, which has got to be so illegal, like outside the window, peeking in. Why would it even know to go there? Looking inside the window, and then he like blasts it with, with his now new energy, something like that. He's like, we have to go. The the drone get got knocked back. It didn't like blow up or anything like that. But as it got knocked back, a rocket release came out, goes into the circle Q, boom, blows up the circle Q. It's like what you can't blow up the circle Q. That's like it's such a huge part of the comics, well, not really, but I mean they they go there all the time. And because this damage control, they're just so careless. Uh, I that's not okay. And then that's that's the end of it. So it was like, it was a, a, there's like six minutes and 47 seconds worth of credits. The episode itself was, was just under 34 minutes. So we have one more and you give us like a 30 minute episode. Like what the heck? So I don't, I mean, what, what is that? What's there to do in the last episode? So Najma's done. So there's, there's no threat from her. I don't know. Is, is Kamran going to blame Kamala for her death because she's gonna have to tell him like, dude, your mom's not coming back. She died, and then he's gonna be like, oh, you did this to her or something like that. I'm sure that's what's gonna happen. But that was the end. So I mean, it like I said, it was a good episode, but it just I don't, I, I guess I just want more, and I, I'm just concerned with this being the second to last episode. But at least we got one more, and hopefully they'll say yeah, season two coming. All right, and now. Umbrella Academy. So uh, last week I talked about episodes one, two, and three, and there's ten episodes in a season. And because I don't want this to be another five-hour episode, I'm gonna do. I so I, I I watched some more. I got my you know I got my cable fix as I mentioned before. So I'm gonna do uh, four, five, six, and seven. So we'll do four episodes this week, and then next week I I don't like breaking this over three weeks, but whatever. I guess that's just what we're gonna do. So the next week I'll do eight, nine, and ten. So start, and um, it's uh, I, I will say, episode seven is is a good place to end. It, it's there's really good cliffhangers in in the episodes, which is why I feel this would be a great show as a weekly thing to keep you like hanging there for the week. Man, I just I don't know. Season three, episode four, Kugel Blitz. So it starts off, and we see November 23rd, 1963. Sissy, so this is uh, the person that Victor, that Vanya, like last season. So Sissy's driving with her son Harlan, because Harlan, we saw, was Lester Pockets, was the old dude who unleashed his power last last episode. So back in 1963, Sissy's driving with Harlan in the, in the back seat. They go through New Mexico, and he's in the back seat. Then you know he's like floating a toy, the, the toy bird that he had like in his hand is just like hovering there. Then um, Salt Lake City, December second, nineteen sixty three. She uses the name Dana Pocket. Sissy, she meets someone because she's with some other lady. Harlan has a, a pet rabbit, and it's, it's like his birthday or something like that. Ends up biting him, and then he gets mad, and then the rabbit explodes in a cage. And this must freak out the ladies because she like. Uh, so her, uh, Sissy's new girlfriend, she leaves. Then they they move, they pack up, they go to Bend, Oregon, 1966, and then we see him. He's getting kicked by a group of boys outside the school, just picking on him. And then he ends up using his powers and knocks everyone back. And then he like he runs. 
Then they so they have to move again. Va- the uh, Valley City, North Dakota. Then it's like 1976. So I'm sure they've moved some stuff like that. Then we see like Tampa Bay, Florida, 1969. A bunch of other moves. Finally, they reach Oakland, California, and then it cuts to October 1st, 1989. We see Sissy's in the hospital because I, I think it was said that she had cancer. Or I think that's an article said or something like that. And then she dies as Harlan's holding her her hand. He's just like so upset and everything like that. His power goes off and then he can't control his powers. And it's just like the whole room's like. Cut to the present. Uh, The umbrellas stare at Lester. Two dead sparrows. So are Jamie and Alfonso dead? Diego sees Stan and yells and he's like, go upstairs. Because, you know, he's like behind hiding behind a bar. Stan like hugs him and he, he goes to the elevator. So he actually listens. Clausen enters a lobby and he he's like, oh, did Victor go full carry again? And Victor tries checking on Harlan, but he, Victor's surprised that Harlan can talk now. And he's like, yeah, I can do lots of things. Sloane wakes up because Luther like shielded her, and then she sees Alfonso and Jamie, and then she like freaks and then she like runs because she's like, dumb brother, you guys killed my my brother and sister. Five and Lila. They're they're at the commission place, so they jumped. They went to wherever. They go inside. The place is empty, and she's like, "I was just here," uh, but then it's the grandfather paradox. Just must have messed everything up. So they split up to check out the inf- infinite switchboard where they can see like across the timeline, everything like that. And then someone's going to check Herb's office because if anyone has survived, he is because he's a roach or whatever. Then we see Luther chase after Sloane. She grabs him with, with her powers because she, she went upstairs and said outside, you think. Uh, and she's like, did you you set me up? And then, you know, it's like that. She's like, it was a trick. You you lied. Or Diego grabs her from behind and puts a blade to her neck. Luther's like, no, no. It's like, let her go. And Diego's like, she's the enemy. And they're like arguing back and forth. Lester, Harlan, I, I, I'm just going to call him Harlan. He runs outside and then he mentions Victor. He's like, you have an age. He's, and Victor's like, it's only been three days for me. And it's like, how, how did you find me? And he says that ever since that day at the lake when they were connected, so he almost drowned and then Vanya had saved him and some of Vanya's power went into Harlan. So he's like, ever since that day they were connected, he's like, I can feel people like you, like the vibrations, it's like a tuning fork in my head. And he's like, I can, you know, pull it out or if i focus or whatever and he's because he, it's just like so much he's like i wasn't made for for this power it's like i can't control it allison uses her rumor power on sloan and she's like where's the briefcase and allison and you know she's like i don't know and allison's like yelling in her face and everything like that and she's like i don't know and luther finally gets there and like tells her like stop using her power or whatever so then uh, Allison's like off. Oh, she's just like so on edge and everything. She's in the bathroom. She tries using her powers on herself to make herself happy. And she like punches a mirror. And then like she takes one of the broken pieces of, of, of mirror. And she starts cutting her hair. Which is crazy because it is cut so evenly like around the back. We see later. I just, just realized that. So she comes down and tells Victor the sparrows don't have the briefcase and never did. And it's like, wait, how did she figure that out? But then Allison asks, like, what's the next move in her plan? Victor's like, can we just talk about this later? Because, you know, you want to catch your breath and everything, you know, whatever happened. Then we see Faze yelling at Ben for walking them into a slaughter. And she's like, you don't have what it takes to lead. That's why dad demoted you. And he, like, slaps her. And she's like, you're just a crappy number two. So then they go into uh, Reggie's office, Reginald. And they're like, we lost Jamie 
Alfonso and Sloan. And Ben's like, they had a secret weapon. He's like, an old guy with powers. He's like, they were cheating. And Faye's like, we need to come up with a plan in case they, you know, come to finish us off. And Reginald is just like, what? Yeah, first he's like, oh, I'm sure they'll, they'll come back when, you know, because he didn't get what they meant. Five sees a transmission. There's been a rip in the space-time continuum. It's swallowing up everything. And then the, the dude, doing it, like in the video, then he like disappears. Then Lila comes in. Five's like, this is bigger than the timeline. It's the universe. The universe is collapsing in on itself. She's like, well, I found an old handbook. So, you know, we can look at the grandfather paradox to see, you know, what do you do if that actually happens? Like, what's the precautions? Sloan tells Luther that she hates his family and she asks if he was part of it. He's like, I had no idea who that old man was. He's just showed up. Uh, he's like, you, you know, you guys attacked us. And she's like, I tried to warn you. And, and he's like, yeah, but at the last minute. So she thinks that he was using her and he's like, I would never do that. And he's like, and if you're playing me, then you win. He's like, if you know this is real, we have to trust each other. So then they're both like, okay, okay. And then, you know, he wipes a tear from her cheek. Stan has to clean, you know, Diego's like, you have to, you know, clean up this mess you made. He's like, but it wasn't really my fault. You know, Molotov cocktail, whatever. And uh, so he's going to have to clean a bunch of rooms. Like there's like a list of rooms to clean. And Diego has Klaus watch him since Klaus gets on his nerves or something like that. So they're in this, they go into this one room and, and, you know, Klaus is just going on and on about, you know, the stuff with, with that and this and that. It stands like stealing stuff in a room, but it turns out Klaus like saw him take stuff and he's like, you can put that stuff back, whatever. He's like, you can't do this. Come on. So Victor talks to Harlan about Sissy and then there's a family meeting, except Klaus, he's like getting into trouble with Stan. So Luther and Sloan kind of suggest that they let Sloan go back with the bodies of the sibling, her siblings so that she can convince them that they had nothing to do with this and then so they'll stand down. Victor suggests, you know, to, when, with I got an earshot, that having an ally and an inside could be good. And Allison's like, how can we trust her? And Luther's like, well, I do. And Sloan um, tells Allison, to, she's like, rumor me again. And Allison's like, she's like, whatever. She's like, just do it, whatever you want. And she's like, I have other things to deal with. Allison's like on this like spiral, just like getting worse and worse. So then we see Five and Lila. They, they find the operations bunker. So they're hoping that there's going to be some answers in there. Diego and Allison talk about things. Uh, she says that she doesn't think the others know what it was like for her in 63. Um, they're by like a, a bar. You know, she like left outside. He followed her outside. So there's this. Uh, then they're, they're like they drove whatever. They, and so they, they're outside this bar. There's like a Confederate flag. And he's like, there are people in there who hate people like us. So he's like, you know, we can go in and have a drink. And if someone starts something, we can finish it. Or we can just go home. And she's like, well, I could use another drink. So they're going to go and fight and let off some steam. Luther, Victor, and Sloan meet with Ben, Faye, and Christopher. So Christopher's a floating cube. They load the bodies like in the back of their truck. And Victor's like, this puts an end to it. And Ben's like, no. He's like, we want the old man too. And Faye's like, what are you doing? Ben th threatens them to bring the old man who killed their siblings. And this is all over. If not, and he just like turns around. So Lila, they're at the, it turns out Lila doesn't have access to the bunker. And then five tries and the door opens for him. He's like, oh, I guess you're not as important as you thought, whatever. So then, then he's like, he starts like, he's sweating for some reason. He's like, he doesn't really know what's, what's going on. We see there's like, like an iron lung or something in there. And the founder is inside. So then five like goes, looks at his face and he's like, it can't be. He's me. 
And then Lila starts laughing. She's like, this whole time you've been complaining about the commissions and you're the one who founded it. And he's like, if I did, I have no memory of doing it. And he's like, you know, something's wrong. He's like, I, I don't have the paradox psychosis. He's like, I, I, you know, I could feel it outside, but inside it's, it's nothing. Then the founder, he's like, he's like, oh, you weren't, you're not too bright. And then he's like, the, the bunker is paradox proof. He's like, all permutations of himself can exist in that room. So the founder's like, if you're here, it must be because of the Kugel Blitz. And Five's like, he's like, because Lila's like, what? He's like, it's German for ball of lightning. Then Five's like, well, how do you fix it? And the founder's like, you don't. And Five like gets in his face. He's like, he's like, I spent the last twenty days fighting, you know, apocalypses, and now I, you know, I'm stuck in this pre-pubescent body. And the founder's like, whatever you do, don't save the world. And then he like dies. And Lila's, he's like. Ask Lila if he can be alone for whatever. Then he looks, or and then he he says something about ob- oblivion too, or something like that. He's like, "Don't say the word." But then Five's like looking at at the tattoo in the founder's chest, and he's like, "Well, I don't have that now." And he decides to slice it off, which is kind of gross. Klaus and Stan break into the room. There's like this buffalo like emblem on the door. There's lots of stuff in there. It's like really decorated, like all these paintings and stuff like that. And there's, you know, there's like a big buffalo head like over the fireplace and Stan finds like this spear gun like on a mantle. He takes it. He's like, oh, look at this. And then because he's such a dope, he accidentally shoots Klaus through like the chest, like through the heart with the spear. And he's like, he just falls back on a white bearskin rug and there's like blood. Lester takes off the headphones in his room because he's in there. He's thinking that he heard Victor he he goes into Victor's room and he sees like articles about the dead mothers and then he's like angry. So Victor finds Harlan in the hall and Harlan's like, why do you have these? And Victor's like, do you know them? And then he touches Victor's arm and he takes him back to the moment that he unleashed his powers. So he's like reliving the memory somehow. It turns out Harlan caused the moms to die. And we see like their heads exploded like wherever. They, so that morning, their heads just exploded. And Victor's like, it was you. You killed our mothers. You caused all this. So that's not good. That's end of episode four. Episode uh, 305, kindest cut. Klaus wakes up. like So he's dead. But he wakes up in like kind of like black and white world. There's just like a little bit of like yellow color. So I don't I can't remember if he was there before. Because then there's this lady on a bike. And she's not. he's like, you again or something like that. She's like not talking. And then he's like, which way am I supposed to go? And she points. So then he walks through like this field of like um, like wheat or corn or something like that. And he finds like this door at the beach, but then it, it goes to like a mausoleum. And there's like a dead him and, and there Reginald comes in. He was doing an experiment. And then we see Klaus is at a party. So teen Klaus is there and he falls off a building. And then at the hotel when he, he gets shot. So he's like, he's like, those weren't near death experiences. They were full death ones. So Victor is trying to find out how Harlan knew about knew their mothers, and he just wants you know he's in his room. He's like, I just I need my tapes or whatever like that. Victor's like he takes them. He's like, no. He's like, not until you talk. So Harlan's like, I could tear you to atoms. And Victor's like, try it. So they both kind of power up, and then they just like knock each other. You know, they kind of like resist each other and knock each other back. Then he's like, the women were accident. Victor's like, seven dead isn't an accident. And he's like, sissy swore that you'd come back. And make things right. So I waited for years. And on a day she died, he's like, I felt you again. And I reached out, but it wasn't you. And Victor's like, it was our mothers. 
And so he connected with them. He says that he could feel their pain. So he tried to break the connection, but it was too late. And then after that, he just hid himself away up until now. Allison wakes with like a start and she, she's like, you know, next to Ray you know, from 1963. Then he sings a calmer down, whatever like that. And, and then she wakes up for real. So she had a dream that he was there and then she starts drinking some more. Harlan wants to tell Victor's family what he did to him. And Victor's like, like, no, no, no. There's like, there'd be, you know, there's consequences like that. We like, we have to do this very carefully. Like, you know, how we tell him and, and everything. Ben wants to get the old man. He wants Harlan. Faye's like, well, we'll have to deal with that thing with in the basement. Like, that's more important. The, the Kugel blitz or whatever. Luther, Victor, Diego, and Allison are in the lobby. Then five and Lila crash through a portal. And Allison's like, oh, you have the briefcase? She's like, we've been looking for this. And Five's like, well, look no further. This is the last one on Earth, or was the last one. And so it's like a bit mangled up and everything like that. Lila go- goes up to Diego and like hugs him. And he's, he's like, oh, you're happy to see me. What's wrong? And she's like, well, it turns out there's less time to hold grudges than I planned. She's like, you're off the hook. Then Luther asked Diego if he and Allison got in some sort of fight last night. And they're like, yeah, you know, she was brutal. Because at first, Luther thought that Harlan, because uh, Victor has a cut on his cheek. So he's like, you know, he's mad that Harlan did that. And then he sees Allison, so he thinks Harlan did that and whatever. Then Five calls a family meeting. They're like, where's Klaus? Because he's not there. Diego sees Stan still cleaning and goes over to him. And Five says that their, their little paradox brought a Kugel Blitz. And they're like, what the heck is a Kugel Blitz? So Diego catches up with Stan because he's like trying to run away from from Diego. And then he catches up to him. says He's got some stuff in his hand. He has a jug of corrosive acid. And he's like, oh, I'm cleaning up my own mess like you taught me. Then Diego's like, why is there blood on you? And then he, so he finally takes him to see Klaus's body. And he's like crying. He's like, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. He's like, I didn't mean it. It was an accident. So Klaus in this afterlife, he sees this woman like eating at a table at the beach. And she's like, he's or he's like it's a different woman he's like i know you you're my mom and she's like yes then he's like how can you be my mom if you died before i was born and she's like how have you died 56 times and come back to life and he's like well that's a trick question because i didn't know i was doing that he's like i thought i was just one of those lovable looney tunes characters (laughs) he gets hit in the head and he sees birds or whatever so she's like you know i've been watching you from here and he's she's like you know you don't have to mourn me and he's like, well, I just want to know who killed you. And she's like trying to tell him, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you have to see what's in front of you and stuff like that. Back at the meeting, Five says, they just have to go back, kill whoever kills their mother and creates a coup blitz. But they can't just do that now because the briefcase is kaput. Allison's like, well, why can't, you know, you just jump back, you know, or jump us back there. And he's like, the last time I tried that, we all got lost in time. He's like, you want to risk that again? Diego and Stan take Klaus's body, like kind of wrapped in a rug, but it's not like fully wrapped up. Um, they, they go in the elevator to tell the others what happened. It's like, how, how are they going to feel when they find out that Diego's kid killed Klaus? They're in the elevator, or whatever, and then uh, Klaus comes back to life and they like scream. And he looks at his chest and his chest is healing a little bit. So he he tells him, he's like, ah, you know, he just took a spear gun to his chest like it was nothing. And he's like freaked out. In the basement, Ben asks Grace, the robot mom, for her right eye and because they want to see what's on the other side. So they're holding the eye like it's attached to like a big, long, glowing circuit, whatever. And they, they hold it up to it. And then 
it gets sucked in, but then it sends out like a, sh- a shockwave. So more people get obliterated. Five calculates that they have maybe four, maybe five days. Uh, the, the wire to the mom's eye gets like severed, whatever. Grace describes a black hole collapsing in on itself. And he's like, oh, I don't buy it. He, he thinks it's something else. Uh, the umbrellas are talking about turning over Harlan. Luther says that the sparrows think or said that if they turn him over, they'd stop the fighting. Then they can work together and save the world. Victor's like, but we can't trust him. Klaus says, he's like, well, I know where the Kugel Blitz is. And they're all, they're like, but they all think they should hand over Harlan. And Victor says, they'll kill him. And they're like, well, it's one life versus billions. Victor's like, five days ago, he was just a little kid. And it's like, now we're, he's just supposed to die. He's like, it's our fault. Anyways, for going back to 1963, Luther's like, saving the world means making the hard calls. And Victor's like, what? You know, so then Victor goes to talk to Harlan. Because, uh, like, I think, I forget who was, Luther was going to go up there, but Victor's like, it would be better if I did it. You know, he would he would trust me. So Luther tries consoling Allison, and she thought that they were about to kiss. And he's like, like no, no. He, then he's like, okay. He's like, well, I'm going to go see Sloan. And she gets, like, mad. She's like, you're blowing me off for, for a knockoff that you've known for five minutes? And he's like, you wouldn't be like this if you had Ray and your daughter. And Claire, I think her name is. And she's like, so? And he's like, I, I, he's like I'm going to leave. And she's like, I heard a rumor. You decide to stay. And he turns around. He's like, don't do this. And she's like, I'm done letting other people decide how much I can stand to lose. So she's like, I heard a rumor. You want me. So then he goes up to her and, and they start kissing. And you know, he then obviously he's like, he's like trying to fight it. So then she like stops and she runs out. Victor and Harlan are sneaking out. Allison sees him in, in the hall, and Victor's like, "It's like I can save him." And Allison's like, "I can get you someplace safe," but you know, Victor has to go tell the others. So then the family's not happy when Victor says that Harlan's gone. Five and Klaus are talking and drinking later. Five mentions seeing himself die, and you know all that stuff. What he said about not saving the world, and he takes out the skin with a tattoo. And Klaus is like, "It's like, oh." But Klaus says, you know, now that he knows that he what happened, he could do something to totally change things. And he's like, and don't join the Mothers of Agony. And Five's like, what? He's like, that's their, their symbol. They're like a biker gang or something like that. He's like, two or at least you know, at least two timelines ago, they were my pharmacistas. So that must be where he, he got drugs. So then Luther goes to see Sloane. Uh, Diego and Lila are sleeping in in a room that they broke into there's a bright blue light in this like secret closet behind where the spear hit uh five goes to the biker bar and then he goes in the back room someone's tattooing it's pogo pogo's the the biker gang or some like tattoo artist episode 306 marigold it cuts back to 2014 pogo is training the sparrows in like a dojo or something like that ben um has to spar up against uh jamie and um ben is is just he's he's relentless so ben in this reality is just like a big jerk he's just like he just won't he whatever he'll do whatever it gets points where like he uses start you know using your powers his tentacles like wrap her up and like suffocating her and he's like tap out or pass out and she's just like refuses whatever like that then Reginald comes in because like Pogo's about to call off. He's like, no, don't call it off. But Pogo wants to. Then Jamie finally uh, grabs a piece of splintered wood that like broke from this like 
pillar from when they were fighting, and she stabs a tentacle, and he's Ben's in pain. So then she wins. You know, she knocks over the bell or whatever they're supposed to do. Ben gets mad and then storms out like a little baby. Then Pogo and Reginald start arguing over like teaching methods because uh, you know he's like they're not ready, and Reginald's like no one is ever ready. And Pogo says that you know he's grown so detached, you know, he's lost his humanity. And Reginald's like, what humanity? And Pogo's like, you know, I won't let you hurt them. He's like, let me? He's like, they're my children. He's like, they will do whatever I ask of them. And he's like, he tells Pogo if he disapproves, perhaps he might find other employment. So Pogo's like, Pogo's like, I can be gone by morning. Reginald's like, like, why wait? He's like, you can be gone in an hour. So then we see um, they're all standing by the door as he's about to leave, and they're all sad. So Pogo in the present, or yeah, the present, he tells Five that he's like, I don't tattoo children. And Five's like, I'm Reginald's son from another timeline. And Five's like, we've actually met before in 1963 when you were a diaper-wearing chimp in dire need of a manicure. Because he like scratched him. He's like, whatever. Then Pogo ends up leaving. He goes, hops on a bike, takes off. Five ends up taking someone else's motorcycle and he follows him. We see Allison with Harlan. And they're like at this old like abandoned drive-in or something like that. And Victor arrives. Allison asks like, what's the plan? And Victor says that he has to figure out how to take the power back from Harlan. So then we see Lila's looking for Stan. So like, did he disappear in the, the last wave, the aftershock thing? Sloan sneaks some food up to her room. So she's hiding Luther up there. He says that he can't go back to the hotel because he got in a fight with a couple of his siblings. He said before that all he had was his family, but now he's not even sure he has that because you know they all they have in common is childhood trauma. Diego finds uh, the secret door behind this big painting, and it's like this weird bright hallway, and then he sees uh, Stan's lighter like on the ground, so he must have gone in there. So they they go in there, and then when they exit, it's like they're back in the same room, except things are kind of different like instead of a buffalo head there's the the white buffalo it's like the rear end and then like some of the paintings are different like there's a, a woman instead of a man or whatever and there's like some other things like facing a different direction C- candy was like a different candy or something like that victor and harlan are working on a power exchange that are outside he's trying to get victor to hear the music like the sound wave that each thing has as they're trying to do it it's like hurting victor and Allison's, you know she was like sitting in the car and then she gets out she's like stop that or whatever like that and victor's like no i can handle it and then um the energy is like the bubble that they're in is kind of expanding and then like allison kind of gets caught in some of the bubble so it's like is she gonna get some of the power luther and sloan are waiting for the others ben wants to talk to him alone so ben lee Ben finally asks him, he's like, what's your family's fetish with, with, you know, Ben, with your Ben or whatever? And he's like, our Ben was the best of us. He's like, he died too young. And Luther, he's like, you know, I, I think he's in there somewhere or whatever. And then, you know, he's like, no, he's not. He, you know, because Ben's just got to be this hard-ass jerk. Then uh, he calls Grace, their mom. So she gives Luther this big box and it has a sparrow costume in there. So Ben... He says that he'd rather have him with them than against them. So Luther's like, I, I'm honored, but I'm still an umbrella. And Ben's like, well, you can stay as long as you'd like. And he starts walking out. Faye's like, what the, what the heck was that? And he's like, wouldn't you like to know? So he's still planning something. Five arrives at this trailer, like out in the wood, uh, you know, from following Pogo. To, you know, you see the motorcycle there. There's this like woman sitting in a lawn chair and, and she's like, Who are you, what are you doing here? Whatever. She's trying to block him. But Pogo's like, let the boy in. So he sits at a table, then you're because Pogo has a gun under the table. Five shows him a tattoo, 
And Pogo's like, oh, it looks like my work, but I haven't done that. So Five explains that he cut it off his 100-year-old self. He says, you know, the entire universe is at stake. Uh, Pogo says Original was obsessed with those symbols on there, and it's a sigil. It's a, a symbol thought to have magical powers. So it's like magic because, you know, Original's all about science, whatever. And then um, he referred to it as Project Oblivion, and that's what Old Five had said before he died. So we see Reginald in his office. He's watching TJ Hooker now. Um, he hears something, and Klaus is there again. And one thing that, that's interesting is Reginald has a white buffalo painting over his fireplace. Then they, they mentioned uh, the Buffalo Suite, and he's he's like, you know about the Buffalo Suite? Or the White Buffalo Suite? So Reginald, must he knows something about it too. Then Diego and Lila, they go down uh, into the, the lobby of the backwards hotel, the, the opposite version after going through the hallway. They still can't find Stan. You know, there's like, they're about to ring the bell at the desk, and there's like a sign in some weird language. And it, she's like, no. She's like, it says don't ring it. She's like, can't you, can't you read that, whatever? And then as, as she starts walking away from like the bar, she's like, oh, Trudy's going to kill me. And he's like, who's Trudy? And she's like, Stan's mom. And he's like, what? So she turns, Stan's not our child. Fancy some sushi? Reginald is, is uh, willing to listen and uh, return to return the favor of Klaus helping him to stop taking his pills, you know, showing him how not to do it. Then uh, then he puts this thing on, on his back and zaps him. And he's like, fascinating. So it's like, did he just kill Klaus? Because he's like just lying to her. Pogo tells Five about Reginald taking the kids like on a suicide mission, and that's why he gave the kids the pills to um, to give to him. So he's like oblivion has started. So he wanted the kids to be able to control the dad. So he doesn't send him on this mission. Then uh, I guess Pogo is going to put the tattoo on Five. Harlan felt the power inside him after Victor left. He so he thought that he could use it for good. He called it Marigold which is the name of the episode, he tells Victor that he has to stop listening with his his ears. So he gives him his headphones, and he's like, you know, listen with your marigold. Allison is like off around, you know, she's sitting on a swing, and then she starts talking to Ray, because Ray appears next to her. And then she's like, you know, her, says her kid would have loved him. Then she, you know, he's they're going on, and she's like, you know, you, just, you need to stop talking. She's like, you're not real. And he says that, you know, or she says the Ray that she knew died nine years ago at the age of 82 or something like that. And then she's like, I, you know, I can't get back to you or Claire. She's like, am I losing my mind? She's like, were you real? And he's like, yeah, we were and blah, 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 all this stuff like that. Then it starts getting really dark and there's like some thunder. So she runs around, you know, through, through a gate, you know, fence, whatever to over to where Victor and Harlan are. They're both floating above, above the parking lot. There's a bunch of energy just like going back and forth with him. And Harlan's like screaming. There's like yellow particles leave him and then go into Victor's mouth. And then they both like fall. And then the clouds like roll away and it's like daylight again. And Allison goes to Victor and Harlan's like, it's gone. We did it. So Diego's like, okay, Stan's ad adopted. It's like, that's fine. I was adopted. And Lila's like, no. She's like, I borrowed him from my friend Trudy for a week. And then Diego's like angry. And she's like, Stan is in on it. It's like, you know, she wanted to see, so Lila wanted to see what kind of dad he'd be. And she's like, you know, Stan will be fine. He, you know, but Diego's going to go look for him. Harlan talks to Allison because Victor's sleeping on the couch. He's like, well, so what happens to me now? And she's like, you go home and we clean up your mess. Then he says that he understands why she doesn't like him. And she's like, I don't like the hold that you have on my brother. But he, at the same time, he's like, it's because of what he did to all of them. And he, so he thought he knew. So he explains. And she's like, it was you. 
you're the reason they're all dead? And he's like, it was an accident. And she's like, you're the reason Claire's dead? And the reason the whole world is ending? And Victor knew? And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she yells, sorry is what you say when you spill milk, not obliterate someone's child. And he's like, what are you going to do? And she looks at him. So you know it's not going to be good, right? Diego goes out one revolving door in the lobby, but then he automatically comes in through a different revolving door, like right next to it. And then he does it again. So he calls Lila, and um, and there's weird because there's like a roach on the floor, and she like just like you know try stepping on her or something like that. So I don't know if there's, that has anything to do with it. So then he decides to ring the bell at the desk, even though the sign said not to. So the light outside was like this kind of bright, really bright blue light out there, but then it kind of turns this yellowish green, and you hear some like footsteps approaching. This like deep breathing, and you know Diego has like his you know blade out ready to throw it, but then this big blade axe thing goes flying, chops off Diego's like ring and pink, ring finger and pinky finger in his left hand, and they're just lying on the floor. So Lila's, we got to get out of here. She's like she drags him to the elevator, and the footsteps are like slowly approaching, and there's like this big whatever thing carrying like the axe blade thing. So they make it back to the room. They enter the tunnel. They go to the other side. They shut the the, the painting, the door, and it, then they try to hear, you know, keep it shut. But they they they're hearing, you know, it's like pounding, pounding, and then it stops. But then they hear some like slurping. So there's Stan sitting there. He went out to get a, a slushy in a slim gym, and then a wave hits, and Stan disappears for real, like right in front of him. Just whoosh. Allison pulls up to the sparrows. Harlan is in, in the trunk. Is Harlan knocked out? Ben and, and Faye greet her. She's like, you got what you wanted. This is done. And then she sees Luther standing like next to Sloan in the doorway, like in a sparrow outfit. And she like scoffs and just like walks past him into the house. Episode 307, Off Wiedersen. Wiedersen? I don't, I don't know how you say it. I don't speak German. You know what, what I'm saying, right? So at the commission building, um, this back when things were normal. So Lila is like watching a monitor in the the infinite um, infinite whatever thing. She's looking at her real family, like getting killed, like getting shot or whatever, right before. So the the two uh, the little dude and uh, this, I forget their names. They they tell her uh, there's a new regime now, and they want her head. And she's like, oh yeah, I get it. My mother's dead, so they want my head. And um, she's like, they're like, well, we could drop you off in any time period. And she just gets up. She's like, okay, West Berlin, 1989. So then it cuts to West Berlin, 1989. The the walls come down. People are hammering at it, whatever. She just grabs someone's sledgehammer and she goes to part. She sees like this medallion with like a high heel shoe, whatever. She starts like pounding underneath and like starts punching a hole in her. There's a briefcase in a plastic bag sealed inside. And then there's a letter. So it's the handler, which was her mom. So she's like, oh, so if you're reading this, you've found my escape plan. And she's like, whatever you're running from, keep running. Normal isn't for gals like us. And remember, trust no one. And she starts like hammering some more. And uh, then this woman behind her in German, she's like, can I borrow your hammer or whatever? Then it cuts to Lila playing drums. And now her hair is dyed blonde, like it is in the present. And the lady's like singing in the band. We see Stan. He's like trying to sleep backstage on a couch. Um, and then she sees Diego in a crowd or maybe not. So maybe she's just like seeing his face. She, she thought she saw him. He's not really there. So then Lila wakes up the next morning 
and and she's like in a messy living room she goes in the kitchen like drinks some like coffee just sitting there whatever like that diego's sitting at a table like eating something eating his breakfast and she's like where's your mom and he's like oh she left with the bass player you know she she does that with bass players from time to time they're like she'll probably be back in a week he's like i'll be fine he's like you don't have to stay and then she's like lila's like well neither do you she's like why don't we go to america and terrorize an old friend of mine so reginald is driving there's a banging from the trunk. So he's, he's like out in like the countryside or whatever. He opens a trunk, Klaus is in there, he, and he checks his pulse. And he's like, you remain dead for 22 minutes. He's like, I could have taken all your organs. He's like, if the world is ending, he's like, you don't have much time to you know master your gifts. Victor wakes up and sees uh, the Walkman left behind. Allison is sitting back on a, in some back stairs smoking. Luther comes up to her, and he asks if she told Victor, and she's like, not yet. He's like, it should have been a family decision. And she's like, when, which family is that? And she's like, nice uniform. You look like an unpopped zit. And he's like, he's about to leave. But then he's like, should we find someone for you to talk to? And she's like, I'm fine. She's like, you're the one having an identity crisis. So Luther's like, is fine what you did to me back at the hotel? Then Sloan calls. Um, she's like, it's uh, Ben's calling a, a family meeting, you know, both families. So Diego is still looking for Stan, even though he knows what happens. You know, he saw him disappear, but he's still, he doesn't believe that. Five is comes into the room and he's wondering, um, how does the, the room open? And then uh, Pogo said, dad spent years training the kids to go into oblivion. So Diego, he's like, I don't know Pogo's alive. He's like, oh yeah, it's a different Pogo, but yeah. So there's like a, a symbol on the, the main painting door or whatever, which I think is the, the same sigil thing or whatever. Luther and Sloan arrive to tell him that they're coming with them to the Sparrow Academy because it's time to put aside their petty BS and try to save the world. So at the meeting, Victor arrives and he's like, where's Harlan? And, you know, what did you do to him? Allison's like, they didn't do anything. I did. She's like, I killed Harlan. So at first I thought he was just like knocked out. So Victor's like, I don't understand why. And Allison's like, because he didn't deserve to live. And then she tells them that she knows Harlan killed her mothers, and they're like, "Wait, what?" Because you know, no one else knew this. They're like, "How did you know?" And Victor's like, "It was an accident." They're like, "How do you know? You know, he didn't do it on purpose." And Victor's like, "I know because I know him. He, you know, he was a kind and sweet boy until you know I messed him up. So like, I'm to blame. If you need something to blame, I'm right." And Allison says, "What makes you think I don't?" Then Victor's like, "This wasn't about saving the world. This was about hurting me. This is payback for." It. And Allison gets up, "Go ahead, say her name," because she was going to say Claire. So Luther tries stopping him, but the Allison just puts up her hand. And Victor's like, did killing Harlan bring Claire back? And Allison's like, did protecting him bring Sissy back? She's like, it was just as personal for you. And Victor's like, I didn't kill anyone. But Allison's like, but you risked everyone. Do you know what, what that felt like? Watching you fight harder to protect the man who helped destroy my daughter than you ever did to bring her back? And Victor's like, I don't know how to bring Claire back. No one does. But... I was there for you. And Allison's like, to what? Help me grieve? You know, she goes on about how the family is so quick to tell her to suck up her pain and so worried about fi fixing Victor. You know, somebody had to pay because you never seemed to. And she's like, destroy the world, kill Pogo, almost kill me. And for what? So we can all run around and clean up your mess? She's like, I'm sick of it. And Five's like, take it easy, Allison. And Ben's like, shh, he's like, you know, because he's enjoying the fight. He's got like Cheetos or whatever. He's just like watching because he's just such a jerk. Then Victor starts talking. Allison yells, shut your mouth. Like her eyes are glowing and her power is unleashed. Luther gets up and then uh, like Victor 
can't her mouth is shut she's victor can't breathe and elsa's like every time i build a new life for myself you end a world and take it from me and five's like how are you doing this without saying i heard a rumor and she's like oh a little residual gift from harlan luther tries uh not he's like he's like knock out let's knock off the power poop whatever he's like it's not okay and victor gasps is like able to breathe again and allison says quietly it's like we should have left you in a basement Diego stands up and he's like, Allison, all right. And Victor just like backhands her and Allison has a bloody nose, but seems to be happy. And Victor just like storms off. And Allison says, she's fine. She's like, let's continue. And Ben says, Diego's like, sweet. You guys fight just like us. And Diego's like, nah, man. He's like, we don't fight like this. Victor goes to his old room and slams the door, but I guess it's Ben's room because there's a picture of Ben on the wall. So it must be um, Ben's room. And then there's like drawings of Jennifer uh, on the table. So that has to do with like when he died or whatever. Klaus is in a passenger seat now in the car. So Reginald asks, he's like, what did you do for fun? It's like that. And Klaus is like, well, things kind of went sideways a while back. You know, five got lost in time. Ben died during the Jennifer incident. You drugged your daughter for years. You turned Luther into a half monkey moon boy freak thing. And you locked me in a box full of ghosts. And then you killed yourself so that none of us would get any answers. He's like, what I'm saying is you were a terrible father. And Reginald's like, oh, I'll make up for it starting now. And Klaus's like, you just murdered me and stuffed me in a trunk of your car. And he's like, well, you know, I want to start over. I want to train you with your power. And Klaus's like, I can't control how long I'm dead. And, you know, he's saying how, you know, he has to do some training. It's like that. So then they're pull off her the side of the road. He takes out a ball. He's like, you know, catch the ball. He's like, I'm not very coordinated or whatever. Goes over his head. He tries to catch it. And it gets hit by a bus. And it, the bus doesn't even stop. And as this happens, it starts playing Cats in a Cradle, but the Ugly Kid Joe version, which I, I love, going back to the 90s. Um, and Reginald, like, after he gets hit by the bus, he starts to, like, his stopwatch. So he's going to time, like, how long he's dead. So then he said uh, before he dies, you know, he returns at un- unreliable times and he wakes up like a wet neuter or something like that. So he's a liability to himself and the team. So the next time it took him 18 minutes to revive, he, then he gets hit. He tries dodging a car, gets hit by a car, bounces, gets hit by you know two cars. Eleven minutes, then nine minutes, um, twenty seconds, and then again and again and again. At one point, his like bones and they like start snapping back into place. Whatever. It's like six minutes, four minutes, two minutes, and then Reginald, you know, I guess it's like instant. He's like, now you're ready, and he's like, ready for what? Grace, for one thing, she like looks in his closet and there's like a bunch of rifles and stuff in there. It's like, what the heck is that about? The family. Both of them are down in, in the basement, but that the Google Blitz, the energy orb thing, Sloan and Five are, are talking about energy containment factors, whatever like that. And Five uh, says that he's like, I'm in. And Ben's like, you're not the one we need. And Allison Rudley's like, excuse me? Like all rude. And Faye's like, for this to work, we need Sloan, Lila, Christopher, and Victor. And then Allison is so amazingly petty. She's like, of course. And she's like, leaves the basement. It's like, get over it. Oh, man. Victor is listening to Harlan's Walkman. He's thinking about Allison saying, your family, Victor, and there's nothing that would make me love you less. Ben comes in and he's like, what do you do? Then he's like, because Victor's like, I'm not going down there if Allison's still on her. And he's like all jerky, whatever. He's like, have you been up here waiting for someone to chase after you to get you to go down? He's like, my God. And he's like saying some like stuff, whatever. And he's like, then he's like, and stop crying on my bed sheets, emo. It's gross. So he's just such a jerk. 
Klaus and Reginald, they arrive at a cemetery and Reggie says that Klaus has a gift. He has a moral obligation to use it. You know, why is he afraid of it? And Klaus is like, well, maybe because some madman locked me in a room full of ghosts as a kid. Lila talks to Allison, wondering how, you know, they're, they're at a bar and there's only like champagne there. So uh, Lila's wondering how to get her brother to accept her apology. And Allison's like, people don't want apologies. They want confessions. She says, unless you're Victor, in that in which case nothing's ever good enough then allison says that she thought killing harlan would make her feel better or or worse or just something but it didn't lila's like well maybe you're feeling everything at once and it's just canceling each other out and she's like you know it's it's probably that in a few days i'll be dead or in a new timeline where harlan probably never exists anyways and then um she starts laughing she's like it's all bs she's like none of it's real nothing stays so Lila's like, oh, you got the spins now. So she she uh, tries talking to her about the head trip of time travel. She's like, things are still real. They just move by so fast that you get dizzy with all the changes. In the basement, they, they're like, it's time. Um, Victor's there. So Sloan asks Victor, have you ever tried moving? Because Victor's like, what do we do? So Sloan's like, have you ever tried moving a nest of bees? It's like, you can't just pick it up. You have to keep the nest calm while you build a box around it. And then you have to trap it. So Sloane starts hovering a bit, like using powers or whatever to try to contain it. Faye says that one of those black holes inside is vibrating at a different rate. And Victor's like, I, I can feel them. And Faye's like, well, whatever happens, don't let them speed up or change or everything will, will just blow up. Victor powers up. Then Lila, because I guess Lila has like mimicking powers. So Lila has to do the same thing as Victor. So they have to use the, the Kugel Blitz's own gravity to condense it. Then Grace comes down. You didn't tell me you were building a prison for God. You have no right to do that. And she's got like a big flamethrower. So I guess that's why she went in the closet and starts like shooting like flame into the basement. Klaus is walking through a cemetery. He's like hearing like voices, like hissing and stuff like that. He turns on his lighter and sees a bunch of ghosts and they like start chasing him and he's like freaking out. So the flames are getting closer to where they're, they're standing by the, the Kugel Blitz. Um, the, the three of them, Sloane, Victor, and Lila, are still trying to keep, you know, contain the orb, whatever. So then Five teleports Grace upstairs and then twists her head backwards, like around. And he's like, sorry about this. Christopher comes apart then, and then like the pieces of the cube start surrounding the orb. Reggie gives um, Klaus a pep talk saying that, you know, he was afraid of what he be could become. So he wanted to control and contain the kids. So he wanted to make them like afraid of him, you know, scared and, you know, listen to him. So he tells Klaus, he's like, you know, he's like the spirit should be afraid of you. And then he gets up, the spirits are all around him. And then Klaus unleashes this like wave of power that like dissipates them all. So the orb is getting smaller and smaller until it's finally, you know, Christopher like reassembles and the orb is inside. That's it. It's like, what, what are you going to do? So five's like, he returns, like, did it work? And then Sloan counts down like to the next wave and then they get to one. And then the little like fart comes out of Christopher. And I guess that's it. So then they go upstairs. They're celebrating the champagne because again, that's all that there was at the bar, at Reginald's bar. They're listening to like another one bites the dust plays. I don't know if you actually listen to it, but they're like playing, drinking, and shaking champagne like onto the rug. And it's like whatever. Um, things are still tense between Victor and Allison. Whatever. 
So then Luther's on a roof. Sloan comes up. She's like, are you hiding from me? Whatever. He has her travel guide and he made a new list. He's like, you saved the world. He's like, you deserve to see it. And then she opens it. There's also a ring in there. So he made the ring himself. There's a special stone that he brought back. I forget from where. He gets on his, she's like, oh, it's, it's beautiful. She, he gets on his knee. Will you marry me? And, and she's like, yeah. She says, yes. And and they're like, over the city, there's still like flames on some of the building. The sky's like orange or whatever. Lila goes to Diego because he's like sitting up like in one of the halls, like on a chair or whatever. And she says, she's sorry. She lied about Stanley. She's like, I miss him too. And Diego's like, he deserved better. And she asks if he knows why she brought Stanley to him. And he's like, because you're a sociopath. And she's like, no, because I'm a coward. It's like, you know, dropping a, a kid on your lap to see if you re would reject us and, and run felt so safer than telling you the truth. He's like, which is? And she's like, I'm pregnant, Diego. He gets up to leave, but she, she stops him. She's like, I'm pregnant. And she's like, I'll pee in whatever stick you want later. But like right now, we just need to talk. And he's, she's like, you know, my mom put a bullet in my heart. And he's like, yeah, five told me. And he's like, how'd you know? And she's like, the infinite switchboard. She missed his stupid face, so she snuck in to get a glimpse, but then said she saw that, whatever. And then, you know, she's like, she just wants to, you know, be together, whatever, you know, some stuff. And he's like, well, can I think about it? Five talks to Victor. He says, you know, it was really, or Victor's like, it was really nice of Five to kill mom so Diego wouldn't have to. And Victor's like, you know, what are we going to do about Allison? And Five's like, you know, we all worry about Allison, but I'm scared for you. And because Five's like, do you know why I wanted the last jump to work so badly? Or because because Five's like, but you know she killed someone or something like that. So he's like, you know why I wanted this jump to work so badly? Because I slaughtered a boardroom full of people to buy our way back here. And and he's like, crap. So Five's like, little advice from someone who's been there: don't do the math. That equation does not exist. There's no save five Harlins for every two Claire's formula. People like us, we will never save enough lives to make up for the ones that we take. Victor's like, I don't accept that. And Five's like, then you'll drown. It's like, this is the price of being powerful. Sometimes we step on ants. And the sooner you face that, the safer we'll all be. And Victor's like, what's that supposed to mean? Five's like, it means you're very dangerous, Victor, Hargreaves. The decisions you make impact the entire world. And he's like, you don't get to make them alone. You know what they call a superhero who works alone and doesn't listen to anybody? A villain. And Victor's like, I'm not a villain, Five. And Victor's or Five's like, Victor, I hope to God you never will be. But that remains to be seen. And he's like, no more going rogue. If you ever need anything, I'm always here for you. But lie to us again, Victor, I'll kill you myself. Ben and, and Faye are sitting having another drink. He says like, oh, I'm glad it all worked out and we made peace. And Five's like, yeah, but we're still killing them all in the morning, right? And Christopher's like, he, so I guess Christopher wants dibs on Knife Boy. And Ben's like, no one is killing anyone. And he's like, I'm not done with the plan yet. And she's like, done with what? And he's like, that's between me and dad. Faye's like, you made a deal with dad? And he's like, maybe. She gets up. She's like, I'm done. She's like, we don't recognize your authority anymore. You're a terrible leader with no loyalty to anyone but yourself. And he's like, I'm number one. She's like, not anymore. So she raises a toast to and like chimes her glass against Christopher. She's like, here's to a life without Ben. Christopher, the, the dinging, whatever, starts. Christopher starts warbling and like spinning. And Ben tells Faye to, to, to back away. And Faye's like, no, she's like, I'm going to help him. And then the energy orb is back, bursts out of Christopher. Faye is just obliterated. And then the energy wave just goes out. Sloan and Luther are up on the roof. They see like just 
all the buildings just decimated, just push, plowed over by its path. And you're like, we got to get out of the house or whatever like that. And, you know, five teleports out here, like trying to run out. And then um, the orb is just getting bigger and bigger. And then the, the final shot is like, you see the house and the, or- the orb is just like bigger than the house. It's just eating everything up. And that's the end of episode seven. And that's where we're going to end right now. So episode eight, just so you know, is the wedding at the end of the world. So next week, we'll do eight, nine, and ten. We'll see if they survive. Okay, before I get to the movie feature, I want to talk. I, I want to try to talk briefly about a new show on Apple TV Plus called Blackbird. The uh, first two episodes dropped last Friday. Only um, I'm only going to talk about the first one uh, for this week. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. I kind of want to. I really liked it. It's it's really good. It has Taron Egerton, who you may know from Kingsman and um, from Rocket Man, great great actor. Also has Ray Liotta. I, I think this might have been his last role. I could be wrong with that. Has Greg Kinnear, and just like everyone in this is 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 really good. It's a, apparently inspired by a, a true story. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of go through the first one, but I I don't want this to be like a 20 30 minute thing so see if i can go quickly um it's what's interesting is it starts off about you know the whole thing about you know a bird or butterfly flapping their wings in africa and it causes a hurricane in florida or something like that and it's like you know things that you don't think connect that are really they really are and we see this this girl riding a bike and the narrator who is taryn um jimmy keen he's saying you know he's like i never even knew her but this girl is going to affect his life so then it's a chicago illinois 1996 He's uh, Jimmy Taron Egerton is hanging out with three of his friends, or watching like their old football game of themselves. Jimmy's gonna go out. He has this, like really nice house. He's wearing his fancy suit. Um, he's gonna go out. He's like, don't forget to lock up or whatever. So, um, and he takes a pillow with him. They're like, what? He has an expensive car. Um, he goes to this warehouse inside. There's like some cars inside. He meets this guy in there, um, and then he's like, what's the pillow for? At first, I was like, is he gonna shoot someone? You know, hold it over the head. But no, he says that because he he mentioned he has cr- cricks in his neck, so he got him this pillow. So, and then um, they're there talking about uh, like a drug shipment. Jimmy's drug supply was like a kilo short, and so he's going to Roger about this. And you know, he's he's not being you know mean or anything. He's very, everything's very friendly and stuff like that. Roger's like, oh, I'm real sorry and everything. He's like, but you know, how'd you know it was on my end? And he's like, one of my guys told me. And he's like, like Danny. And he's, he's like, oh, you trust Danny more than me? And Jimmy's like, well, I've, I've known him since we were kids, since the first grade and everything like that. They go in this other room, and there's Danny. It turns out Danny actually stole the the, the kilo. So then um, Roger has like a shotgun with like a bean beanbag um, bullet. So he like shoots him like in the chest. You know, he shoots Danny. And then he also has like live ammo. And so like Jimmy's like trying to... He's like, okay, you know, he has a bag with some kilos, and you know, he's he's like, here's here's another one for your trouble, and you're you know trying to save him. So it's just like it's kind of kind of messy, and uh, it was just weird because then it's like, okay, who's got more of the power here? And it was just, anyways. So then um, we see Jimmy. He goes to his restaurant. He ends up picking up this waitress. It's like okay, and then the next day, the the, the police bust in his house. DA, FBI. They're like, of course, unnecessarily rough with him and just like that. And they find tons of weapons and cash and drugs. There's like an AK-47. So they're like, oh, no possibility of reduced sentence because of this. So then we see him in jail. He gets a visitor by Ray Liotta, who's Big Jim, his dad. The and he, you know, Ray Liotta is saying that the prosecutor is trying to prove something with Jimmy. 
Um, but he's like, well, you know, you'll get five years for your, you know, if you t- take a deal, you get four years with good behavior, you know, just take the plea, you'll probably get two years. Um, so we, we find out that Ray Liotta was a cop for 23 years, so he knows how it works. Um, he then he says that, you know, he's like, I didn't want this for you. He's like, I wanted you to have a wife, a kid, you know, a dog, and, you know, it's a steady job with a pension. But Jimmy's like, but then I could have never have helped and, you know, done the things that you guys needed. So, but Big Jim is like, just, you know, take the deal. So he goes to court. Um, the judge is like, okay, you know, your dad was a cop. You're a star athlete. He give you know, to charities. Um, but what you're pleading guilty to is the sale and trafficking of narcotics, possession of paraphernalia associated with those narcotics, and possession of multiple illegal firearms. So he's like, he pleads guilty. But the judge is like, the amount of narcotics is enough to push the sentence to 25 years, which is what you would have gotten if you know that would have been a minimum if the case had gone to trial so you did the smart thing and and plead he's like but there are weapons which one presumes you are prepared to use against other human beings in order to protect your narcotics therefore they're going to put him into custody of attorney general of the united states for a minimum term of 120 months 10 years and then this the, the, like the prosecuting dude mr beaumont he was the one that said he'd get five years and so he's like cursing him on his way out then it's like seven months later so he's in jail. He gets taken to the infirmary. He's like, what's this about? Whatever. There's this lady who was at the trial. She was there. She introduced herself as Special Agent Lauren McCauley. She's like, you can call me that or Lauren. Mr. Beaumont's there too. And he's just like looking at him. So he, they read his file. He gets along with both of the gangs. Um, he stays away from people he doesn't know. He has a sideline. You know, he has a stuff a thing happening that he uses to get fresh meat and vegetables. And he's like, you know, prison food sucks. Um, she's like, can I ask what that sideline is? He's like, I rent porno mags for like half hour, which is really gross, but whatever. Um, then she says, uh, you know, he's got this pattern where he talks a lot at, at the beginning, tells like an anecdote or something, you know, something like that. Then he sits back and he lets the other people talk. And she's like, look, I'm doing it too. Just something in your eyes, like, you know, just, you just look so caring and concerned or whatever. So they want him to transfer to another prison and befriend someone to elicit a confession. And Beaumont's like, they need precise location of a dead body. So they, there's this file there that he can read. They're like, this guy has killed 14 women, maybe more. Um, they've only been able to tie him to two, but they only have one of the bodies. So Lauren's like, they would like to find the other one, maybe 12 more. And Jimmy, he's like, where's the prison? They're like, Springfield, Missouri. So it's maximum security specializing in the criminally insane. And he like laughs. And then he's like, not for all the money in the world. And Lauren's like, well, what about for your freedom? If he transfers, you know, he has to get the information. They're like, no body, no release. And then he's like, no. So they're they're like, the dude's conviction's on appeal. So if he goes free, he's going to kill again. He's like, it's not my problem. He's like, I'm, I'll am i be sad. He's like, I don't know these people. But they're like, you know, this deal won't walk in the door twice. So at least read the file. Then we see Georgetown, Illinois, September 10th, 1993, four years early, earlier. Here's some parents watching like a flag girl flag foot, football game or whatever. Um, Greg Kinnear is, is there. He's Brian Miller. This other cop comes up, says that this one dude won't be home for dinner. They found Jessica Roach. So Brian goes with him. It's a girl on a bike from the beginning, you know, out in this like field. She's she's dead, which is horrible. Ugh. Then it goes to October 1994. So it's just like a year later. Uh, Miller's talking to a guy about a couple of 14-year-old girls on a bike driving around. They, they mentioned a van or something like that. And the, the driver said that, oh, he liked their boobies or something like that. And the, the girls got a plate, but they never ran it because the guy's like, the, you know, the girls were just, you know, whatever. They're being, you know, 
I don't know if they said they were being dramatic or something like that. So um, it's this dude, Larry um, D. Hall from Wabash, Indiana. So it's like, if he's from Indiana, what was he doing in Illinois? And because uh, one of the things he found out, there's something about a van that was nearby. One witness said there's a van. He knew it was a Dodge van because he was a mechanic, but he couldn't tell the color because it's kind of dark. And uh, this guy, Larry, has a van. So um, then Jimmy's in the present. Jimmy's dad visit him, says, you know, he's thinking about the deal. He doesn't think it's a good idea. Um, Jimmy's been thinking about the deal. Then it cuts back. Miller's talking to the, a detective from Wabash. So he's like, yeah, I know Larry. It's a small town. He's like, he's into Civil War reenactments. So maybe that's why he would have been out in Illinois. <laughs> so it keeps cutting back and forth. Like we see Jimmy's thinking in prison. There's like a prison montage. I'm working out and just doing stuff. Um, fell on Black Days from Soundgarden's playing. So it was, it, was, it was cool. Miller calls this one place about if they've had any permits on Civil War reenactments. And they're like, none in the last three years. But then she's like, oh, wait, but there was a Revolutionary War, war when last summer on July 19th. And then he looks, it was like there was a dis- person who reported missing on July 20th. Um, then in the present, Jimmy's mom visits. Uh, turns out his dad had a stroke. And Jimmy's like, is he okay? She's like, he told me to say he was. Um, but he's can't talk clearly. He can't do stuff. And, and she's like, he mentioned you had a deal to get out and, you know, whatever right she's like he doesn't have 10 years but there's like some tension between them because then he's like well why didn't i know about that or why didn't i hear because it happened like the week before and she's like i'm telling you now and she's like and i had to do this or whatever you know to to drive 200 miles out out here and so there's just um yeah some something happened between the two of them miller greg kinnear talks to the other detective he says larry's harmless he's just his weirdo he grew up as a grave digger um, he confessed to a missing college girl, but you know they said he, he lied. He's just a serial confessor. So um, then it cuts to the present. Jimmy says okay to Lauren. He, he meets with her, and she's like, okay, but we, you know we never told you the job was yours. You know we're looking at other people too, so we'll take you into consideration. Obviously, he's going to get it, but it's like wait. So he thought it was like automatic. Then we see Miller goes to talk to Larry. Um, there's this other detective that says that. You know, they drove around with him all day to look for this Reitler body. And Larry just wants to talk. He didn't give him anything. There's like nothing useful. So he's just like making stuff up. Greg Kinnear goes to talk to him. Then, at, you know, he, he asks if he went to revolutionary reenactment. And this guy, he's very, it's like socially awkward. You know, there's like, there's something going on here. And then he's like, uh, maybe, you know, it's like, how, how do you not remember if you went to another state to go to a civil or you know revolutionary war reenactment because he's really into civil war ones and then he he kind of admits it he's like whatever he's he was driving around looking for a guy who owned a dodge charger because you know he has a dodge van and there's like this one part or whatever likes whatever that that can be used and then miller asked him if he remembers talking to two girls and then he's like oh i was just asking for directions like yeah they were rude and then this other cop he's like tell him about your 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 vivid dreams and he's like, oh, whatever. He's like, they're just dreams. So he has vivid dreams that he kills women, but he's like, they're just dreams. Then the last scene is uh, Jimmy reading the, the file and Larry in his cell. Because obviously he needs to get to know this guy. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. So like I said, first two episodes you, you can watch. Maybe I'll talk about the next two next week or I, I don't, or maybe I'll just talk about episode two and just be a week behind to give myself a break. We'll see. But it's it's just it's so good. You should definitely be checking it out.
And now the movie feature, Thor, Love and Thunder. So I will just straight up say, to start off with, I, I really, really, really liked it. Uh, I, it was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I loved uh, Natalie Portman getting to be Thor, Mighty Thor. I thought that was was great. Uh, Valkyrie is good, and uh, Korg. <laughs> I, I love love Korg. There's just a lot, lot. There's just so much fun here, and um, I know some people say that that sometimes the Marvel movies are too funny. I almost felt like. I almost felt like I don't. It, it seems like it works here. I didn't feel like there was so many jokes here. I felt like the jokes work better here than they did in Multiverse of Madness, which I also liked. But I, I just feel with the way Taika Waititi is doing it, you know, just the, just the color palette of the movie is just like so bright and vibrant, and it it just kind of like it explodes, like it gets bumped up, you know, it's just just it like pops out in your face. So it's just a, a a lot of fun, and this is where, uh, as as I was talking earlier about the comic stuff, you know, because the movie opens with Thor being with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I I can't say right now I'm super duper looking forward to the next. I need to watch like Guardians of the Galaxy too because I haven't watched it in so long, and you know I really liked those movies when they first came out, but I'm just like not super excited for them, and I think part of it is as we see like when Thor is departing them because obviously. Uh, maybe it's not obvious, but you can kind of tell from the trailers. The Guardians of the Galaxy aren't going to be in the whole movie. So when they depart, they're just they're kind of rude and jerky to him. It's like, did they just not like him? They don't care about him? Or did they not care about anyone? You know, he wasn't really one of them, but he went with them. And I'm sure he, you know, we see that he helps them out. Does he always help them out in the best possible way? Maybe not. But it just, it made the, the Guardians look really jerky. And maybe that's because it's not James Gunn who really cares about the characters. I don't know. So it was just, I'm just like, okay, yeah, see you later. Uh, but goodbye, good riddance type of thing. So I don't know. But it was cool to, to see them. And I think that just helps like reaffirm that this movie is or is in this large connected universe. So seeing, I mean, it was cool seeing the Guardians like fighting and, you know, just everything going on here where, you know, I just, I wasn't really, even though they're, clearly in the trailer i wasn't really expecting that for some reason maybe i thought it was like they're just gonna be in there for like two minutes and then thor is gonna take off but you know we, we do see them a little more than that a little more in two minutes so it was it was kind of cool but as as far as the story goes and then i i like how we see asgard like new asgard on earth that that's still there you know being established and valkyrie is ruling the city and and going and then um I, I, I say I gotta be careful. So I will talk about some spoilers at the end, and I'll, I'll give plenty of, of warning. But the, the overall story. So I, I, I need to try to organize this, be more concise in my talking. Right. So we were introduced to Christian Bale's character, and you know, as he becomes the God Butcher, there's got to be a reason for this. And I guess it's is it the most sensible excuse to go out and want to you know why does he want to kill the gods he needs a reason and on one hand it's just like dude just relax a little bit but on the other hand it, it does make sense you know the, the reason for for him wanting to do this and i i won't get into that in, in case you know if you're not aware so he and how does this happen you know he, he basically has this sword this like mythical or this cosmic sword that can kill gods 
So it, it's it's not just like some dude's like, oh, I'm going to kill God. It's like he has the, the means to do that. The problem is that that mean that the sword also is like a curse. So it's um, it's going to corrupt him, obviously, because it's, a, it's such evil thing. So we have that part. And then there's um, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but if you read the comics, you know, Jane is cancer. Jane Foster has cancer. And so when she becomes Thor, you know, if if, if he read the comics that, you know, she was had the power and everything like that. So she could, you know, be Thor and not have to worry about, you know, being sick from chemo treatments and stuff like that. But obviously there's there's more to it than that. So seeing her as, as Thor, I, it, was, it was so, so cool. It was so, so much fun. And, you know, Thor being Thor being, you know, Chris Hemsworth goofy and, you know, seeing his ex-girlfriend who uh, he obviously still has feeling. Oh, and that was another part. We do see like more of the relationship, which which was never really like fully um, pursued or seen. You know, it was just it was all like off off camera, or, you know, off panel. So it was cool to see a lot more. Like, why did they break up or, you know, how did things go? So we, we do get some sort of like montage flashback moments, which I, I think was really awesome to, to, to see all that and jane what i like is she's she's kind of goofy in a way you know she's got this power and it's not like she's like oh i've got this part you know she's gonna be stiff and you know, so she's still just kind of enjoying it and you know getting into it so it would be a cool thing all of a sudden you have this power and you can do all this stuff and, and so she's like excited for that and after, you know, because she always kind of played it straight and narrow in the other Thor movies that she was in. So it's like, you know, doing all this stuff and just, you know, pushing herself academically and everything like that. So it was, was see, cool to see her kind of cut loose a little bit. And just like the fight scenes, like her fighting, Thor fighting, Valkyrie fighting, uh, you know, it's just, it was just really, really cool. Then seeing like this, just a story go on and, uh, you know, how can we stop, you know, Christian Bill? Christian Bill. I don't know if I mentioned it, but he was so, he is such an amazing actor. I mean, you look at everything that he does, he somehow, he just channels the, the character and just creates something. And his character was just so friggin' creepy. And just the way he kind of moved and everything. So it's it's a mixture. There was an interview, was, I think it was a Hollywood reporter. I saw this little video clip on, on Instagram where he kind of, he acknowledged and gave a lot of credit to the makeup department because he's like, we sat there, you know, four hours every day to, to create this. And he even said that, like, while he had an idea about the character and everything like that, it wasn't until like seeing what he actually looked like that really like cemented who the character was, you know, and how he was going to do it and everything like that. So it's just such, you know, with the makeup and all that, and then his performance, he just, he was so friggin' creepy. And, uh, it, it was just, it, it was, it was really cool to, to see him. And even though you're just like, who's this dude? But then you're like, Oh, this guy. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. And, and just looking at it, um, it, when it, like it ended, I was like, "Man, I, I want this to keep going. I, I want more." And and so I was it was kind of kind of sad in a way. There's a lot of Guns N' Roses music, and not just "Sweet Child of Mine," which you know I always make the joke that you know it was using all the ads. But I, I guess what it is, Taika Waititi, Guns N' Roses, is like one of his favorite bands or, or that album. So you know, there's a lot of it. So so that that was cool. As far as uh, the the movie, it had a 250 million dollar budget and it's projected to do 140 to 167 million the first opening no wait wait that's a wait opening weekend 345 to 120 million total domestic 
and the movie made 29 million from Thursday night previews. It's the second best of 2022 behind Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness and the fifth best for Marvel. So, um, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 68% approval. So it's weird. I'm seeing just like on social media, like different things. I'm seeing like like a lot of people just like loving this. Some people are saying like, oh, this is the best Marvel movie in like a long time. And I loved it and everything like that. Other people are like, like, oh, this is just so bad. You know, this is just whatever. So it, it's weird that um, it, there's just like such a, a big difference. And uh, I mean... Obviously, not everyone's going to like everything, and they don't have to. But it's just, I, I, it's not often you just see such such drastic, you know, at least in the little bubble of what I look at. You know, I, I don't, I'm not talking about like like actual reviewers. I'm just talking about like my 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 Twitter timeline or my Facebook, you know, timeline. Just seeing, you know, a lot of people just really loved it, and some people are, are saying like, oh, it was just so it was boring, or so I don't know. But I, I just really enjoyed it, and I think you know, there's something about. Taika Waititi to just he just creates something and he just I, I thought it was really good so because um, yeah looking at like some of the stuff AV Club gave it a B feeling that it did revisit the cheeky sentimental tone of the nearly universally beloved Thor Ragnarok proposed blah 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 but then Hollywood Reporter said the movie feels weightless flippant instantly forgettable sparking neither love nor thunder which I do not agree with that so I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was really good. Um, except there's something I didn't like. It kind of made a couple of things. So I think on that note, just with the length, of, I mean, there's not much more to say. I'm trying to think if there's anything um, that I want to touch on. I mean, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I thought the characters were amazing. The performances were great. I, I liked the overall story. Oh, I didn't mention Russell Crowe. <laughs> he was good. I did not like the character, which you're not supposed to. So he was good at that. So I uh, just everything it was. It was just a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed the movie. You know, I saw it with my daughter, and it, you know, smiles on her faces, and just it, it, it. That's exactly what I wanted. Is just to have fun, and I thought they did a good job propelling the characters forward. And I can't wait. What's next? I I need more. But with that. That is going to, um, I'm, I want to just talk about a little bit at the end, a couple things. I'm going to do some spoilers, actually, maybe three things or something else I want to talk about. So, if you haven't seen it yet, you can pretty much, and you know, you can stop here. Um, if you want to fast forward, look at the time codes, go to the, the outro to hear about, you know, next week or whatever. But other than that, that's pretty much it that I'm going to say about. That I, I'm going to get into spoilers, so I'm giving you plenty of warning to reach for your device. If you're listening across the room or if you're in your car or where you're at work or whatever, get ready to pause it or turn it off or you know do something else because I'm going to spoil things. So I'll give you a countdown of five, four, three, two. Why am I doing this? Two, one. Spoilers. Okay. We're now in spoiler zone, so you have been warned plenty. Uh, one thing I do want to say, the, the cracked Mjolnir I thought was was amazing. Uh, the, the way when we see, because so so basically, spoiler, Jane goes to New Asgard. She gets like this calling, and Mjolnir kind of forms together. So you know the, the the pieces were like preserved, you know, in in this display thing, and there, it was kind of guarded, whatever. But maybe not when she went. So I, I thought that was 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 really cool. 
and uh, explains how she got the pieces. And that's why it's all cracked. Now, one of the things with the cracks as she's fighting, this is really cool because being that Mjolnir is kind of sentient or controlling, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was a little more sentient in the comics, it, it felt like, than like before. But there's parts where Mjolnir actually comes apart and like can do like multiple attacks and then come back together, which I think is just really cool. You know, it was it was a really cool visual way. Now, the main thing that I did not like, spoiler, is that Jane dies. You know, cancer, you know, whatever, there's not always a cure for everything. You know, being Thor wasn't, you know, it was like in the comics, every time she turned into Thor, it was kind of negating the chemo treatment. And she was kind of like taking two steps backwards. So she'd get this moments of, of power, but then it was actually harming her. And there's parts where even though she has a power of Thor, we see in a movie, you know, it's she's kind of getting knocked off her feet. Sometimes just it's catching up to her. So I really didn't like that. Uh, I, I get, you know, but why why couldn't we have her as Thor for a while? And then, you know, I, maybe it's like, well, then what? We're going to have Thor and, you know, Jane and Thor going off and doing Thor adventures, whatever. It's like, why not? But we have that there is obviously i which i i won't get into it there's one thing with the end credits does that mean anything not necessarily i mean it could lead to something else that we have in the comics but i just i wasn't happy with that and and obviously whenever there's a comic book death there's always a chance of someone coming back so could she come back it's possible you know they even make a point to uh mention loki dying three times and and guess what he's still not dead season two coming whenever so yeah we have all that we'll we'll see and then the other thing is um what like i I won't fully spoil it it's so silly that i want don't want to spoil it but thor's kind of status quo at the end his his new direction it it could have some merits or it could it could have it could be fun I don't know how I feel about it though, because it's it's almost like a sitcom situation where it's like, okay, let's do this now, and um, we'll see. I, I I don't I I'm not completely sold on it. Maybe I'd have to see it explored more to see. I'm sure it could work. Chris Hemsworth could make it work. It could be a lot of fun, but I'd rather have Thor and Jane go off into the sunset or go off on a new Thor adventure. But we'll see. So that's gonna be it. Um, I, I, I love the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I do want to see it again. Uh, I thought it looked great. And it was, like I said, just a lot of fun. So that's going to be it. That is also going to be it for the podcast. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes or more of podcast entertainment every single week. So just last week I discussed 2002's, right? Um, 2002's, uh, amazing Spider-Man. Sorry. I'm like trying to do something else, which I shouldn't be. And, uh, so I'm going to do another movie this week, which I don't want to spoil it or mention it here, but um, you, you'll hear about that. And sometimes I talk about comics. <laughs> I need to clean this up. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. 
That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. Okay, what's going to happen next week? That's what I was actually trying to do. Is I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking at my theater since they don't always have anything. So Marcel the sh- in the whatever in the shell what's that movie called see i don't even know that's i think coming out maybe this week uh it might be like a limited thing and wide i don't know if it's going i don't know if it's out already and then so my theater is not listing that yet so the only thing when i'm looking at thursday there's pause of fury the legend of hank um yeah i i i, I did see the trailer when i saw thor it looks like it could be fun but I just, I'm not really that interested. There's Where the Crawdads Sing. It's got a Taylor Swift song. I love Taylor Swift. I don't know if I really want to see the movie. Uh, it, it, it's not, I mean, it, I, I will see it like when it's streaming somewhere probably or maybe like a rental, but I don't know if I need to see it in the theater. And it, I just, I don't feel like it's a podcast movie. I don't know. Oh, but if I, so if, if I don't go to movie, what is coming out, I believe, on Thursday the 14th, this Thursday, is Resident Evil on Netflix. So maybe I can you know, watch a chunk of that. I don't know if I'd get through it. If it's eight, I don't think I could do the whole thing in time. But maybe do most of it, or half of it at least. So I think that'll be the main feature next week. Other than that, then the week after that is Comic-Con. And that's going to throw a lot of stuff for a loop. So um, I'll have to see if I can still find a time to record maybe i can try to record the main stuff and then also do comic-con stuff because if, if i don't talk about the shows that week like if westworld or whatever else then i'm gonna be like two weeks behind which was well i'll figure it out obviously so thank you for listening thank you for being here thank you for your support um again you know if, if you can help out patreon that would be amazing it would be great you know even if it's just a dollar if you know five dollars gets you the secret podcast so if you want more podcasts, I, I'll give it to you. But thanks for, for listening and everything like that. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 